Hey there. Welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. This is your safe place. You're safe here. Oh, wipe away those tears. No, oh, come here. Come here. Where Are you seeking shelter from the storm? <laughs> Where's your shelter? <laughs> you silly little ninny. Get over here. What, you don't like hugs? Well, you come to the wrong place. <laughs> We're going to be your refuge. So just come on. I'm Mommy Bird. Just let Mommy Bird take you under her wing. And she's going to tell you all about Christopher Nolan's Interstellar. How about that? How's that sound? Sound pretty good? Oh, I think I see a smile. <laughs> what? You feel broken? Aw. You're not broken. That's right, Mommy Bird isn't done with you yet. Not at all. Not even by the slightest. You get over here. Are you hungry? Well, Mommy Bird's going to feed you all of her thoughts on the new Star Wars title. That'll fill you up, won't it? What's that? You're cold? Aw. If you're cold, don't worry. Because I'm going to wrap you up in a big Hero 6 blanket. Just roll you around. All over the place. It's going to be nuts. What's that? You're sad? Alright, that's enough. You're just a big fucking pussy. Seriously. Seriously, I've gone out of my way for you this whole fucking time. I've hugged you, I've fed you, I've wrapped you up in a blanket. Now this is just getting fucking ridiculous. Episode 66. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about It's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's race it, clean erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. I'm still pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Mr. Peabody. I'm Sherman. And, and we're, we're the Leftovers. leftovers. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. Uh, Jake, how you feeling this week, man? I'm feeling good. Feeling good? Yeah. 
So do they they hear the bumper music that we hear too, right? Yeah, every it, week. Yeah, I thought so. It's other people's privates. Am I still not hip enough to know what that really ever meant? Uh, I think it's other people's pussy, right? But it means both, right? There's the male verse and the female verse. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So the privates is the generalizes all of it, right? Uh, yeah. Property, right? Is it property? Privates? I think it's property. Other people's property and other people's pussy. Okay. I think is what it is. All right. Yeah, Frank's here. If you didn't hear that, uh, <laughs> other people's Peabody, other people's <laughs> Peabody. <laughs> Doesn't Mister Peabody sound like an R. Kelly song? Holy yeah. Shit. <laughs> wow, I, did, I, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trapped in the closet. <laughs> that's that's scary. I'm leaving you. <laughs> no, hello, everybody. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Howdy. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Nick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so how was everybody's week? We're, we're all here. It's episode 66. How, how was everybody's week? It was good? okay. Good. One of the better ones I've had in a while. <coughs> good for yeah. you. That's good. Uh, what do we got this show? We got, uh, we got all kinds of stuff. Right? A lot of stuff, right? Interstellar mm-hmm. review. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew McConaughey movie. We got Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about the Star Wars uh, title that was announced. We're probably going to rate it. Oh, all right. They named the Star Wars movie? Yeah. Huh. All right. No, I'm t- just kidding. I'm I was like, kidding. oh my God. I was going to say, I know you knew about that. I play poker. That was my poker face. <laughs> the Jake Sold Awakens. Me. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I saw, I did see, uh, we're not going to talk about it this week because you've promised me that you're going to see it yes. this week. Okay. Yes. I saw Birdman. And I and you promised me. Now it's in wide release now, right? It's in. I saw it. I saw it. Uh, it's. I know it's in uh, Plain Indicator. It should be playing in Peoria somewhere. That's what I would have figured. It was at one theater indicator, and it's. At, I know it's in one in Champaign, so you should be able to see it. If I get to drive an hour, I'll do it. It'll just have to be on Thursday. Mm-hmm. But see it. We'll talk about Birdman. Next I'm excited. Week. And you saw it already? Yeah, I saw it. Uh, saw it. Uh, was it no Friday night? I'm excited. Yeah, so Friday night. I'll see if I can't try to go catch a catch that somewhere myself. Yeah, I'll, I'll be about an hour away all week anyway. So, uh, question for you: Did you get to see Interstellar? Yeah. Did you see Big Hero Six? No. Oh, okay. I see. I would have thought it would have been flip flop <laughs> with <Right>. the kids. <laughs> well, I got a one year old and a ten year old. I didn't have the ten year old this weekend, mm. so uh, yeah. Otherwise, it would have been flipped. Right. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I can't wait to see Birdman. I was still thinking about that. It's been so long since we've seen Keaton in anything, but just like bit parts here and there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I still didn't even see the RoboCop film. Yeah. I saw it. It was, yeah, I tossed it. I toss it. Yeah. I'm really chomping at the bit to talk about Birdman, but I'm going to hold off. We'll wait till next week when you've seen it and then I, we can get together and kind of like talk about this fucking movie. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, we did get, uh, an email this week. Uh, it's from our, uh, buddy Anderson Aruda. Mm-hmm. He says, I have a question for you guys, and I'll try to keep this short and sweet. I recently taught my class about the Holocaust, and I decided to use X-Men Magneto Testament for a read and report assignment. The kids loved the book. Even the girls who have never even thought about opening a comic book enjoyed it. They were surprised about how deep the stories of comic characters can get, and in many ways they were moved by this comic in particular. After I heard that, I told the class about Corby Brandis, a guy from Oregon who started the Church of Superheroes, a new religion that uses the lessons from comic books as the basis for moral teaching. This all got me thinking about comic books that I feel have shaped me as a person. For example, Art Spiegelman's Mouse, X-Men, 
God Loves, Man Kills, Persepolis, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing Run, and V for Vendetta. All these books taught me life lessons about racial and political issues, beauty, religion, and what it means to be free. I guess what I'm asking is if comic books, or in Frank's case, video games, movies, or TV shows, have helped shape who the leftovers are today, and do any issues, series, or characters stand out the most for you guys? Hope to hear back from you guys, and like always, thanks so much for finding the time to put the show together every week. P.S. I was wondering how far up in ranks I've moved for getting the Justice Lamb to return to Twitter. <laughs> wow, that's a great question. Which one? How, the, how, how many ranks he's moved up in the leftover army? Not the, not the Justice Lamb question, <laughs> but the, uh, the question about what comic books have helped shape and make who we were today. Oh, God. That's, what, a, yeah. what a question. That's a can of worms. I'm right? a pile of shit, so <laughs> what comic books have been... Toxic Avenger? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, yeah, Jake, you want to tackle this one? I, I'm, I'm trying to brainstorm on it. Gosh, I, I mean, I don't think I read a lot of the headier stuff until I was a lot older, like in my twenties and stuff. Like right. I didn't read Mouse and, um, like V from Vendetta yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. I, when I was a kid, it was mostly just Marvel stuff. Yeah. But like, what did How you did take they, away? What did I, take I mean, away I can tell it? you like, uh, I can tell you one thing I really took away is like, it really like taught me like diversity among people really well within reading comic books and stuff like that. Like it was the norm for someone not to be perfect. I know a lot of people say the opposite and fixate on how, you know, comic books are so unfriendly to that. But to me, it actually like seemed like it really was like a lot more than, than I was seeing like on TV at the time and stuff. Um, a religion, it's kind of shaped it a little bit too. Like I've always thought, I really appreciate like how in the Marvel universe, how like every religion seems to coexist together right like everyone's deity and and god is just all there on one big like melting pot of religions in the marvel universe and yeah i've always appreciated that you know yeah but it's, uh, i can't think of like a specific instance i'm sure there is one i'm sure like we're gonna wrap this and tomorrow i'm gonna be like oh my god yeah hey. yeah so i don't know i think like courage i think like reading reading like uh craven's last hunt Mm -hmm. You know, that storyline showed me courage, I mean, because that was, you know, Spider-Man was very much fearful through that. So, you know, I mean, just him being courageous, that just taught me a lot about courage. Yeah, I agree with that. And just like more more so on that, like Spider-Man, when we were growing up, was a lot of him struggling with whether or not he wanted to be Spider-Man because he got his ass handed to him so many times. Yeah. And that that really helped with courage, too, and just, you know, knowing to keep at it. Right. So, yeah. What do you think, Frank? What what video game shaped your life? <laughs> the Mario Brothers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whenever you see a turtle stomp on that bitch. Um, no, I – it's kind of hard to say because when I think of a superhero, I, I just automatically start thinking of someone with, you know, irredeeming qualities. And, you know, I – I'm very fallible. I I don't know that I can really point to one and say, oh, yeah, that guy, he's really made an impact because I'm still way far from perfect. Um, uh, about the closest thing I could think of would be uh, Final Fantasy IV, mm. and that would be uh, the one with Cecil. Mm-hmm. And he starts off as a dark character who has done some bad things. And... As you progress, he ends up abandoning um, the past and basically forgiving himself and moving on to become the the hero 
made of like pure light. He becomes a Palatin. Um, I've had a lot of dark times in my life, and I, I guess the loosest like thing I can associate with it is that eventually the light will come. And I can say that it has. I mean, my life is a lot better now than what it was, you know, when I was a lot younger. So, yep. Sometimes you just got to grind it out and level up, right? <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I'd say like uh, watching like the old uh, Superman, you know, Christopher Reeves. I mean, I think he made an impact on me growing up. I think he stood for everything Superman did for you know did at that time. Yeah. You know, he's a different kind of Superman. He's right. not like you know the. He's not a uh, comic book Superman, but I mean, he was uh, he was a hero, and I, I loved those movies growing up as a kid. The first two, yeah, yeah. The third and the fourth one are, are okay in their own different ways. Oh. <laughs> They're awful in as, my opinion. As bad movies. They're like some yeah. of the best bad movies, kind of though. I don't really. I don't revisit most of those two movies. Really, really. Superman four cracks me up, but it's so terrible. And that's the one with like the nuclear man, right? That, yeah, that's the one. I yeah. vaguely remember watching part of that as a kid, and remember it being so bad that I have not seen it since. Yeah, they fight on the moon, and he like pounds Superman with his fist into the surface of the moon, and like leaves him trapped there. It's pretty. <laughs> it's pretty funny. The special effects are pretty hilarious. Huh. Fun revisit if you haven't seen for like I haven't years. seen it in a long time. It's yeah. been a long time. I would need to watch it again. I uh. mean, it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the third one more, and that had a good scene in it when he's fighting like the dark mm-hmm. Superman. I thought that was cool. That part is cool. That's about it, though. Yeah, that's about it. All right, guys. I, I think we're just going to move into good pop, bad pop. Yeah. Does that sound good? Sounds good. All right. Yeah. Uh, good pop, bad pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. All right, Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week or weeks that we either read or watched that we liked or disliked. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening to Pop Culture Leftovers, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. I want to give you guys a heads up. Clive is sick this week. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. He can't make it. I think he's got Ebola. I hear that's what's. Uh, I think so. He has like an eighty percent chance to die. Maybe, so he's not going to come back. Maybe he's pulling like a Robert Downey Jr. and holding out for more money or something. <laughs> we haven't paid him a dime <laughs> yet. I don't know so. what the deal is, but like I, I always thought of him as if he if he was ever to go down, it'd be from syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> I've never thought that, Frank. <laughs> he's I, got yeah. I get bored. Got you do. Think. You must. <laughs> But uh, we have somebody filling in for him this week. The rating system is fucking simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they fucking toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you fucking taste it. And if it's fucking brilliant, it gets a fucking Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a fucking Tupperware party. That was uh, Dan West. Nice. Hell yeah. That was listener Dan West, our buddy from England. He did a great job. Yeah. Yeah. So, do you see what I mean? How his accent's similar to Russell Brand, not his actual voice, but yeah, yeah. No, no, no. you don't get that. No, I don't mm. get it. A-, a little bit, whatever. This is the same guy that reviewed Mr. Peabody oh, and Sherman. Fuck, man. It's, it's not a Russell Brand impersonation by any means. No, no, but... no. That's his actual speaking voice. No, I realize. Yeah. <laughs> 
Poor guy. Don't compare him to Russell Brand. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. The guy's supposed, to be our, guy's supposed to be our friend and a member of the Leftover Army. I know. That's my, Le- just knock it off, Frank. I totally failed in my mission. He wanted me to bring that contract in. Yeah. Why? And, dude, 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 week I, number two, and you haven't done that. Dude well, sounds no, like James fucking Bond, not Russell Brand, right? We gotta, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, uh, I, I had to go check out Interstellar today. I played that, and I actually saw a woman outside walking, and she dropped her panties. That's how much he sounds like fucking James Bond. <laughs> All right? All right, all right. Russell um, Brand. <laughs> but no, yeah, I just – I ran out of time. I had to spend an hour and a half with my wife and kids so she doesn't uh, leave me and I don't scar the child for life. So didn't have time to look for it. I know awkward, where it's at. Awkward, awkward thing to say. <laughs> all right. Awkward. Oh, God, Frank. All right. This is going to be a doozy. Um, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about Christopher Nolan's Interstellar later. But first I wanted you guys to listen to something. Filmmaker Joe Nicolosi got his mom – to watch Christopher Nolan's Inception that stars Leonardo DiCaprio and then tell him what she thought happened in the movie. You guys got to listen to this. Oh, I'm excited. So, Mom. Yes. What did you think of Inception? <laughs> it was just so tedious. I just had to take some breaks. I had to check my phone. I had to walk around. <laughs> so the movie starts out. Once upon a time, there was a young man. Played by Matt Damon. Who's Cobb. (laughs) Created this process where you could get into people's brains and create new realities. Cobb was married to Mole. So he created a new reality for her. And so she basically killed herself so she could go back to this imaginary whatever. But anyway, he enlisted the aid of a tycoon, promised to get him back to his children if he would do something for him. Oh, I will pause for a moment. I think it's really intrusive to plant ideas in someone that it's like the NSA. They're spying on us. They know our whereabouts. You know, they're keeping track, whatever. But what's in our head, no one really can get at. So that whole thing of inception, I'm really against. Let's get back to the movie. Yeah. Cobb goes to his father, who's some genius and his father knows a really really brilliant genius this young girl who can solve mazes was that Amy Adams? <laughs> it's not Jennifer Lawrence is it Jennifer Lawrence? it's not Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> <laughs> this young girl in the quest with some other help Adam I kind of was wishing she would fall for him you know Matt Damon I really really liked his performance but I don't think he won the Academy Award for it. What other movies has the actor from Inception been in? Hoover. Who's the actor in Titanic? Leonardo DiCaprio. Did I mix them up? What's Leonardo DiCaprio? Hoover. <laughs> it's okay. Matt Damon. What's his name? He goes into his first dream. This van was falling from the bridge into the water. <laughs> In the second dream, he's at a bar at a hotel. Yeah. Matt Damon pretends he's security, which is so weird. The third dream is this Arctic fortress. The hope was that all these different dreams, somehow the things would actually happen. Whatever. I really did like one scene where you had all the women in their headbands. What? <laughs> yeah, the women were crowded around a doorway and they had their colorful clothing on. I don't remember that at all. But you'll have to look at <laughs> <laughs> What would you 
think if Leonardo DiCaprio was the main character in this movie? Probably wouldn't have been the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I never remember my dreams. Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to? All right, I just wanted to play that. I thought it was pretty hysterical. That was that was hysterical. That was great. She never remembers her dreams. She doesn't even remember the movie I she know. just watched. Of she course, the she thought the main actor was Matt Damon and it was Leonardo DiCaprio. And even when it was pointed out to her, she still thought it was Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like how sincere it is when she says it wouldn't have been the same without her. <laughs> she had the wrong person the entire movie. <laughs> Good stuff. All right, this uh, next uh, sec- uh, bleh, talking weird, not working today. My God, I've been in like the movie th- like the last four days. I've seen three movies. I've, oh, I feel like I've damn. been like in a movie theater like this whole time. It's yeah. insane. A little so. bit of tunnel vision still. And yeah, everything. yeah. And we're recording earlier than we usually. Not recording like earlier in the day, but we usually just sit around and bullshit for like an hour before we record, and like we're jumping like right into it. You know? So. Yeah, we, we cut the bullshit time by like eighty percent. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right, this has good pop written all over it. The day before this year's Halloween, ProMedica, Toledo Children's Hospital, put together an amazing superhero event for their patients. The story comes from comicbookmovie.com. Following the annual Toledo Children's Hospital Halloween Parade, staff members took patients to the playroom. There, they watched a special news report by Chris Peterson, who warned them the evil mastermind, Professor Trickster, had stolen all of Toledo's Halloween treats to power his winter weather machine. To make matters worse, Trickster had been spotted near the Toledo Children's Hospital campus. Peterson reported the only way to foil his diabolical plot was to wave glow sticks from each hospital window to signal the world's superheroes for help. Patients eagerly waved their glow sticks, hoping the masked men would soon arrive to save the day. This is when 12 SWAT team members from the Toledo Police Force dressed as Marvel, IDW, and DC superheroes arrived in a ProMedica air helicopter. Oh, my gosh. When the copter landed upon the roof of the ProMedica Toledo Children's Hospital, the costume SWAT team rappelled down the side of the building, stopping along the way to wave at the starstruck children. The um, Toledo Blade... Via comicbook.com, they report, standing in front of a large floor-to-ceiling window, boys and girls in Halloween costumes pressed their faces and palms to the glass, waiting for the heroes to come down. Every time they heard thuds outside, they started to shout their guesses. It's Spider-Man, one kid yelled. No, it's Batman, another said. Spider-Man, who repelled upside down, might have been the crowd favorite. The children sang the cartoon theme song, or at least the lines they knew, and flicked their wrists as if to shoot out their own webs. They pounded on the glass for high fives, turned to one another, and totally freaked out. And then um, I thought it was interesting. Um, somebody, I think, Frank, I think you and your brother showed up because uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Oh, gee. They showed really? Up. Yeah, they showed up right behind all the, the Avengers. <laughs> Frank, were you there? Were you at the Toledo? No. ProMedica no. Children's Hospital? Nope, nope, nope. No, no, no. I was just thinking about no, that buzzer. No, no, no. No, no, I was just thinking about that buzzer. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm thinking no, about the no. buzzer too, Frank. Yeah. He does no. the song to the do, 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 do. But that's a great story. That is a great is. story. Uh, how excited those kids had to have been seeing mm-hmm. that. Oh, Absolutely. So good for them. That's an awesome event. And um, if I remember, um, I do have some of the video of this event. 
and I'll post that on our Facebook page. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, if you haven't joined our Facebook page, do that. One guy was IDW, you said. It was IDW Marvel in DC. Yeah. There's probably that one guy. There's always that one guy in the crowd that's like, ah, I'm just going to save money on a costume and wear what I have. So he was, <laughs> he was G.I. Joe. Or Transformer. Maybe. He might have been Bumblebee. Oh, there, okay, there <laughs> yeah. you go. All right. Uh, last Saturday at the fourth annual Stan Lee's Kamikaze Convention, Stan Lee announced to hundreds of excited fans that he is embarking on one of his most ambitious projects yet, a worldwide search for his biggest fan. Stan Lee, the co-creator of Spider-Man, Iron Man, Hulk, the Fantastic Four, and more superheroes than any other, is an iconic legend to comic book lovers around the world. Now, in partnership with Live Journal, a destination for personal blogging and social networking, fans from all over the globe can submit their entries to Stan's Biggest Fan Contest and vie for a chance to meet Stan Lee himself in Hollywood next year. Here's what Stan had to say about the contest. Over the years, I can't do a Stan Lee voice. <laughs> Excelsior. True believer. <laughs> Over the years, I've met thousands of fans. <laughs> not bad, not bad. And comic lovers at conventions worldwide. And I'm always amazed at how passionate they truly are. <laughs> Partnering with Live Journal has given us the platform we needed to enable fans worldwide to share their passions and prove why they should win a chance to sit face to face with me. So, Come on, troops! Show us what you've got, Excelsior. <laughs> that was. Good. Did you add, did you add the Excelsior? I did add the Excelsior. <laughs> good, good addition. Fans wanting to enter Stan's biggest fan contest can visit Stan Lee's live journal page at uh, whoa. I'm, I can't. I can't. It's like one of those Bitly pages. All right, just go to Stan Lee's live journal. Just a Google search for that. So, what do they want from you? They want like a paper. Uh, Do they want pictures? Entries, uh, I don't know. Uh, you gotta go there for all the information. Uh, it says entries will be accepted until December 31st, 2014, and a winner will be announced in early 2015. One lucky winner and a guest will receive an all expenses paid trip to Hollywood to meet their icon and have a meeting with him at his company, POW Entertainment. The prize will also include two round trip airfare tickets and two nights of accommodation. Five runners-up will receive a limited-edition Stanley gift package, including a personalized signed journal, T-shirt, and a video message from Stan Lee himself thanking them. Uh, follow Stan Lee on LiveJournal by visiting therealstanley.livejournal.com. Wow. So, yeah, it's kind of exciting. That is exciting. I wonder what it takes to be the biggest Stan Lee fan. Is, oh. it, is it how much money you spend? Is it how much knowledge you have? What, what's the you've, what's the criteria you've, here? You've got to have an insane comic book collection, number one, right? Yeah, I think so too. Um, you've probably got to have like a bunch of like articles and stuff like that cut out. Probably put in like a weird scrapbook. Yeah, maybe have like you Full know side standups like fat heads of Stanley, something like that, like a fat head on the wall. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe like uh, your bedroom looks like uh, Peter Parker's bedroom in <laughs> Spider Man Two, where his dead parents and he's trying to put all the clues together, and you've got like a bunch of like uh, lines pointed to Stanley on the wall and a bunch of pictures and shit. It and almost maybe, sounds yeah. like you're writing a Stanley horror movie where somebody stalks him and <laughs> maybe. Maybe there's a like shrine in there. Misery <laughs> maybe a shrine with yeah. candles. Shrine. Yeah. You, you would have had to have like edit together every Stanley appearance in every movie into one big clip and put it on YouTube for people to see. And yeah. That'd make you a big Stanley fan. I think technically you would have had to have met Stanley quite a few times to be the biggest Stanley fan of all time too already, right? Um, and the guy's all over the place. If you're the biggest Stanley fan in the world, 
hasn't been too hard in the last 10 years, 10, 20 years to meet Stan Lee. It would make a better story if it wasn't somebody that had met him, though. Maybe somebody that didn't have the means to meet him. I mean, to meet him now is – it's difficult. I mean, you've got to spend like – Anywhere from two hundred and fifty dollars. Oh, that's true. That's true. Like those packages when he shows up at places to actually see him or like through the roof. Yeah, right? like if you want to do the meet and greet, like they're five hundred dollars for like the VIP package for the photo op and the yeah the picture and the yeah. sign. I yeah. mean, if you don't have the means for that, well, you've probably been blowing all your money on fucking comic books and pictures and everything else on them too. Yeah. So Oof. I don't know, man. That's interesting. Yeah, it'll be cool to see who ends up winning this thing. Yeah, I wonder what they're going to do with that. I wonder how they're going to promote that. Are they going to use that to promote something? Well, last week, didn't you say that I talked about uh, who is the director that was doing a Stan Lee movie? Oh shoot! I don't. Was it the Was it the Nightcrawler guy, the Dan Gilroy? Oh yeah, yeah. Didn't you say he's doing like a Stan Lee movie or something? I can't remember, quite remember. I think he did. Maybe it, that's going to be included in that movie. Maybe it's like some kind of like a, yeah. I know they've already done a Stan Lee movie and everything like that. Like yeah, I think they'll do a definitive Stan Lee movie eventually. Yeah, like the Oliver Stone <laughs> doors of Stan Lee movies right. will happen like after he passes away. And right. Like, well, I mean, I mean, a lot of people don't know about the drama shit from back in the day yeah it so. could, and they could do all kinds of stuff with that you could do a real like bunch of courtroom <laughs> drama type of stuff with yeah. the stanley story mm-hmm. i mean it'll be coming they're doing like steve jobs again oh yeah. yeah there was the one with ashton kutcher and then uh there's another one coming up I think. yeah christian bale dropped out and i think they're looking to get michael fassbender to play steve jobs now i can <clears> see that and uh what uh wozniak is going to be played by seth rogan Oh, okay. He's got the look. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. He looks like Wozniak, so, yeah. Yeah, I like I like biopics like that. Yeah. I'm excited for that uh, Stephen Hawking's movie coming out. It, that just released this past weekend. Did it come out? Yeah. Did it come out? Is it limited, though? Because I don't think it's... Yeah, I, I, I know. The only reason why I know about it is because I uh, follow him on Facebook. Okay. And it's actually him who's running his own Facebook page. So he was talking a little bit about it. I think that would be fascinating to see yeah me too does he is he happy with it does it yeah he's proud of it okay yeah he he was promoting it on his facebook page awesome all right guys from cinema blend this is a bizarre story coming out of the uk angry grandmother marianne saunders posted to facebook claiming her three-year-old granddaughter witnessed two strangers having sex in a public washroom whoa what does this have to do with what? pop culture? Where where am I coming from with this story, Frank? I'm afraid to ask. Where's it going? Where's it going? The woman was butt naked, <laughs> but the man was apparently dressed in a Tigger costume. Oh, no. Oh, man. Tig- so- Tiggers are made for bouncing, right? And bouncing's a wonderful thing. <laughs> I think we just figured out what Dan West does on his weekends. Holy oh, shit. Oh, no. Here's the post she submitted to the Dawlish Neighborhood Police. Sonder said her daughter took her granddaughter to the toilet. There was, a, there was a couple in the baby changing room having full-blown sex, she wrote on Facebook. Full-blown. Full-blown. Full blown. Like, is there half-blown sex? Yeah, half-blown sex. That sucks. Right. You only getting the tip in? I mean... Yeah. Tigger goes all the way. (laughs) Definitely. Tigger doesn't mess around. They slammed the door in my granddaughter's face and caught her hand in the door, (laughs) resulting in bruising to her fingers. This is a disgusting act and in a baby's changing room. They were about 30-ish. The man had a Tigger outfit on. 
the woman was undressed. It's not very nice for a three-year-old child. <laughs> not that terrible. <laughs> Poor Disney, too. Yeah. I just, you know, to be fair, though, I heard in the report that there was a tie on the door. <laughs> oh, yeah. So when there's a tie on the door, you don't go in. Right. Yeah. Wow. Is that still the thing? Do they still do that in, like, college and stuff? You put the sock on the door? Yeah. I don't know. For roommates? I don't know. Is that a thing? I don't know. We've got, probably got some college listeners. They can let us know. Yeah, we Idle curiosity. Yeah, no idea. Been a while. I know. I mean, the worst thing that ever happened to, like, Pooh was, like, getting his head stuck in a, you know, a honey jar, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah you know, it's never been, like, Tigger getting his dick caught in a badge. You know what I mean? Getting caught in a storm. <laughs> I would have loved if she was in a piglet costume. I think that would have been even better. Yeah, I would have liked Eeyore. Aww. I was thinking Eeyore. Or, like, a menage with, like, Kanga and Rue. Kanga and Rue. You yes. know? <laughs> Rue can run the video camera for all those awkward angles. There you go. I'll say you get Owl to do that. I had I don't know why I brought that up. I just thought, hey, it had a Disney character in it, so that's pop culture. Rather right. be bitching about it, trying to tell him how to do it better. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, did you guys get a chance? Please tell me that you got a chance to watch 75 Years from Pulp to Pop. I watched about half of it. Nope. God damn you. I didn't even know anything about this. I didn't even know anything about this. I, I saw the um, <laughs> oh my god! I saw the Alrighty. clips that like just the stuff like the clips separately. Right. I saw about half the actual broadcast. Okay, but I did see all the goodies that like on YouTube and stuff. I think it was Tuesday that it was on. Uh, the special took viewers through the entire seventy-five year history of the comics publisher, starting with their origins as Timely Comics up to today with Marvel Studios. Um, some of the things that they talked about in this that I thought that were awesome. I mean, they talked about the comics code Mm -hmm. and I always find the comics code very interesting. Um, I find it fascinating too. Yeah. Marvel broke it with that green goblin shit. Yes, they did. Yeah. Well, they, they tried to find other ways around it too. Mm -hmm. Um, even while they were doing the comics during the comics code, you couldn't have like certain monsters weren't even allowed. Yeah. Like, like vampires because they were dead and they would suck blood. Mm-hmm. So like all of your like, you know, tales of suspense and all these comic books, pretty much they didn't fall in line with this. And, and you know, like a lot of the uh, horror comic books and things like that didn't fall in line with the comics code. And they couldn't have vampires and monsters and things like that. There's no, no. And so y- you didn't have that. Yeah. That's why Morbius Mor- was Morbius, the living vampire. That's exactly it where was I their, was. like loophole around That's exactly it. Yeah. where I was going. Going because he he was a living vampire. Yeah. Yeah. So, so oh, it's okay. It can be comics code because he's right. not undead. Right. Yeah. You couldn't have any undead. The, the rules were just crazy. Right. Um. And no drug use. Yeah. No drug use. No whatsoever. drug use at all. Um. The special took you through like Stan's early days at Marvel and then him being with you know Marvel for like twenty years doing comics that he didn't really want to do. And then him wanting to leave, which led to the creation of the Fantastic Four. He said, if I'm going to do one last comic, I'm going to do the comic the way I want to do it with characters that I want to do, characters with flaws, you know. uh, And he did that. He created, you know, Reed Richards, who – very flawed because, like, he – he had a hand in creating uh, one of his friends to turn into, you know, the oh. thing, mm-hmm. this rock monster, something to like this day, which he blames himself for. Yeah, that still goes on to this day. Right. But, uh, you know, they also loved each other as a family. And uh, the Fantastic Four is still around today. And, uh, I mean, it didn't stop with that one comic book. It was a hit. People finally got to see comic book heroes with, with flaws that were more human that they could relate to. Yeah, Stanley knocked it out of the park with that. What a, what a crazy, magical time 
from Fantastic Four number one on. I mean, yeah. just so much creativity just, like, spewing out of Stan Lee and these I artists. I, mean, I would have loved to have been a kid growing up during that time and picking up these books off the shelf. Yeah, but, I mean, counterpoint, like, being the age we are now, it's like it took 75 years before they started getting these movies, li- movie licenses. I mean, even before Marvel Studios was doing anything, it took the, the major studios forever to pick up on Marvel licenses. Yeah, yeah, but even back then, I mean, if you would have gotten started back then, you would have been a part of like a really underground thing. Cause like now it's like everybody's into it. Yeah. Um, in a way it's cool to be just part of like, like the small click and like some of the first people to go to like, you know, San Diego comic con and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, it is cool and more acceptable now because like now you can like get on Twitter or get on Facebook and talk to people that are into the same shit as you. Yeah. Even if like a lot of our listeners, like some of them, you know, send me emails and say, dude, you know, like I'm in, this other state, I have no friends here. I moved here and like, I don't have anybody to geek out about. And that's why I listen to you guys. Cause you guys talk about the same shit that I'm into. And it's like sitting in a room with my friends. Yeah. So we are in a good time. I, I get that too. But yeah, that's a really good point you make about social media in yeah. today's day and age. Like shit, you can even tweet the creators of the comic book and yeah. ask them questions. And yeah. a lot of them are really gracious replying and stuff. Yeah. A lot of the comic book creators do get back to you, which is nice. Yeah. Um, Stan talked about how he wanted to take the monster that was being used in other books as the villain and turn him into a hero. And he did that first with Ben Grimm. Mm. And then later on, he did it in his next book, The Hulk. Mm. Uh, they talked about the creation of the first black superhero, the Black Panther. They talked about the creation of Spider-Man. Talked about uh, Marvel's bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, tons of cameos in this. We had Kevin Smith, uh, Stranko. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis. Yeah, all the little interviews were really cool. Yeah. They, had, they, had, they did a special just like this, I feel like, about six months ago. They did something. Uh, I think it was just with – it wasn't about like Marvel the comic side really as much. Yeah, yeah. It was more about the movies. But they, they still had a lot of great people. I felt like yeah. there was a lot of the same like people they had in the uh, yeah. confessionals for it. Yeah. Uh, Seth Green. Yeah. Yeah. All the way up to – they talked all the way up to like the current movies and they got some behind – we got to see some behind-the-scenes footage of Ant-Man and Age of Ultron. What are you doing over there, Frank? Nothing else. Okay. Just organizing some notes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're always looking down and I'm like, what is he doing over there? Well, it, it's either move my eyes around or stare deeply into yours. Oh, please. <laughs> please, Frank. <laughs> Hold on. You, you had him at stare deeply. <laughs> All right, let me set the mood. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> stare deeply. Come on, stare deeply into my eyes, Frank. <laughs> that, here's the fucked up thing. I got one staring at the fucking monkey in the corner and the other going at you. Okay. The weird <laughs> thing is, though, right now, people that you can't see this, is Frank is putting on a Tigger costume. <laughs> <laughs> and he's eyeing the monkey in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Uh, <laughs> Vader's jealous. He's checking it out. All right. Um, I yeah. have, have to post a picture of the monkey in the corner on the Facebook so <laughs> yeah. people have some. Oh wow! He's a fucking alcoholic. Look at what his mess is. Yeah, him and <laughs> Batman's been passed out by him. For yeah. A while. <laughs> you guys think we're lying? We're not lying. No. I'm gonna snap a picture of that before we leave and throw it up. But yeah, we got some uh, behind the scenes footage of Ant Man. We saw the Ant Man costume laid out on the table, which I thought was cool. It was cool. Uh, we got a Peggy Carter clip. 
I don't know. I'm mad on Peggy Carter, too. Ah, I mean, I wasn't too impressed. Yeah. I got to see the whole thing. I got to see the whole thing, but I wasn't too impressed. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch it. So uh, I'm going to Tupperware the special. I thought it was great. Yeah. I think a lot of people learned a lot of things that they didn't know. Most of it I knew, honestly, because I've seen, I've you know, watched a lot of specials in the past and read up on the internet about a lot of this stuff, but it was still cool. How did it do on ratings? Any idea? I have no clue. I mean, it took the place of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., so oh. if it did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s numbers, I don't know <laughs> if it did too well. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's nice to have some people get, you know, educated about the comics instead of just knowing everything from the movies yeah, and everything. Yeah, I agree. I wonder if it's something that'll show up on demand here soon. I'll have to see if I can't find it. So this is the same year that it's Batman's 75th anniversary and it's Marvel Comics' 75th anniversary? That's crazy. Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, it, it wasn't originally Marvel, though. Yeah, it but, was the Timely. Yeah. But is it 75 years since Timely? Is it 75 since Marvel? This is classic Marvel shit where they just rearrange the numbers however they please to have special bonus anniversary sure. specials. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how they worked the numbers, but yeah, they said 75 years from Pop the Pulp. Yeah. So. 10 years from now, they'll be like, fuck it. It's the 100th anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> guys, um, that's all my good pop, bad pop this week. What do you guys have for me? I didn't watch yet. God damn it. <laughs> I, uh, I have got two things. Uh, the first is Mr. Peabody, no. and the second is Sherman. No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys have heard about this, uh, the Amazon Echo. I have not. Yeah, I heard a little bit about it. Um, it's a device, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Joe, Joe, I can't pronounce his last name. He still won't tell me how to pronounce his fucking last name. Joe Vital. Vital. Mm. Yeah, Vital. Vitaly. 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, anyway, Echo. Um, yeah, it's a... Uh, it's an always-on device. Uh, it's got some advanced microphone technology that they call Farfield. Um, it is a cylinder. Uh, it's like a giant can of Red Bull. It's roughly about the size and shape of it. Uh, it's got two speakers in it. Uh, it's got Wi-Fi and Bluetooth technology. What it does is it's kind of like a hybrid, something similar between like what you would have with Siri and what you would have with connect like with an xbox one um it listens for like the wake word that you give it and the what i read about it they use the word alexa and i never did get whether or not that's the word you have to use or if you get to choose one for it to acknowledge like with the xbox one in order for it to start you know paying attention you have to say xbox and then whatever uh, to give it the command. So you say the wake word and then it'll try to carry out the command that it's given and it can play music from, uh, whatever, like, uh, marketplace that you have, like whether it be iTunes or Google so Play. So it's and a beatbox? I'm confused as, as to what this thing even is. Yeah. Is, 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 I, I am not buying this thing if this is what it is. This is what I'm getting to. It'll do other things too, like read news. But it'll pretty much do anything like a Siri can do, but the big pitch is. So it has that, a screen? I'm sorry. No, it, it it looks like a giant Bluetooth speaker. Okay. Okay. So the big thing. So if is, I tell it, if I say, if I tell this thing, um, please make Frank stop talking about you. Will it do that? No. Damn it. So <laughs> it won't duct tape your mouth shut. No. So we can move on to like an interstellar review. No, there's. I'm trying to get to the point. The big pitch <laughs> is that it doesn't matter where you put it in the room. Uh, it can be in the corner, and the commercial played that up. Uh, a big issue that you have with things that are voice activated like Connect is that 
ambient sound and its own noise kind of distract it. Um, but it updates itself via the cloud. And the demonstration that they had in the little commercial, uh, these people, it showed these people using it in the home. Like if somebody was trying to convert ounces into uh, liters or whatever, she just said, Alexa, how many ounces to whatever? And then it would respond. Um, so, I mean, it does everything that Siri does, but it, it's hands-free. It's always on. It's always listening for that wake word. And the reason why I, I bring it up as a good pop is it seems simplistic, but where we're kind of headed with it, and I don't think we're there yet, is things like in Star Trek where people would say computer and then issue a command like play this music or ask a question and it would give them the answer. Um, this is also something I think that eventually we're going to start seeing hardwired into homes. As much as everybody uses these wireless devices and such, it's not so far off to think that – I mean people are already putting speakers and stuff in their walls. Yeah. I'll wait for the Apple iHome. And, and Well, see, that's the thing is they didn't make this proprietary. It works with iOS. It works with Android. It works with Amazon stuff. And um, uh, let me see here. I'm not excited. Really? No. No. I mean, I'm excited for the full on, like I can walk into the room and say whatever, lights, TV channel, this, do that, do that. How right. much That'll does be this, nice, how but... much does this, uh, modern Marvel cost, Frank? For Prime members, it's $99. Right. And for non-Prime members, it's $199. Uh, it, it's really a convenience measure, yeah. but as... It just seems like a lazy man's Google. Is it something. a speaker? Yeah, there's two speakers in it. Will a, it control a... my other stereo systems? That I'm unaware of. Because if I don't want to hear my, I, like I'm picky. I want to hear the music out of something besides that little like standalone speaker. Sure. I mean, I don't know if you can interconnect it to where you know you can use it like a medium to where if you issue the command play whatever music it does it through the other speakers. I could see that maybe being a feature. So well, later okay, on like what else does it do? I mean, like okay, so I just want this. Thing. Is it a music player? What the fuck? I mean, or just ask it questions and it talks to you and shit. You, you can do anything. You can ask it questions. You can have it set timers for you. Uh, you can have it play music. It, think of it – okay, I mean you're familiar with Siri, right? Yeah. No, yeah. Frank. I'm, I live under you a would, rock. You would use this the same way that you <laughs> would use Siri. If, if you want Siri to set up a reminder for you, you can do it. You can do that with this too. But even though it's an Amazon product, it will hook up to whatever – device wi-fi you know that you have it, it is essentially like a communications medium for your tablet for your you know your smartphone things like that and they made a big deal about this thing being able to be anywhere in the room uh i and they also conveniently were showing it in several rooms like a hint here you go you can have one in every room of the house so it's not even available for sale yet i signed up for an invite. Uh, and I'm not saying this thing's like the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, I'm given the idea to taste it off of everything that I've seen for it so far because the big thing here is whether or not it'll actually do what they say. They made a big deal about you not having to yell at it. Like people who've used the Kinect know that, you know, when you're trying to get the Xbox's attention, you say, Xbox, whatever, and you might have to do it two or three times. The interface is crap. But they're really pitching it off. I mean, even though this thing's not very big, it's got seven uh, microphones in the bottom of it. How is this going to make your life easier, Frank? 
since it's not uh, you know hands activated, where we're headed with this kind of technology <clears throat> is them. We already have things that control your temperature, kind of like what Jake was saying, like lights on, lights off. Um, you can use it to control everything by voice. I mean, 10, 20, 10, 15, 20 years ago in uh, TV and movies, we were seeing things like this uh, coming up, you know, coming to be. Yeah, but like you, Back you, to the Future 2. But and, you said you didn't know if it was going to, like, be able to operate all my other stuff or not, like my other Bluetooth enabled devices, right? Like, will it operate my Bluetooth enabled, like, stereo? That, that I don't know. Yeah. It, it'll it'll hook up to your like tablet or your smartphone or computer. That way, it can access your files. That way, if you want it to play certain songs, it will. I think your other devices have to be compatible, probably, with this thing. But that's yeah, the thing I is they so. didn't they didn't make it proprietary. Uh, now, as far as it controlling something like the stereo, which is simply just a receiver, that I don't know. Yeah, so, I don't. I'm not sure. It, it's mm-hmm. tasting the idea because I just think it's neat that we're getting to a point where. You can spend not a shit ton of money for something that you can access via anywhere in the room without having to grab a hold of it. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with my wife just day to day. It kind of got me to thinking, mm-hmm. like, not not so much like what day is tomorrow, but like, do we have any appointments? And then just say, Alexa, do you have an, do we have any appointments for this week? And then it'll go through your calendar and let you know. What you've got. Yeah, but I just do all that shit on my phone. Right, but it's kind of the next step. I mean, they're already doing a lot of the hands-free it's, stuff Jake, with it's iOS. it's a big cylinder that you can take with you. <laughs> I mean, who hasn't wanted to take a big cylinder with them everywhere? I've always wanted to take a gigantic cylinder with me everywhere that I could ask questions to. Yeah, I mean, my phone's already in my pocket with the calendar app and scheduling alarms and all that. Right. I mean, I, it's I, It's the same thing. But you don't have to have. But it's your a, hands big free to it. it's a big cylinder. It's a big cylinder, Jake. <laughs> I don't know. It, it it seems like a good idea. It, it seems, seems like, like a big a waste of money to me. I, I toss this. Yeah, thing. I toss it too. Yeah, I, I taste it with a potential Tupperware later on. I mean, I would never successful. buy one without at least hearing what it sounded like, like in a store. Like I wouldn't just buy oh, one sure. off online without right. – or at least watching a YouTube video. Well, yeah. even that I wouldn't want to do. I want to hear what this thing sounds like, like yeah. in a natural room. I know what you mean. But I mean I, I've already had a little bit of a taste of some of the convenience that something like that can do with yeah. that with that Xbox One because it, it you can hook your TV and stuff through it. It has an HDMI in and out so it controls your like uh, satellite or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of nice to be able to say – whatever xbox lexo what have you volume up volume down without having to try to find my remote apple just bought beats by dre like pretty recently yeah and they're going to come out with something that is just going to kill the shit out of that sure like like i said it's a it's a taste it more or less for the technology more over the you know the brand the actual device that it is i I just like the idea of it and i'd never heard of anything like that that acts as a hands-free medium and is a big cylinder, <laughs> all in one, all in one package. Where do you put that when you bring it with you? <laughs> it's not really. <laughs> it's more dirty. for like home. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> it sounds more of something that you're gonna have for home use. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't. I, I didn't get to watch much this week. Even my regular shows, I didn't really get to catch. I think all I caught was the new Once and the new Survivor. Once has been still been good with the Frozen stuff. Yeah. Um, I've seen some reports that they casted a person to play uh, Cruella DeVille. 
Oh, yeah? So, excited to see what they're going to do with that. Right on. Are we going to uh, talk about the little bit of NOLA news in the news section? Do you have, do you have that in the hopper? Uh, you know what? Uh, you can... Uh you can talk about that right now, actually. I just thought it'd be something fun to blab about real quick before go for we talk it. Yeah, about I was actually well, I was going to text you and have you cover that whole story. So, yeah, go for it. <laughs> it the story really cracked me up. It was reported that uh, – who did Nolan do an interview with? Um, Guardian. That um, a comedy ending in the style of Marvel, a real movie wouldn't do that is what Nolan said. Right. And um, – so basically he's saying like those extra scenes that you wait through the credits for, like a real movie wouldn't do that. Or at least that's what The Guardian reported it as. But Nolan did another interview where he kind of backtracked and said that that's not what he meant at all. He said, I would never say someone else's film isn't a real film. He, he said The Guardian's quote was inaccurate. So, But it, it was kind of funny. Like what, I, yeah. What did you take from that? Do you think he's, uh, do you think he's just backtracking? I think he really does feel that way. I think he didn't i think they made it worse than he probably said it like i i agree with both sides but right. i think in the same way that he refuses to have any of his movies 3d rendered i think that's kind of like proof that it, he also doesn't believe in doing something like a gimmick like having a scene at the end of the credits i think to christopher nolan it does make it kind of not art to do something like that. Yeah, you think he's being Mr. Artsy? I think he's being Mr. Artsy. Yeah. You know what, though? At, at the very end of Batman Begins, mm-hmm. where they talk about the Joker and he actually hands him one of the cards, mm-hmm. even though it didn't appear post-credits, it still is just as much of a setup as any post-credits scene. No, but the, it's not the gimmick. He, I think he was specifically talking about the gimmick of, like, waiting and then like the shawarma scene from avengers or like oh, yeah. having like a cheeky scene no i get what you're saying though frank i mean it's like if that 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 scene easily could have been like you know they could have like cut that and then slipped that in at the end and yeah. that could have been your post credits but that wouldn't yeah. have been art oh i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah you know to, to each their own you know what was hilarious though is um this story came out and then when I saw Interstellar, I saw it with like a packed ass fucking crowd. And um, the minute the titles came up at the end that the movie was over, I like, well, I can go. I know there's not going to be an end credit scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I did the, I same, did the thing. same thing. <laughs> and I was yeah. the only person in the theater that did that. Every other person in there sat in their seat still. Yep. It was about fifty fifty for my group. Yeah. Um, I always go to the same theater opening night, mm-hmm. and it's like opening night is a Thursday, and it was eight o'clock, and there were. Maybe five other people in the theater with me for Interstellar. Yeah, wow. oh. opening night at huh. that. I go to I go to a theater. It's a nice theater. It's called the Strand. And uh, opening night, not a lot of many, not a lot of people come out on opening night. They always wait till the weekend. They they don't think of they think of opening night as Friday. Oh, still. it's and kind of a so, new trend in the last like eight to ten yeah, months. Yeah. So like Thursday nights, typically they used to be at like midnight. They had to wait till midnight. Now they're doing it at like seven o'clock, mm-hmm. eight o'clock. And so like Thursday night and eight o'clock for Interstellar, there was maybe five, six other people there. Right. And I loved it. I absolutely love watching oh, movies yeah. that way. That's how I saw Fury. That's how I saw a lot of a lot of these movies that come out. So yeah, I just thought that was a funny story, and like I said, yeah. it was hilarious that everyone was camped in their seat waiting <laughs> yeah. for some extra tidbit. You guys want to talk about uh, Interstellar? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I just real quick, totally. You can cut me off if you want. I did have a bad pop. If you want it, oh god! All oh, right, god. bring your bad pop. <laughs> yeah, it's an iOS game, Hoff Zombie Beach. 
uh, David Hasselhoff. Uh, it was ninety nine cents. Uh, it's it, a Hass- David Hasselhoff video game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you roll around on the floor? No, no. <laughs> it, it, it's a uh, Plants vs. Zombies wannabe. Okay. And like <laughs> when you start the level, he pulls up and Kit and jumps out, and he provided voices and for like one liners and stuff for the game. How much is this thing? How much? Ninety nine cents. And you paid for it? Yeah. Yeah, I paid for it. <laughs> so, I taste that. Yeah. But um To be fair, Frank is half German, so <laughs> it's in his blood. He's gotta do it. It's patriotic to him. It's Swedish actually, so Does he say don't hassle the Hoff? I'm sure he does. There, the, that's one of the things you can unlock is different one liners. And it's it's like he doesn't drop them until you unlock them. Wow. But I wish I could say that the game itself was good, but it's not I've played Planes vs. Zombies, and the, you can't move the Hoff up and down fast enough to, like, line up with the zombies. It's very inaccurate. Oh. And there's, like, you have to stop every 30 seconds or so to collect coins from the zombies that you've killed. And it really disrupts the game. I mean, you can't get any kind of a rhythm to try to figure out the control scheme. And the learning curve is just... Nuts. I mean, the first three or four levels are like cake, like this is no problem, and then it like throws every zombie it's got at you, and you can't kill enough of them. Is the game compatible? Out. Is it compatible with the Amazon Echo? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Can you play it with a cylinder? <laughs> oh shit. Uh, the um. So okay, yeah, it's the game itself for the actual game is a, a toss it. Okay. However, uh, I, I would say taste the experience overall for ninety nine cents just because of the train wreck that is David Hasselhoff. Some of the one liners that he drops uh, as an example, it was a rough day at the office. Oh, oh brother! Man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's just complete crap, but it's awesome in its crappiness. So, <laughs> so what do you? It, 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 like I said, for the game itself, toss it. Uh-huh. But if you're looking for a train wreck that's funny and it's ludicrousness, you know, it's like, you know, you can't look away. It's worth a buck for that, I guess. Frank would buy that for a dollar. Yeah, I did buy that for a dollar. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it's time for Interstellar. Let's talk about Interstellar. It's a pop culture leftovers movie review. been a while it's been a while yeah i thought it was necessary interstellar are we gonna have spoilers i think we kind of have to right yeah. let's have spoilers fuck it all right if you don't want to hear spoilers for interstellar skip ahead i don't know how much you need to skip ahead just keep skipping ahead until we stop talking about interstellar <laughs> get ready to hit that 30 second forward button a shit ton yeah shit ton interstellar is a 2014 science fiction adventure film directed by christopher nolan starring matthew mcconaughey Anne hathaway jessica chastain and michael kane the film features a team of space travelers who travel through a wormhole in search of a new habitable planet it was written by jonathan nolan and christopher nolan all right, so basically in this movie, there's a society based around producing and maintaining uh, crops and farmland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's set in the near future. The Earth is no longer able to sustain humanity. Crops are routinely ravaged by dust storms that scour the land, and mankind has regressed to a stateless 
agrarian society. Like I said, uh, it's a society that's based around producing and maintaining crops and farmland. Cooper, played by Matthew McConaughey, a former NASA test pilot and engineer turned farmer, lives with his family, including his father-in-law, Donald, son, Tom, and 10-year-old daughter, Murphy, better known as Murph, who believes their house is haunted by a ghost that is trying to communicate to her challenging Murph to prove the ghost's existence through scientific inquiry, Cooper discovers that the ghost is an unknown form of intelligence, sending them coded messages by means of gravitational waves altering the dust on the floor, directing them to a secret NASA installation led by Professor Brand. So, we're going to rate the movie, we'll talk about it, um, but uh, I want each of us to rate the movie. Gotcha. I'll go for it. Go for it. Um, yeah, leading up into this, I gotta say, with the, um, the news story we talked about, and, um, just, you know, Christopher Nolan being artsy about the Marvel stuff and everything, and then knowing the movie was three hours long, and then I went and saw it when I got off work, so I was just like, oh crap, it's time for a three hour pretentious, moody Christopher Nolan movie. And, um, I was pretty blown away by this, actually. I really enjoyed it. I am, um, I'm gonna Tupperware it. It, um, yeah, I didn't, pay attention to the trailers too much um even when you read the synopsis there like that was more than i knew going in and i I was really captivated by it um i i kind of felt stupid when they revealed the big twist about like who the communicating person was and i feel like maybe that might have been easy to figure out for a lot of people and a lot of people may have been way ahead of that but i was a dummy and i was not ahead of it so i was kind of blown away by that um I loved the visuals. Um, I loved the music. It, the music was really unique. It, it was like 80 science fiction music. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, there was a lot to love. I thought Matthew McConaughey's performance was amazing in this movie. Um, really nailed that just like kind of regular Joe. Um, I liked how smart the science fiction was too. I liked how it just dropped you in its world and really did not hold your hand at all. Like you just, you really quickly had to pick up from the context of what was happening, kind of what the situation these people were all dealing with. And it, it was great. It didn't coddle you at all. And it was a lot of fun. I, I want to sit through it again, even at three hours long. I'm excited to see it again. I instantly went online to read about the science theories behind stuff and was like, just instantly like into the fiction of it all, like and, and the fact of it all, and just wanting to know more. So. I, I completely agree. Uh, I, I thought it was an absolutely great movie. I mean, great really doesn't even do do it justice. Uh, Tupperware all the way. Uh, my my favorite thing about it, I think, was the pacing. Um, like you said, it dropped you right into it. You kind of mm-hmm. had to pick it up as you were going along. And then it moved along so well with different, you know, obstacle, confrontation, what have you, uh, from one thing to the next. And you didn't have to hang on to a whole lot in between them other than just a little bit of knowledge. It, it, it was really, really good. So, yeah, two Tupperwares. Um, I am – I really liked this movie. I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. Um a lot of uh, high-concept science fiction. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy those types of films. But when I rate this movie, I'm going to rate it against those other science fiction films, things like 2001 Space Odyssey and other high-concept movies uh, that are out there. I'm going to give this movie a taste it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my reasons 
for giving this movie a taste it. And I will open those up. I will kind of unpack those reasons as we talk about the movie further along. Um, there are things that I think that Christopher Nolan does really well mm-hmm. in this movies. In this movie, uh, the visuals are absolutely stunning. Oh, definitely. Um, how did you guys see this? Uh, I just saw it in regular. Me too. I saw it in um, a 4K digital theater, uh-huh. and it, it did make a difference. I mean, it was a lot clearer than other movies that I've seen. Okay. So. Okay. Um, I yeah, I just saw it in a regular, just regular screen. Yeah. If I was going to see it again, though, I would see it in an IMAX. From what I've heard from people. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I do want to unpack this movie and talk about it more. Uh, I I'm am, excited to hear what, what you have to say yeah. about it. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, for me, though, in this movie is an absolute Tupperware. Yeah, he knocked um, it out of the fucking park. He is fantastic. Uh, Jessica Chastain as the older Murph. Mm-hmm. She is a Tupperware all the way. I mean, in every scene that she's in, she is absolutely phenomenal. I agree. Um, Anne Hathaway, I'm going to toss her in yeah. this movie. Yeah. Um, she was... Uh, I don't know if it was. I don't know if it was so much her, or just what they had written for her. But I was not impressed. Yeah, by I, her in this film. I can't play devil's advocate there. She didn't bring much to the table. I don't go as far as to toss her performance, but I definitely don't Tupperware it. I I, I can't. I, I there's nothing. Yeah, there, there's nothing really mind-blowing about her character that made me want to know more about her mm-hmm. other than the relationship with her father. And that was about it. That's the only time I felt any connection to her. Mm-hmm. It was the connection she had with her father. And that was about it for me. Other than that, I, I couldn't, I really couldn't like relate to that character, like try to get into the mind of that character. Like, what is she feeling here? What is she thinking? Yeah. I don't know. I think I would have felt better about it if they didn't try to romantically intertwine her and Cooper at the end. Jumping ahead. Well, it's kind of necessary to state because without that, I think that she just falls into the category with the other two people that they had went on the journey with, which would have been fine. But to lend her to some kind of romantic entanglement makes her character seem more important, and she Mm -hmm. wasn't. Let's talk about the movie. Um, Okay, so things I did like. Um, There are two different things in this movie that I think uh, that were kind of put on screen. Uh, Number one, science. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I loved the science in this movie. Loved it. Absolutely love it. Tupperware the science in this movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Another thing that is introduced into this movie are the themes. I toss them. Okay. I toss the themes in this movie. Um, I'm going to get more into that as we unpack the movie. Uh, but some of the science, they talk about the, the wormhole that's been discovered in the solar system past Saturn. Uh, and basically that wormhole was put there by some higher being. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a chance for survival. Uh, you know, so you go th- basically that wormhole was put there 
and you go through that wormhole, and on the other side, there's these new worlds that that they can colonize. And so that's the whole thing. Let's let's see this wormhole now. When I loved the science behind this, you know, I loved how they talked about how, and I've seen this before, where the one scientist takes the piece of paper and he draws two X's on one end of the piece of paper, and pokes and he, the hole, and, yeah. he, and he puts the two X's together and pokes the hole. So it's basically like a, uh, like you're you're folding two places in time, and and it's 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 a punctured hole through time and space, and it'll take you, you know, light years beyond your galaxy into another galaxy, and there are these planets that have been conveniently put there for us um, and one of these planets we can colonize. They'd already sent like another mission there, uh, uh, the Lazarus mission. And they had sent how many scientists? I, I thought Three. it was tw- it was a bunch. It was like twelve, right? Oh, that's right. Between yeah. nine or twelve, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's a series of manned probes. They they they, they traveled through the wormhole uh, to survey these potential planets to see you know how they could sustain life there long term. Um, and uh, then Lazarus gave NASA data uh, that there were three uh, habitable planets. Miller, Edmonds, and Mann. And those were the three th- th- names of three of the NASA scientists that had gone to these planets. So they named these planets after them. Lucky bastards, right? Right. <laughs> um, so, you know, once that's been confirmed, they send out another team, uh, which consists of Matthew McConaughey and um, Anne Hathaway. Anne Hathaway. I forget the other gentleman, what, what his... Um, right. Um and my two favorite people on this mission, um, Tars and Case. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about the the. I, the, I really the, loved the robots in this movie. Really unique robots. Um, the design. The design was yeah. super unique. I'm trying now, to even. Now, when you watch the original trailers, did mm-hmm. you know that these were like uh, former Marines, or did you think this was some sort of like alien technology? I thought in the trailer that it was alien technology. I did too. Yeah, I, I, totally I thought this did. was like you know like we're like, and I'm not trying to. And I'm sick of people comparing this movie to Prometheus. Number yeah. one, I can understand why they are though. I, I, I don't. Two completely different movies though, as mm-hmm. far as science fiction. It's just that smart movies are so rare these days. Yeah. So yeah, and I know. they're both smart science fiction movies. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, talk about the robots. Yeah, they were super unique. They're basically like, um, a big flat slate, but then like the, it could like split apart in all kinds of different ways. Like right. when it like ran, it was super crazy. Like it was like a big, it looked like a, like a jumping jack, if you know what I mean. Or like a rolling asterisk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can the Amazon Echo do any of that? Oh, fuck. Yeah. These have, these, these have the Echo beep. They're probably, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. They're probably more than 99 bucks though. Yeah, I'd say. Um, I thought the personalities on these things were hilarious. You could completely um, program their personalities down to what percentage of humor they would have and yeah. everything. Honesty. And, yeah, the honesty percentage. Right. And I thought they did a lot of really unique, fun stuff with them. That like, was yeah. a great bit with the 90% truth rating. Yes. Because they said 100% is not advisable for life forms based on emotion or something. Yeah. And, and in a movie that – it's not necessarily a dark movie, but it's definitely a very heady movie – I thought Case and yeah. Tars did a really good job of kind of serving up some some of the lighter moments to kind of let you get a breath in there, yeah. sure, and get back to the thinking about all this stuff that you had to try to figure out what was going on. And mm. it was clever humor too; it wasn't yeah. like slapsticky or anything like that at all. No, they didn't fart or anything. So, <laughs> yeah, 
I really loved Case. I think Case and Tars might have been my two favorite characters <laughs> in the movie. So, yeah, they were great. Yeah, so um, basically uh, Cooper decides to join this mission and go uh, and try to save basically the human race. And there's there's two plans. There's plan A and there's plan B. Yes, yes. Plan A is to find a way to get all of humanity, save of all of humanity. And if they can't do that, plan B is they have basic – what they have is like a uh, – kind of like a uh, cylinder – um, it made me. Th- it made me think of the uh, Barbasol can from Jurassic Park. They, yeah, the Barbasol can. Yeah, they yeah. basically have a bunch of human embryos that they can populate, like frozen human embryos yeah. in this thing that they can populate whatever planet they decide is the most habitable. Right. So that was really interesting. Right. I am um, one, one thing I really not to interrupt you, but one thing I really liked about this movie is how fully fleshed out what was going on on Earth was, but how little time we spent about it. Like it was. All the stuff was there, and it was they didn't shortcut it, but it was just really fascinating from like seeing the kid in class and what that was like, and the parent teacher conference scene, and just all the little yeah. hints you got of what was going on on Earth was pretty wild. Yeah, I was I was going to comment on the whole Murphy was in trouble for getting into a fist fight because she had brought in a old textbook, which is what we would you know have now mm-hmm. talking about the Apollo uh, moon landing and things like that. And uh, they they talk about how that was propaganda that that never really happened, and it was a stunt to get the Soviet Union to bankrupt itself in a fake space race. So it, it's kind of yeah, odd. All, all the propaganda was weird. I, it was really fascinating how basically what's going on is these. It's like giant dust storms that's made it so the earth is inhabitable because the only thing they can grow at this point is corn. And, and they're limited on that, too. Yeah, and even that isn't growing very well anymore. Right. And it was really fascinating. What was the line they said in the classroom where it, it's like it wasn't – maybe Michael Caine even said it, where it wasn't like guns and weapons that killed us. It was you know food and whatnot. Right. And I right. thought all that was really fascinating. The only thing I didn't understand, though, is he said that there's no more – you know, military, there's no more armies. And you would think that if food, you know, was like a, a scarce commodity, mm-hmm. there'd be wars. Yeah, and it seems like there wasn't many people left, though. It seemed like right. more than 50% of the population was gone, if if not more than 70% of the population. Gotcha. Because that's, I mean, they, that's why the, the whole baseball game was so small and yeah. minute and everything. And the, yeah, we saw the New York Yankees, yeah, and it's yeah. basically like watching a minor league team at this point. Or smaller. I mean, it was smaller than our local minor league team. Yeah, exactly. So I think that, I mean, there's no wars because there's no people to have wars. I think it's, there's not. And you gotta think about, uh, countries that probably had like a more arid climate to begin with, and oh, probably yeah. already wiped out. You yeah. know what I mean? So right. the Middle East is probably gone. At this point, I mean, that couldn't help them. Right. Yeah, that's so. definitely the case that a lot of the land has become completely inhabitable. You could speculate a lot about how, you know, when this actually is because they didn't ever, they never put a date on it. No, I think the closest you got was the line about um, your generation's generation won't have a world to live on. Right. right. Kind of gives you a little bit of context. Yeah. yeah. I, I kind of got from like John Lithgow's character that maybe he was around our age. 
You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, he when de- he was he, younger, definitely. That's yeah. what I kind of got from him because he was talking about how he lived in a civilization that everything was about like the new Marvel, the new scientific Marvel, and people were always purchasing like you know like I'm, oh, thinking, yeah. I'm, I'm equating that to like the new iPhone coming out, yeah, like, the new, definitely the new Xbox or the new PlayStation or the new Amazon Echo. <laughs> Everybody's got to get their cylinder technology. Yeah, we're all over this shit, and none of it really matters, right? So Cooper decides to go on this. And he he leaves his daughter Murph, um, which is like a – this is one of my problems with the movie. But I want you guys to talk about this a little bit. Um, He leaves his daughter and – okay, I'll talk about it. Fuck it. He leaves his daughter and she doesn't want him to leave and she's begging him to stay and not leave. And he's crying and she puts her head back into the pillows Mm -hmm. and he walks out the door. Yeah. And we get this amazing scene that Christopher Nolan sets up of him in the truck Mm -hmm. and he's crying and it lasts for five seconds. It lasts literally almost like five seconds in the truck. They don't let you even soak in like the gravity of the situation and then they cut away to him blasting off in outer space. I think that scene emotionally, I was starting to get pulled in. Mm Mm-hmm. With seeing him cry, leaving his daughter. You think they cut it too fast? They cut it way too fast. I think that's a little bit the point there. I think you're supposed to, as an audience, feel as like it was so sudden, just like her. That way, when she runs out of the building and it's already too late, he's already going. You're kind of feeling that too. Nah, as an man, I'm feeling like I'm I'm welling up as I'm watching this. Yeah, and then all of a sudden we're in the spaceship flying off, and it's like. It didn't it didn't hit me as hard. It wasn't that impactful for me, the viewer. It was not that impactful. I I tend to agree a bit more with Jake on this because um, we get a lot of movies similar to this like Armageddon or whatever and you have all this prep time before they go off on the mission. And it kind of – like how soon it was going to happen kind of hit me when he went in to tell her that he was leaving. Uh, I didn't have a problem at all with how long they spent with him in the truck. I felt like it hit me like it was supposed to and – you know, didn't yeah. bug me. Matthew McConaughey's facial expressions during all that stuff was just incredible. Like yeah. he was doing so much without even saying a word during a lot of those right. scenes. So I can I can relate with you wanting to see a little bit of more more of that, like have that drag on a little bit longer. It, that definitely wouldn't have been a problem. But I, I think I I think I see what they were doing with that and it, it didn't really bother me. <laughs> <laughs> Good to the very last drop. Good to the very last drop. <laughs> He's going all Hulk trying to get the last bit of wine out of his wine box. <laughs> so yeah, and and we see a lot of the stuff with um um Murph t- keep telling her dad that there's a ghost in her room too also before this leaving sequence yeah. and that's how they end up finding like that NASA still exists in, in the first place is the ghost actually gives them the coordinates and like binary code to right. to find the NASA installation. And then they go, and that's where we're introduced to Michael Caine for the first time. What did you guys think of Michael Caine? I mean, he's a, has he been in every Christopher Nolan movie now? I think he has. Has he? Was he in uh, The Prestige? Uh, definitely, yeah. He was the older magician. He okay. was like the the um, one that taught him both, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So uh, he was great in this, I thought. Um, I'd, it was weird when they jumped the um, – time ahead like i didn't think they did a great job with michael kane's uh prosthetics there like oh I did, yeah he 
I was thinking like, gosh, he, he should be dead by now. <laughs> yeah, me too. And he did. He already looked pretty bad like 23 yeah. years prior. Right, and then 23 right. years later, it's right. like, oh. He, he, uh, that's where Prometheus got it right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they did make uh, What's-His-Face look that much older. Who, who, what's the actor I'm thinking of? Oh, crap. From uh, Memento. Um, Fuck. Guy Pierce? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Guy Pierce, oh my god, he looked like he was on his last breath. Yeah, he looked terrible. <laughs> he looked horrible. <laughs> All right, so um, you know, uh now they're 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 in space and uh they're they're he's flying this mission and um here's another problem I have with the movie. They're they're flying around space and what do we see? We see like uh we see uh you know all these amazing sights, right? We yeah. see we see Saturn, and then then we see this wormhole. Mm-hmm. But I mean, okay, yeah, you see all time and space. It's fucking neat. You see Saturn, and then you see like the wormhole and everything. The wormhole is not what you expect. I expected to see like just like this kind of like black hole in space. Mm-hmm. It's more like a uh, spherical, yeah, definitely a spherical uh, thing it's, with almost like yeah. with its own galaxy inside. Yeah. Well, they do explain that. No, yeah. no, no, no. I don't have a problem with that, oh, Frank. Oh, Not okay. at all. I think it's beautiful. I think Saturn looked amazing. I think the black hole looked amazing. The problem that I have is that in this movie, you have, number one, you have a guy uh, who's – okay, let me talk about this. You've got space explorers, right? These guys are pioneers, and they're going farther than any man has gone before, mm-hmm. right? Space explorers and they come across these amazing things in space, like you know black holes and and seeing all these things, Saturn and and uh, I'll be honest with you, none of them ever acted like they were in awe of anything that they were looking at. Yeah, I think they were all still a little bit like nervous about the whole mission. Yeah, but you've got this guy Cooper who was you know he was forced to be a farmer mm-hmm. and he was once a NASA pilot. And his dream was to go up into space and see all these things and to be a NASA pilot. And here he is living his dream. And never did I see anything him like shed a tear or I can't believe I'm out here. This is a dream come true for me. You can say that he missed his kid or whatever. But I'm just saying from any of these pioneers of space exploration, I saw nothing as far as any of them going like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Wow. It's a valid point. Wow. I completely see what you're saying. In real life, that would occur. But if I, I'm thinking that if they would have done that, it would have changed the tone a little bit. And they kept it pretty well at the same pacing throughout the whole movie. I think that might have done more to take you out of it than keep you engaged. I think I agree with Frank here. Um, that stuff happened. We just didn't see it on camera. And we, did we need to see that? What would that have done for you? Okay, you've got this guy the entire time. He's sitting down, he's talking with his father, and his father's saying, you know, I, I understand that this is not the life that you wanted for yourself. I know you wanted to be a NASA pilot. I know you wanted to do those things. But you're a good father and you're a good farmer. So me seeing one fucking five to ten second scene of Matthew McConaughey just flying into space and being like, I, 
I can't believe I'm I'm finally up here. You wanted to hear, all right, all right, I'm in space. <laughs> <laughs> There's the earth. It's so beautiful. All right, all right. <laughs> Except this time it would be they keep getting older. I stay the same age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, them, plim, them planets. <laughs> Do you understand my point, though? Yeah. I, I completely agree with you that, that that did not happen. But to me, right. it didn't take anything away from it. See, they, I'm willing to bet that somewhere that's probably either on the cutting room floor or something you might get on an extended cut later on. But if you were to break for five to ten seconds, like you're saying, for him to look out the window Does and be Christopher like, Nolan oh. believe in extended I was, cuts? I was, yeah, I was getting ready to is talk that, about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, Does he believe in extended cuts and deleted scenes? That, or is art. He, is see, it's not would, artsy enough for him. But see, the thing is, is I would rather not see that because I don't think that it would fit if you did it too short. If you stick it in there too long, it's already two hours and 48 minutes. You, I think that would be something you would end up complaining about were it in there. Yeah, Christopher Nolan probably thought that that kind of scene wasn't art. He's like, oh, we, that's been in other movies. It's not art, you know? We don't want yeah, to but he, he planted the <laughs> seeds for that in every other scene before it, though. <laughs> yeah, in quite a few. There's a big release at the end as far as some final you know, resolution, joy, and happiness. I think they did a good job of keeping it very stark and melancholy throughout. That I think that would have done you a disservice, or at least it would have me. Not me. Not yeah. me at all. I, I would have. I would have enjoyed a scene where a guy whose dream it was to be up in space finally realizes that he is doing something, you know, something epic. I would have not had a problem with that in the slightest. Yeah, I think it might have been. Might have been nerves. Might have been scared. His mind might not have had a time to relax like that. To even think like that. It's it possible. was. It was always about the mission and just going back home. And it was never about. I don't know. It just kind of took me out of it a little bit. That was what I took from it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well so. think of how he had to leave. Well, I mean, right. I, I yeah. understand, and I did bring that up. Yeah, yeah I understand that he yeah. left his daughter and things like that. But I mean, uh, you know, if it's a childhood dream of mine to do this, something seeing something that fucking awe-inspiring out the window would still. I would push everything out of my mind like, wow, I am finally here. I am seeing something that no one else has ever seen in their entire lives. Oh, my God. It's like witnessing the birth of creation. Yeah. Well, the other 12 scientists saw it. You know what, though? I, I haven't seen it in this in the 4K it was incredibly beautiful. I mean, you know, I got HD. It would have been nice to have the other people in the movie acknowledge that. But you know what, though? <laughs> they fucking knew it was beautiful. I don't think they needed to acknowledge it. I, I fucking acknowledge it enough for them, too. They can be in it. It, I accept it for what it was. Yeah, it would have worked either way to me. Like, they, I don't think they needed it, but if they had it, it, it would, it wouldn't have destroyed anything it would have been fine but it didn't need it movie was fine without it right i I know you guys usually talk you know about whether or not something is like a 3d worthy experience or not Mm -hmm. and i've mentioned before i can't see 3d because depth perception issues whatever but um the 4k this is the first time i'd ever been in a a 4k digital theater most theaters only display at 2k Mm -hmm. um and it did make a difference during those beauty shots when they were passing past Saturn and you could see the scale of the planet. Um, it was gorgeous. The The visual effects in this were just perfect. They weren't over the top. I, I just thought they were fantastic. They were clean. They were beautiful. Now, you know Nolan doesn't believe in 3D, right? Like he, we were talking about that earlier. Like he refuses to have any of his movies in 3D. 
Well, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't have seen it before. Yeah. And I, but like a regular 2K theater, I sometimes if you're sitting kind of close, you can see it's a little grainy. Mm-hmm. I was sitting a little uncomfortably close uh, to the point where I got like a little crick in my neck. But I didn't have any of that visual graininess. It was just the higher resolution uh, um, of the scenes that of, that had those special effects that I could tell a big difference on. All right, so the, they proceed with the mission. They go through the black hole, and once they're through the black hole, um, they find that there is uh, a problem with the planet that they feel is probably the best suited mm-hmm. for life. Uh, that planet is uh, basically due to its gravitational pull. Time on this planet is slower than Earth. Um, so... Um, Basically, like one hour is the equivalent to was it twenty three years? Uh, seven no, years. It's, yeah, one seven hour years. per seven years. One hour per seven years, um, and uh, they get to the planet and they find out that it's uh, uninhabitable. Uh, it's a planet completely made of water. Mm-hmm. Uh, tidal waves are racing across like the surface of the planet. Um, you know, Doyle, one of the members of the mission, is killed. Uh, and, uh, the crew, they attempt to retrieve, you know, uh, one of the other scientists from the Lazarus mission, Miller's probe. Uh, they do get his probe and they return back to the Endurance, which is their ship. And they discover that they've been gone for 23 years. Yeah. Uh, and that, that time has passed in regular earth time. Um, I like that stuff down on the first planet. Um, I thought it was really cool when they discovered that the giant things that they thought were mountains ended up being giant waves. Yeah. Yeah. And they, the waves didn't move as quickly because of the bizarre gravitational pull. And yeah. I, I yeah. enjoyed the science behind that. And how I, guys, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I love the science in this movie. Yeah. It was I do. Great. I, no. The science they is did a their Tupperware. Homework. Yeah. They did their homework. The science is a Tupperware to me. I think it's absolutely amazing. I can't argue with your complaints, Brian. You're, you're kind of complaining yeah. about the stuff that usually takes me out of Christopher Nolan movies too, to be honest with you. But, you know, he, ta- I'm not done complaining guys. <laughs> he, he, ta- he's, he likes to strip away a lot of the humanity and emotion. And that's not something you, I mean, that's not nothing new for Christopher Nolan. And I can't, it's, it's hard for me to play devil's advocate with those kind of complaints. Just for some reason, those things just really didn't bother me. This movie, like I was, I was just in its world. Okay. Well, and to be fair, you tasted it. You didn't toss it. No, I tasted it, guys, yeah. and I oh, tasted definitely. that because I do love the science behind this. Yeah. I have a problem with the thematic tone of the movie, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to talk about that later. I've got a lot more griping to do, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want people to think that I hated this movie by any stretch of the word. I, I did not hate this movie. I really enjoyed the movie. I did like it, but it has its faults, um, and I'm just here to point those out. Um, <laughs> these, these two can just keep inflating this movie to be like the best sci-fi movie ever. Mm. I know you're not saying that. No, I'm not saying that at all. I know. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, back on Earth, Murph, uh, she is now an adult, 23, 23 years have passed, and uh, she's joined NASA, and she is working with Brand, who is Anne Hathaway, Michael Caine, mm-hmm. to solve a physics problem, and you know the question of how humans can escape the Earth's gravitational pull. Can I break in real quick? You, you ha- already have. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's one scene that we're... Kind of sailing past that 
I really enjoyed. Right after they get back onto the ship and they find out how long they've been gone, they have all these messages that mm-hmm. his family from home has been sending him for the past 23 years. And in the first couple of minutes that he's watching this, it's not Murphy. It's his son who's made these videos for him. And I think they did something really neat. Instead of cutting over to the son and looking at him, they kept the camera fixed on Matthew McConaughey. And you could see the depth of emotion in his face. That was absolutely fan-fucking-tastic. That that was like my favorite scene. Of but him their in the focal whole movie. point throughout this movie was really not the relationship between him and his son. It no. was more the relationship no, between him and Murph. Right. They did. That's it. my gripe. No, that was a fantastic scene. Sure. Wonderful emotional scene. But they didn't really play to the emotional scenes that involved him and Murph. In my opinion, in my opinion, they didn't. I don't think that they elaborated on those as much as they could have. Yeah, they, they kind of painted his son like very subtly into an idiot too yeah. i thought mm, i wouldn't say that i I'm, way i took it was his part of the story as far as his relationship with his dad yeah even though his dad wasn't there you could see from the videos that he was making his relationship with his dad changed in the absence of his dad he was very sammy simpleton the whole movie though just in his attitudes about things well he he, he gave a in his dad who is brilliant but he also was a good farmer i mean he had both sides mm-hmm. and his kids one of them represented the you know hands-on kind of thing he was a good farmer and then his daughter was real smart on the engineering and physics side mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, I, that's where I felt that the son story came in when he's making these videos for his dad, who he always had a good relationship with. And then the more years that pass and he has these events, he met his wife, he had a kid, he lost the kid, you know, and then his final video, he's like, I got to let you go. Yeah. I, I thought that was great. I thought that was his whole story with his son in a nutshell. Yeah. See, I think the whole point of that had nothing to do with him and his relationship with this son, that it was more to point out the absence of his daughter. Yes. Right. 100% agree. 100% agree. But you can still take it as both, which is what I do. No, I think especially the excess of it because there was so much of it. Here's this clip of his son and then here's another one and here's another one and here's another one and here's another one. Is there ever going to be one with my daughter? In his head, he's like, I don't give a fuck about my son. Is one of these going to have my daughter? No. no. (laughs) A little bit, I think. mm, I think I don't know if it it was to that extent. But Uh, I think that as the viewer, as the viewer, me and Jake watching this movie that's what we're taking from this yeah we get it your son has been recording over and over and over and over again yeah do we have a video of murph no that's what that's what that's what i took from it yeah i took the same thing see i got i mean i I got both angles of it separately it was it was the lack of murph that's the point of that yes I, i got the lack of murph and also everything that he has missed yeah, I mean, if if Cooper had to make a Sophie's choice, say he, you know, he'd obviously pick Murph. <laughs> yeah. oh, shit, I agree, man. Yeah, no, I don't know. I, I I thought it was fine. Yeah, I I agree with Brian on that. It was I liked the scene, but it definitely had nothing. Like I thought the weakest character in the whole movie was his son. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, weakest character in the whole movie. Yeah, no, and Hathaway for me. Well, yeah, yeah. How, the son. How long do you want? How long do you want to sit there, though? I, <laughs> if if you try to leg out everything, you'll be sitting there for four to five hours. I don't really understand what you're saying. I guess I don't. My complaint isn't the scene, just the son. The, oh, the, oh, the okay. character and the and the actor. I mean, and right. the scene was a little unnecessary. I guess I was taking it like you wanted to see more of the son. 
No, I don't need to see more of the sun. Okay. <laughs> no, I the, sun the sun could not even exist as a character, and it wouldn't have changed nothing in this right. movie. <laughs> like Indiana Jones. <laughs> no, but for real, like the sun could – you can write him out of the entire movie, and it, it wouldn't have changed anything. No, that's not entirely true. At the very end, they had to set the fire in the field so she could get back into the house because he kicked her out. Yeah, I mean you could easily ride around that too. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was fine. Yeah. All right, guys, back to the movie. Um, <laughs> so uh, Brand, you know, Michael Caine, his health is uh, failing. Uh, he says that um, he solved the equation decades before, and basically through solving that equation, he realized that he realized that uh, that the data from a singularity, you know, behind the black hole to to he realized that he needed data from behind the black hole to complete it. Exactly. So coming to that conclusion, there is no hope uh, that endurance will ever return um, to lead the plan A, the colonization of yeah of, of Earth to this planet that they find. So he one hundred percent deceived. Cooper and uh, Anne Hathaway's character, and he totally put all of his you know eggs in one basket with Plan B, you know the mass repopulation with the fertilized embryos, and to start human mankind over again, and basically sacrificing Earth. Yeah, it was a real a dick, it was a real dick move. I mean, he Plan A, <laughs> right. plan a was never feasible, and he knew this for decades. It was right and. Uh, and more to the point of what Brian's saying, not only was planning not feasible, but he kind of used it as propaganda to get funding for this project in the first place because people mm-hmm. were more willing to fund the idea that they were all going to survive. People not so willing to fund the idea where just a bunch of frozen embryos get to populate yeah. the place and they all die of starvation on their home planet. Not, not a big money-making uh, fundraiser there. Yeah. So Now <sighs> – I don't really see him as being such a total dick. Yes, he lied. But if you were to have done the math and figured that there was no way to save the humans that are on this planet, what's your other option? It's kind of a classic science dick move, though. I mean, it, it's one thing to keep it from the masses, but like the he's pretty close with Murph. I well, mean, you yeah, think I get that. He's basically wasting her time. Right, like, I get not that. Not even basically. He's literally wasting her time. Yeah, on the interpersonal relationship, sure. I just meant in general. So yeah. basically he's Spock. Yeah. At this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. What, what's the quote? What's the the you know, the 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 few. What is that? What is the spot quote? <laughs> For the, uh, uh, the needs of the many outweigh oh, uh, the needs of the few. Yeah. yeah. The one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're working on this equation. I mean, she, as soon as she's able to do legitimate work, knowing the truth, she, she gets that shit done pretty quickly. So it was like, why did you wait this all this time right. and let her work on nothing? Well, it's probably because he had resigned himself to there not being able to be a solution. Yeah. He was, he was committed to that dollar bill and he didn't, he was so committed <laughs> that he wasn't going to let anyone know that plan A wasn't feasible until he was dying and didn't give a fuck. And then he was like, Oh, hey, by the way, plan A, yeah, I knew decades ago that shit couldn't happen. Right. right. So yeah, it's like the asshole on his bed that took the picture of the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> on his deathbed, he admits that the picture's a fake. <laughs> you fucking son of a bitch! <laughs> All right, guys. So like endurance, the ship. Um, you know that that yeah, team endurance. 
they're now they're forced to choose between the two planets, Man or Edmonds, mm-hmm. and it's supposed to be like this crapshoot, like it's like up in the air. And uh, Cooper and then Amelia they argue about this. Cooper, you know, he he says that she's compromised because of her emotional attachment to Edmonds because she had been uh, in a relationship yes. with yep. uh, this scientist and. Uh, she says that, you know, he's been compromised because he just wants to see his kids again. And, uh, you know, they can reach both planets um, if they give up on their, you know, uh, hope of returning home. They've got enough fuel to go to both planets. Mm-hmm. But in his mind, Cooper's mind, they've got, to, they've got to choose between one of the two planets. That way he can still make it back home and see his kids. Um, so they, they, instead of going to... Uh, Edmonds, they go to man and, uh, they find, um, this planet is an icy, it's almost like Hoth. Definitely. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking star, it's almost like the ice planet of Hoth (laughs) and, um, it's, uh, it's ammonia saturated Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, they actually bump into, they, they go to the, um, the little station that's been set up by, uh. The one of the twelve original scien- scientists, yeah, scientist man. man, yeah, which is Matt Damon. Was that a yeah. shock? Was that a shock? Yeah, I had no idea Matt Damon was in the movie. Yeah, me it either. took me like five minutes to like. This was for- like the the Saving Private Ryan moment when you realize right. yeah. Private Ryan is Damon, uh, Matt Damon. Uh, yeah. Except they ruined that. They like. Uh, the, the everyone said like like that that really pissed me off about Saving Private Ryan. This is a big time aside, <laughs> but the press really spoiled that Matt Damon was Private Ryan. Yeah, and then going into the movie, you didn't know that the whole plot revolved around not knowing which person Private Ryan was and all the disappointment by finding the wrong people. But because they spoiled the shit out of it before the movie even came out, you're going, yeah. well, that's not Matt Damon, so that's not him yet. Yeah. yeah. So, but well, it, going into this movie, I had no idea me that neither. Matt Damon was in this nope. movie. Um, so, yeah, then you meet Matt Damon, and um, you know he tells them that basically like this, uh, this planet, this is the planet. This is the habitable planet. And I'm already yeah. thinking, like, what the fuck? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you look at it, but he's telling them that there's a, you know, there's a different, uh, you know, side of this planet that they can go to. That the atmosphere is different and it's habitable, mm-hmm. and that's where that's where people can live. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, well, why aren't you there? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I was pretty on target too, thinking, oh, here, this guy is not what he says. <laughs> this is another problem that I have with the movie. Can I explain this? Yeah, let's yeah. Hear it. another reason for me to give this a taste. It, um, the previous explorer, the the the, the previous explorers, they, you know, they couldn't. For some, I don't understand why the previous explorers. Flying around and looking at these planets couldn't figure out that they're uninhabitable. You've got one planet that's completely made up of water, <laughs> and then you've got a, another com- a planet that is saturated with ammonia and is completely made of ice. That's my big. Uh, I know, Frank, you're already thinking of a rebuttal for this, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, like, can't you just like. Can't you just look at the planet and just be like, holy shit, this one's made all up of water. This one, this one here is fucking hot. Well, well, now I'm starting to, now I'm starting to get more credence in one of your earlier complaints that maybe if they would have 
taking the time to be in awe of some of the shit they were. <laughs> exactly. Look out the window. Look out the goddamn window. Hell, you know, when I'm driving my fucking car and it's raining, I can see the water. Oh shit, you know, maybe I should fucking pull over because there's fucking water all over the place. And or, oh shit, there's the, the conditions are really icy. There's a lot of snow. My very, God, just look out your goddamn window. It's a very good point. I take back earlier when I said that they looked out the window off camera <laughs> because they apparently did apparently not. Did. Now, <laughs> the only thing that I can think of is I thought that they had explained that away with the probes or whatever it was that they were on because the only thing that they could transmit was that automated signal or whatever, like a thumbs up, and yeah. they had no hope of getting back off until they were rescued. So, I mean, if they didn't have the ability – I mean – did they land or did they crash land? That'd be the only question I'd have, yeah, but I can't really complain. This reminds me of, of kind of one of the plot holes that kind of bothered me actually also is that they were able to send the messages like to the people. Right. But then they were, they weren't able to send messages like the other way around either. Like, you know, like can't they get this information from the planet back to them? They tried to explain the, that too. I just don't remember the same what way. It was, it was like mm-hmm. a, it was like a bunch of techno babble and it kind of went over my head. But then at the same time, how did they receive the automated signal? That's exactly. If they can receive one, why can't they? Why can't they do that on the planet too? Why can't? I'm, yeah, I'm sitting here thinking like you know, Jordy LaForge or Scotty would have been able to like, well, let's piggyback that sim- that signal with this. Yeah, why do they have to risk more lives when they already have twelve scientists on each one, and good they're point. able they're able to send signals back and forth? That's to a each good other. point. And that I I just try not to think about that too much. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was the one kind of science that bothered me. Yeah. So I also read a little bit up about the time displacement theory. Mm -hmm. And from what I read, like, it's accurate that that would happen, but it's caused by the closeness of the planet to the black hole. And for it to be the exact math that they proposed in the movie, the whole one hour is uh, seven years thing, the planet would literally have to be, like, sitting on the ass crack of the black hole for that to be the way it was. Right. It couldn't have Hmm. been, like such a distance away from the anomaly like it was in the movie. I was kind of wondering that myself because how is it not getting drug into the event horizon with all that gravitational force? Yeah, they said uh, said a lot of the ideas were right, but a lot of the execution was actually science wrong. Right, okay. And some of the stuff that that I read. All right, yeah, so (laughs) I don't know. Um, Basically, we find out that – Matt Damon was lying about this whole thing. The planet is uninhabitable. His heel turn was definitely not a shock. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to taste his performance in this. It's, it, it was, uh, it was kind of really, I don't know. I'm going to taste his performance. He was hamming it up a bit yeah. Yeah, as a villain. Yeah. He was hamming it up. Yeah. 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 It was funny. It was classic, yeah. like, James Bond villain it was, monologuing right. his evil plan after he ripped off the uh, communicator off yeah. his face, you know? He was fucked up in the head, though, like, when he was talking to him after he walked away and he cracked his face mask. Yeah. He's like, I'm here for you. He's like, do you see your kids? I mean, that was fucking creepy because earlier they'd had that conversation where, like, the last thing you think of is going to be your family and your kids. Mm-hmm. Creepy. Yeah. So yeah, he 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 basically uh, lied about all the data that he got from the planet. They end up finding out that you know they do their own data search and uh, they come to the conclusion like he, you know he fucking lied and <laughs> and um, so you know he uh, he's trying to go on with Plan B with himself and the embryos and do that all himself and he's going <laughs> to leave the planet 
and he's going to go to the endurance and click, you know, attach to the docking station mm-hmm. and, and go to the correct planet and leave them there to die. And, um, which, which also seem weird. Why can't we all get along? Why can't we be friends? Because he's, he said that the planet was good knowing that it wasn't to draw them there to save him because he was a coward. But <laughs> I still don't understand the, the, like the reasoning behind any of this. This is also kind of a little bit of a weird part to me too. If he had explained it to them, hey guys, doesn't sorry. the fact that he needs rescued, isn't that a good enough reason for him to come get rescued? I guess not because yeah, the were... fuel supplies were limited and they knew for a fact that the planet was inhabitable. Okay. I'm talking myself into understanding that part. Yeah. They wouldn't even yeah. have wasted time going there in the first place. If it was right. The, the, his life wasn't worth right. the rest of the mission. He knew he was fucked when the planet was worthless. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. I got you. He's a coward. He is a coward. Save me. Save me. <laughs> that sleep's gotta be good. I love sleeping. I would love, just lock me in that thing, and whenever someone finds me and lets me out, good to go. That would creep me out. The water, man, fuck no. I'd be worried I'd drown. You're asleep. But you're laying in the water in your clothes. That'd be uncomfortable. Can you imagine the doesn't, fucking wrinkled ass you'd have doesn't when you Doesn't seem up? uncomfortable. These people are sleeping for a long time. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Frank, okay. You don't have a problem with these people seeing these um, beautiful, amazing sights <laughs> in space and not acknowledging them. Your biggest problem is being uncomfortable sleeping in wet clothes. <laughs> yeah, wet clothes. They're a bitch. Real bitch. <laughs> really chafe you up when you're sleeping. <laughs> you know how, like, if you sit in a bath too long, you get prune fingers or whatever? I think, I think the science had solved that, though, Frank. I don't think they – didn't, they didn't come out of there like California raisins. They looked okay. Well, they put Scotchgard on their ass or something so the water doesn't penetrate. They did something, Frank. They had, they had, they had science that we don't have yet. Science, bitch. <laughs> yeah. They scienced it up, man. The water was the most comfortable water you've ever been in. I'd piss myself. <laughs> I think you could piss in there. I think you'd be sleeping in that too. You'd be all warm. <laughs> uh, so basically, um, you've got you've got Matt Damon's character, and uh, he doesn't. He tries to latch on to endurance, and it doesn't really line up correctly and it's depressurized yeah and uh basically it blows him up and it blows up you know parts of the endurance spacecraft they're trying to yell at him and he's just ignoring them yeah they're like they're they're going to one com and he's ignoring them they override and go on to the main systems and he's ignoring them right i really liked when they cut to the silent explosion I thought the explosion was a really good explosion. All those scenes in space were silent. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that too. I did like that. I did notice that too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Cooper, uh, through some amazing, uh, you know, Maverick Top Gun flying maneuvers in space. That was like Frank Hammer Xbox One skills there. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He's able to dock with the endurance and then get the uh, vessel back under control. So yeah, I Tupperware that whole situation. That was cool. Yeah, a little bit of a little bit of some Star Trek bullshit, like where they create this amazing problem that's kind of fascinating, but then they just kind of like blah 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 blah. I just wanted to play Highway to the Danger Zone yeah. <laughs> the entire time yeah. that this was going on. Adjust rotation to sixty percent to match up with the spinning rotation. And right. It's like, right. Okay. Okay. All right. Did you ever once think? Cue that this the was- Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Let's fucking rock out. 
I remember thinking, like, I never once thought there was any way that that was not going to work. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, I never yeah. thought he was in any danger whatsoever. <laughs> right. See, I'll give it right. to you there. Right. Right. It was a little over the top. Yeah. In my opinion. I defend everything in this movie. No, no, no. The, per- <laughs> the perspective. I liked it. The perspectives and, you know, I liked it. You got to get view from inside the cockpit where the G-forces were so heavy that it knocked out uh, – what's her face? And um, then you got a nice external view where you could see the ship rotating along with the station. I just – cinematically, I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Suspension of disbelief though, right? Right? Well, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It was a very – it was a really a weird scene for Christopher Nolan. That might have been my least favorite scene in the entire <laughs> really? movie. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was like the – like it was the most like – Come on, Frank. <laughs> It was, the, it was the most like Michael Bay, like it was by the numbers, like action movie. You Even know, the, this is all going to work out shit in the entire movie. Was yeah. there any fire in the explosion? Like, don't get me wrong. For, there was no, fire. like was the whole okay. time, the like the whole time that they were setting up, like he should have been a NASA pilot. Yeah. I was thinking it was going to be like this scene of him finally being in space and acknowledging that like, wow, I'm out here. I'm living my dream. <laughs> no, they set it up for this bullshit action. Scene. For the danger zone exactly. scene. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I'm with you on that, Brian. Come on. I mean, I have, I give me that. Jesus. I, I, I've already good. given it to I know you. you I mean, and I stand by my Tupperware. I Tupperware this movie. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm always a jaded asshole about movies. So I, I, <laughs> I, I, I You'll agree where you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, even even my strongest Tupperwares, I can oh. come in and help hate on too. You know? right, <laughs> so right. this is definitely one of the worst. This was the worst scene in the movie. To me. <laughs> it was. It was <laughs> not my favorite. Um, okay, so basically, Cooper and Amelia they uh, they they get this plan to pilot endurance to Gargantua's event horizon, and then uh, jettison Tars into it to gather data. Uh, on the singularity behind the black hole to transmit it back to them and slingshot themselves on a course to Edmund's planet. Uh, Cooper releases his spacecraft into Gargantua and that allows Amelia to escape the gravitational pull and he ejects out of his craft before it's destroyed and comes to a halt in this Extra dimensional space where time is not linear. Poor Tars, by the way, as an aside. I got sad when Tars was getting sacrificed. Yeah. <laughs> Cooper then uh, comes to the conclusion that the these extra dimensional beings or these ghosts that Murph called them are a future form of humans mm-hmm. that have evolved to the point of transcending time and space and – They've come back in time to create this wormhole to make sure that humanity survives. Uh, he He's equipped with uh, TARS data, and Cooper is able to communicate with Murph across the dimensional barrier through gravitational waves, making him, making him the ghost. Yeah. Which I saw this coming from a mile away. Like I said, I felt – I didn't see it coming and I'll admit to that. But I felt like a goddamn idiot. Like there was even a line that I specifically fixated on where he says to his daughter, I'll love you forever. 
where I'm like, well, that's really weird. Why would you even say that? Right. And even then, I'm like, I, I was like literally wanting to <clears throat> slap myself in the face when they came to this reveal. I yeah. was like, I'm an idiot. I, I must be drunk on popcorn or something. I don't know what I was thinking. What did you guys first think? I, see, I saw this coming. Yeah. I did see this coming. How early? Like, I, right away, if you saw it. Like, you saw it within the first 15 minutes, if you saw it. Yeah, I I, I I kind of, like, formulated that that could be it within the first, like, 15 minutes. But I, did, I wasn't kind of concrete on it until, like, later on throughout the movie. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that theory came to fruition. <laughs> I didn't I didn't see it coming at all. Yeah. Not, not until he appeared in the little fifth dimension place. And then that whole thing kind of, like, it's one of those things in movies. Terminator does a little bit, too, where if you try to think about this shit a little bit too much, yeah. it starts like, to, like, make your brain want to explode. Yeah. Because it's like, if this is the future us... And then the reason we figured out how to do this in the first place is because of Cooper communicating with Murph. Then how did were they able to start it off in the how were they able to even exist in the first place at all? It's I think it's kind of funny because there's no other reason for her name to be Murph for Murphy's Law. Uh-huh. That whatever can happen will happen. This area the fifth dimension place that he was in when he was messing with the bookshelf Mm -hmm. it was supposed to be at least i took it as like a convergence of all possible dimensions like all possibilities like time as a tactile thing he could move about although because there were several i I, I agree with that i'm not disputing any of that yeah but at the end of the day it's revealed that like a future us basically put that black hole there so all this could happen so it could all happen in the first place and it's like wh- how do they get the knowledge to do that in the first place yeah you know, right. yeah that's that t2 shit yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i totally get you dude right and that's the stuff where it's like ah, what yeah, the yeah. Hell? yeah. i mean you could even look at bill and ted the same way <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly it's how really- did that civilization start you know with like bill and ted if like they hadn't created the song yet and all right. this stuff and blah 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 yeah, yeah but- i mean we just talked about this stuff it's like well if kyle reese is john connor's father <laughs> right. then how the hell did he yeah yeah so. It, it it's it's a little bit of a you know mental exercise in trying to keep that shit straight. Yeah, but I don't think you you don't know the answer. It, no, it, it is a literal paradox, right? And Nolan likes to dick around with some of this shit too, like with the ending of Inception. Yeah, definitely. when he was spinning that top, and you didn't know whether or not he was still in a dream. Yeah, they didn't pose such a direct question at this at all, though. But I guess that could be it. So, um, yeah, we find out that uh, Matthew McConaughey was the ghost from her childhood. Um, then he's able to get the information to her with the information. Then Murphy is able to, you know, complete the equation. And that allows Earth's population to be taken away, uh, be evacuated from, from Earth mm-hmm. and uh, uh, taken into space. Um, she is now legend. Um, Cooper is now uh, he completed the mission. And he's released back into the solar system through the wormhole, uh, where he's picked up by a ship, a NASA ship. Um, then he awakes in a NASA station, uh, which is, uh, kind of like, uh, it serves as a waypoint to marshal the remainder of humanity, you know, to cross the wormhole. And, uh, he's finally reunited with Murph, who is now an elderly woman. And, 
talk about this, guys. Yeah. That scene. It was an interesting scene. It wasn't the best. Um, it was weird to me how the family just kind of ignored him. No one else yeah. seemed to give a shit about this amazing thing that had happened except Murph. I agree with that. He should have been like a legend. Everybody should have been like, you know, at least a little surprised or had some kind of awe in their face. Well, yeah, especially since it was established that she yeah. was a legend. This is another right. problem I have with the movie. Another problem I have. You've got this guy who's not seen his daughter in forever, and basically he finally sees her again as an old woman, and she's like, all right, hey, uh, it's nice to see you again, Dad. Um, yeah, um, well, the rest of my family's here. Uh, I'm going to say goodbye to them now. Uh, you can fuck off. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> you know, like you've waited the whole thing. You've waited this whole movie to see this scene, and this is another – Another instance, in my opinion, like back to the beginning of the movie where the, the, that huge emotional scene and, and you get five seconds of him crying in the truck, you know, and uh, honestly, there's more emotion in those uh, Lincoln car commercials <laughs> than there is him in this fucking truck crying about his daughter. And then, uh, you know, he finally is reunited with her and she's like, yeah, it's good to see you again. I missed you. Oh my god, I missed you. It's good to see you again. Well, uh, yeah, my family's here. Bye. Right. Yeah, you shouldn't have to watch your own daughter die, so um, fuck yeah. off. hit the road. <laughs> I, I absolutely agree with you on and, that. And it, that's another thing where it skipped uh, an emotional beat for me. Yeah, this scene could have been played off a lot better. A I, lot I can't better. argue there. A lot better. I disagree about the earlier scene, but I totally agree with, with this scene. They tied it into him having to leave to go after... Uh, what's her face? I mean, I don't even remember her damn name. Oh yeah, Ben, ben or Band or whatever. Brand. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And Amelia Brand. Yeah, Amelia. Um, and there again, I mean, she's waiting for you. Like, go I thought find that they, her. Yeah, go, go find, find her. her. I thought that they were trying to. <laughs> she loves you. Love Bullshit. her. Shit. <laughs> they tried to romantically link them. It didn't have to happen. Don't slap it in on the end. The story, the big hook, was him and his daughter. I would have been more than happy if they would have just stopped it right there. They didn't have to send. Him were they after in her. love? Were Were Cooper and Brandon? There was a little bit of flirtation from him at the beginning, and she kind of put it off because I think she still had hope for Edmonds, uh-huh. which we found out about later. And then she goes into that whole speech about love. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. she goes into the whole that that whole speech. This is another problem I have with the movie. The All fifth right, element <laughs> is on. love. Yeah, this is another problem I have with the movie. I I, <laughs> I, 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 I love most of the science in this movie. Ninety percent of the science I love in this movie, and that makes this movie a Tupperware, in my opinion, for the science. <laughs> but where this movie fucking fails is in its thematics. Uh, what are the thematics here? Because you know he tackles a lot of themes throughout this entire movie. Right, mm-hmm. a lot of themes. Yeah, um, you know, you've got the scenes where it's like, uh, what's the, what is the overall theme of this movie? Uh, for a four, uh, a three-hour movie, he tackles way too many themes in this, and you never can just narrow it down to one. Okay, you need to pick one, Nolan. In my opinion, I, I'm not saying this is a bad movie. I really enjoyed it, and I will watch it again, mm-hmm. and, and maybe I'll change my mind on a rewatch. But I think that he ta- he tries to tackle too many themes within this movie. Number one, he tries to tackle survivalism. Mm-hmm. That's one theme. Uh, but then you get another speech from like Anne Hathaway. 
uh, about love. <laughs> the science of love. The science of love. <laughs> uh, and then on the flip side, you get, you know, you get, you get themes about, you know, family mm-hmm. and, and what it means, the importance of staying with family. Mm-hmm. Uh, or is it, is it, or is the theme the actual science of everything? You know, uh, you know these wormholes and and, uh, and and these planets and and is is the th- is the theme about time travel? Uh, is it about time displacement? Is, you know, what is the actual theme of this movie? It's a very valid point. There's too many themes that he's trying to tackle within a three-hour movie that it gets a little confusing for me. I wish he would have just chose one. Honestly, I think he should have just stuck to like uh, survivalism. Just survivalism, making this epic. Um, you can throw in the scenes of love, but when he's actually trying, trying to like, like I think, and I, this is kind of fucked up, but I think uh, Armageddon did it the right way. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is about survivalism, and organically throughout that movie, um, love rears its head into the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this movie, you know, you've got that whole love speech from Anne Hathaway that like <laughs> forces it on you. Mm-hmm. Like, is this the theme of the movie now? I thought it was survivalism. I don't know. Where, where is this going? There, there's just too much in a three-hour movie for me to digest. No, that's, that's a valid point. That's my biggest problem with this movie overall. If you put a gun to my head and said, Jake, what's the overall theme to this movie? I, I don't. You right. might as well shoot me. And there were a lot of <laughs> themes where I felt that it fell apart was on that love theme. I think that they did a great job with the science. I liked the interrelationship stuff with him and the kids. Um, I, I thought that John Lithgow was a good character. Um, I, I, I liked them jumping around a bit because it kept me off balance. It, and I thought that that was a part of the experience for me. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. I, I think Brian's points are very good. There was so much going on. It was like a big melting pot of emotions and I think themes Nolan, and everything. Yeah, uh, guys, I'm not saying that Nolan is not a competent director. I just think that he took on way too much. There were a lot of themes introduced into this movie, yeah. and I don't think one theme was fully fleshed out more than the other, and it kind of left some loose ends, in my opinion. Yeah, this movie definitely had loose ends. I I, I can't argue that. Um, one thing I did like that I thought was fascinating was um, the reveal. that once, once it was revealed that he was the ghost, you had that connection that when they got that initial message that was stay, that yeah. he was willing – to sacrifice even have gone having gone in the first place just to prevent you know all the time displacement that had happened and everything right, right. and i thought that was interesting that he made that decision yeah i mean and that and that kind of goes back to one of your earlier complaints too that it's like if he if that was his big dream to do all that at the end he just kind of poo-poos it all away right where he, he wishes he wouldn't have done any of yeah. it yeah. so yeah it's, it's a it's a valid complaint i'm gonna get a lot of shit from a lot of the nolan lovers out there and i love i i i absolutely love all the nolan movies and i and i like this movie a lot i really do i enjoy this movie but you got to understand when i rate this movie i am rating it against other high concept science fiction films Mm -hmm. films like 2001 a space odyssey you know things like that and uh um, what is the other one? The Richard Dreyfus one that I can never remember. The Our name. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yeah. I'm rating it against things like that. The, and, and in my opinion, those two movies are Tupperwares. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this one falls just a little flat and I can't really 
when I'm comparing it to 2001 A Space Odyssey, I can't really give it a Tupperware next to that movie. I just can't. Yeah. I can't do it. I can understand that. Yeah, I'm standing by my Tupperware. Um, another reason, too, is kind of my mood. Like, I, I was really down going into this movie. Like, I was prepared to toss this movie. <laughs> and so just it, just to snap me out of that and to have a good time for three fucking hours really, yeah. really made me say, you know, even with all its, like, problems and little plot holes and stuff at the end of the day i still really enjoyed myself but i can't argue like if you rate it on the curve against fucking 2001 then yeah i mean it's it's definitely not as high i still tupperware and i tupperware 2001 but it's if there were degrees of tupperware there'd be some degrees in there i think to a certain extent there is a little bit I mean, you know, I mean, you're going to love certain things for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, I, with you, I, I still stick by my Tupperware of it. I acknowledge it's got some problems. I got, no, you haven't. You've, yeah. every, every problem I've brought up, you've been like, yeah, really? No, no, no. The, no, no, my, I like that. No, my, well, I, that's where we disagree on some stuff, but where I think that, you know, it could have done better would be to eliminate the love aspect of it it was fine without it don't i mean don't introduce it, no, that it's it, a whole don't theme. don't eliminate it but don't make it so in your face right. with that fucking uh yeah. Anne hathaway yeah. speech yeah. don't try to now you're them. introducing it as a theme as right. opposed to it just unfolding organically exactly. between the love between the i think the love between the, the the relationships is it is it about relationships yeah is it a is the movie about survivalism is it about relationships is it about love is it about science is it what right. is it about what is the major overall all theme survivalism what is it what's going on in this movie and just like the relationship between murph and cooper or the the relationship between you know amelia brand and her father you know like like she tries to put like science into the like the love and all this shit like with that whole yeah. speech about going to edmonds and yeah. all this stuff and blah, blah 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 you know what else was really weird and odd was the 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 very final scene, the fact that we saw her in the final shot, yeah, was really weird to me yeah, with the right. narration going on. Yeah. That was a really weird final scene to yeah. me. I I did kind of get the feeling that they didn't really know how to end it. Yeah, because I mean, it's like, where do you go? What do you do? Do you let? Do you have him with her when she dies? I mean, which would have been realistic, but yeah, and I right from that point, I, I checked me out. So when he get like let's say hypothetically everything works out and he makes it back to her, mm-hmm. they're still the same age, right? Because yeah, because yeah, from yeah. from her point of view, not much time would have passed at all from um, all the stuff that happened with him and him showing back up, right. right? Like not even a day, right? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Yeah, okay. I was trying to think about how the science behind that would all work. Right. Yeah, because they were already at Saturn. Okay. Yeah. Um. There. There's some things I. Uh, let me talk about the thing. I. I've just. I've been talking about things I. I didn't like. Uh. There was a scene that I really liked. Um. When he was on the. Uh, um. The endurance, and he was talking to that one gentleman about. Um. You know, the guy is talking. Basically, the guy's having like a. Uh. Kind of like a claustrophobic fit. Mm-hmm. And he, I love the scene where he put the headphones on the guy and let him listen to like the crickets and like the thunder and the rain and like I thought that was a very cool scene and like that's where I was like oh the theme is survivalism it's it's about it's about you know nature and like you know this is you know I, he's listening to like crickets and the storm and stuff like that and I really liked that I thought that was a very cool scene um, I'm trying to think of any like other scenes that I really enjoyed in the movie. 
It definitely does get confused with itself, though, because on one hand, it tries to promote, like, survivalism as the theme. Yeah. But then on the other hand, you have, like, Michael Caine's character, Brand, who's basically, like, hiding the survivalism right. from everyone. Yeah. So it's really he, only- It depends on at what level he is basing his survivalistic instinct. He's talking about survival of the species as opposed to his own survival, which he'd already given up on. Yeah. Exactly. Well, not only his own survival, but everyone Everyone's, on the planet's yeah. survival. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it takes that out, that driving force out. But yeah. it actually says something for him that he was willing to go through all those links to save the species. It says he, that he was kind of a mad scientist. <laughs> well, he didn't cause the problem to make everybody die. He no. wasn't trying to cover that up. He was doing the only thing he thought he could do. He was lying, yeah, to, get, he, lying to get funding, though. He lied to the people that were closest to him. He and, lied to Murph. He lied to his own daughter. He lied to Cooper. And that I agree with. But in lying to get the funding... Uh, That's what happened. I'm not right. faulting the movie for the decisions that one character made. Yeah. I'm faulting the movie overall for some of the thematics that Christopher yeah. Nolan was trying to tackle. Very ambitious. I'm going to give him that. Yeah. yeah, if I could, if I could Tupperware ambition, <laughs> I would Tupperware Christopher Nolan for trying to tackle four to five different themes throughout the movie because that's what he tried to do. Did he flesh them all out the way that they should have been? In my opinion, absolutely not. I think he should have stuck the one. Well, Christopher Nolan's never been able to do fucking romance and love very well. Right. I mean, those are like the biggest problems with the Batman movies too, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, Nolan aside, any Batman movie, it's yeah. been a problem. Yeah. I mean, it was really annoying in those movies with yeah. um, what's the character's name that um, – Rachel Dawes? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like that character. Ugh. Yeah. So. All right, guys. I'm sorry that I kept this from having a Tupperware party. That's okay. That's no, okay. It's okay. Yeah. It, it, part of me is glad that a Nolan movie didn't get a Tupperware party. <laughs> 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 but it's me that did it. I you like, know, I and like I, I'm the guy that I, I am the guy that Tupperware's Dark Knight Rises. So yeah. go you. My favorite Batman movies, if I were to rank them, and I am in the minority. My favorite. Uh, movie is Dark Knight Rises. My second favorite is Batman Begins. And then my least favorite is The Dark Knight. I Tupperware them all, but each movie, I, most people love The Dark Knight. And I'm in the minority that loves The Dark Knight Rises. So I'm in the boat that loves The Dark Knight. Yeah, I'm, I'm Dark Knight top and Batman Begins and then and Rises. I like it for some of the themes in that one. I mean, I absolutely love it for Heath Ledger's performance, but I love some of the things that he brings up about the character when he's talking to him and he's being interrogated and he says that don't pretend to be like them. You're not, even if you want to be. I, I just thought it was really cool. It, it really fleshed out the character that he really is Batman, not Bruce Wayne. That's the mask. We've gone two hours without a break. We're going to take oh, a fuck. break. <laughs> We're going to come back, talk about Big Hero 6, and then we're going to jump into Pop Culture Leftovers News, okay? Let's do it. All right. You ever had this shit? What is it? What is, is it? Fireball? Oh, no, I uh. can't. Is it like a cinnamon yeah. drink? Uh, yeah, right. It's pretty delicious, actually. Back in the day, I used to do fire and ice. I do a shot of Rumpelman's, fired by a shot of hot damn. Yeah. Got myself so fucked up on it, I can't, can't have either one. And I mean, when I say I got wrecked, I mean I got wrecked. 
I was proud of myself because I was hanging off of somebody's porch and I could throw up without having to move and not lay in it. <laughs> I got I got no time crunch today either, either, Ryan. What's that? I got no time crunch. Oh, right on. Like, cool. I mean, I don't want to go to like four in the morning. Yeah. No, no, we're not going to do that. But. I, I don't actually start my next job until Tuesday, so I'm the same boat. I got to be at work at nine in the morning, but I don't give a shit. <laughs> I got to work at 11. So and I still have to edit the episode. Oh, I still fuck. have to upload it tomorrow. I don't care, though. I'm here I'm here until we get the job done. Pump it up. Pump it, pump it, pump, pump, pump up the jam. Pump it up. Pump it, pump it, pump it. This is where she breaks it down, man. You know? This is where you reflect on pumping up the jam. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, dude. You sit back. Yeah. You, you, do, you, do, you, do a beard, you do a beard tug. You know what I mean? And you're like, shit, man. Maybe I should pump up the jam. Shit, you know? Remember when I pumped up the jam? That was fucking awesome. Yeah, man. Like, why am I holding back, dude? I should be pumping up some jam. You know what I mean? If I'm not pumping up the jam, I'm, you know, I'm Tigger and I'm fucking some chick oh in a fucking, God. That kid's in a probably, baby changing room. That kid's probably lucky it was Tigger and not like a Game of Thrones cosplay. <laughs> been like Brandon seeing Jamie and Cersei uh, being scarred the least of his worries. <laughs> I was thinking the little pompous rat king and the fucking hookers with the fucking, <laughs> oh. he uses that, what, he had something crazy that he wanted them to beat him with. <laughs> Like made the one hooker kill the other hooker. Oh yeah, that uh, club thing. Yeah, he made one hooker kill a hooker. Well, he uh, he made he just made Roz beat her with it. Yeah, yeah. Because they, they said that she died. Uh, I thought you saw her later on. She was just all bruised up. Roz is the one that got killed because Joffrey used her as target practice. Yeah. You know what we're doing? We're being total dicks and like talking about shit that Brian hasn't seen, but fortunately he doesn't know who we're talking about. So I'm not okay. even listening, so don't even sweat okay. it. But I am recording. Oh, oh hello. So <laughs> Game of Thrones spoilers there. Oops. <laughs> Alright, guys. Alright. Big Hero Six reveal. Yeah. Jake, go over Big Hero Six. This this was the new Disney kids movie. And it was uh it's a Marvel property, right? It was, yeah, it, uh, it was originally a Marvel property. Yeah, um, Man I, of Action was the original. Were you surprised not to see a Marvel logo at the beginning of this movie? Yeah, I think they tried to keep that under wraps. It seemed like for the most part. Okay, like there was inarguably a, a major nod to the fact that it was a Marvel property, right? But I think for the most part, they in the publicity they tried not to use Marvel. Do yeah. You, do you think they did that because everything under that big Marvel banner is connected and this would be separate? I think maybe that's a little bit of it. And and it's, you know, officially it's the Disney's – I forget what number we're at. I think it's – I want to say 54th animated feature. Do they count the Pixar stuff in there? They do not. Okay. So – okay. But this is like Disney. This is like Frozen, Wreck-It Ralph. This is just like yes, Disney stuff. Yes. It's not – it's their in-house CG team yeah. and not like the Pixar team. Yeah. So yeah, like Toy Story is not like in that number. Did you guys get the new trailer for um, the new Pixar movie Oh, I wanted to talk out? about that so bad. You're my hero. Okay. I got it. Did you get it? Yeah, I got it. Do you love it? Um – 
I thought it was I thought it was cool. I want I want to see more from it though. I thought it was a good teaser. Yeah, it's got a great cast. It's um Amy Poehler yeah. as and basically what it is is it's like did you see this trailer? You no. What is it? It's it's, it's a little bit it's, like it's Herman's, Herman's head. head. I was going to say yeah. the same thing. It's like Herman's head with emotions. Yeah, there's same thing. There's yeah. CG characters that represent each of the emotions and you've got Amy Poehler doing joy You've got um, Mindy from The Office and The Mindy Project. Mindy oh, Kaling doing uh, the voice of disgust. You've got uh, <laughs> I can see that. You've got Bill Hader doing fear. You have um, Phyllis Smith, and she was played Phyllis on The Office doing sadness. And then uh, Louis Black. Guess guess which emotion he's doing? <laughs> uh, Lost. Awesome. He's anger. Oh. <laughs> and I, I just think that's such a great voice acting cast. Yeah. I, I cheered just when I heard Amy Polaire's voice because I was like, oh my gosh, I, she's great for this yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And it was really funny. I laughed. I, um, I didn't think that this was the next Pixar movie, though. I thought that the weren't they doing something called like the Little Dinosaur? Yeah, that, th- there's a bunch to do with that. Actually. What happened with that? Is that kind of pushed back a it, little bit? Yeah, like I, I believe the director got replaced. There okay. was differences between Disney and House and the director, right? And they've replaced directors. They actually are doing a rewrite on the script, even too. And it's been pushed back. Um, That's not a bad thing if they're replacing it with another movie. Let's get it right. You know what I mean? I guess yeah. it's not a bad thing. Yeah, and I think I think this movie looks really great. I'm um <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of sequels when it comes to these types of movies, these animated movies. Um, and for the most part, Disney really doesn't do them. And when they do, they're kind of direct-to-video things. They're yeah. never like the big theatrical release and everything. Right. So I I kind of get annoyed with Pixar and with Toy Story being the exception that. That proves the rule. I get annoyed a little bit with the Monsters University 2 and Cars 2 and this this 2 and this 3. And I, yeah. I, it's, I'm really excited to see another original property from Pixar. I think they've been a little bit off the mark. Well, the see, was, with Pixar, the way it started off, it started off as like a very close kind of personal kind of company. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And what happened when they got bought out by Disney? You now they had like a bunch of – they had a slew of movies – that they had lined up, that that was their dream. These were their passion projects. And WALL-E was the last movie that they had originally planned as a company. Mm-hmm. And when that movie ended, you know, now it's like, what are going to be the new original stuff coming out? I and, mean, And right. for a while, they still hit it. They still were coming up with good stuff. Like, I, I think Up is arguably one of the best Pixar movies. It's very good. And and it came yeah. and but then they just started with the Cars 2 and with the Monsters University. To be fair, Cars 2 was not Disney Pixar. It, it was. Cars it, 2 was just Disney. No, it's it's a Disney Pixar Are movie. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm positive. It's when you get Oh, it's the it's planes. when you get with the, it's planes, the planes and the rescue right, and all that You're stuff. Right. You're yeah. right. I, it's very confusing. But yeah, Cars 2 is a Pixar. Wreck-It Ralph was Disney. Wreck-It Ralph was Frozen Disney. was Disney. Yeah. Um, Tangled yeah. was Disney. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, they, they stepped up. It, to me, it's a shame that we don't get hand-drawn Disney animated movies anymore. Like, yeah. I, I mean, the CG is great, but we get enough, we get, we get that all the time. Like, it's, it's really special. Well, at and this yeah, point. we get it from DreamWorks now, too, who's doing a really good job yeah. with, with those types of movies yeah. as well. Train Your Dragon. Yeah. What was yeah. the Rise of the Guardians just recently? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Shrek, Shrek was a huge blockbuster yeah. for them. I mean, they've, they've really done a lot of good stuff, too. Right. Right. So, but yeah, I, I, I saw the uh, Inside Out trailer and I'm, I'm very excited for it. 2015, I, I was trying to find a date real quick for it. July 16th. Okay. So yeah, really excited for that. It's coming out right in the thick of it too, right there in the middle of July. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, Big Hero Six. Let's get back to that, and let me bring up the cast list real quick. And then, um, so yeah, we have Scott Adsit playing Baymax the robot. We have Ryan Potter playing Hero. Daniel Henney playing Tadashi. Um, and let me point out real quick that mostly a cast of unknowns, not really any. The cast was Damon Wayne Jr. Damon Wayne's Jr. Oh, he was so was good. Wasabi. Yeah. Um, TJ Miller was Fred. He's in a lot of sitcoms well, and, and stuff like that. TJ Miller also was a voice in How to Train Your Dragon. So he's working for both DreamWorks and Disney now. Oh, that's so. the Kush life. Yeah. So, and yeah, and the story is, um, from Walt Disney Animation Studios, the team behind Frozen and Wreck It Ralph comes Big Hero 6, an action packed comedy adventure about the special bond that develops between Baymax, a plus-size inflatable robot, and prodigy Hiro Hamada. When devastating event when a devastating event befalls the city of San Francisco and catapults Hiro into the midst of danger, he turns to Baymax and his close friends, adrenaline junkie Gogo Tamago, Neatnik Wasabi, Wasabi. Wasabi, (laughs) chemistry whiz Honey Lemon, and fanboy Fred. Determined to uncover the mystery, Hero transforms his friends into a band of high-tech heroes called Big Hero 6. Yeah, it's not easy to read those synopsises, those summaries, is it? No, I I never... I never took it for granted you doing that. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better about it, I'll take my bow now. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. My. I read so much sometimes that it's just it's so. I mean, I'm not used to reading while talking out loud. It's right. it's crazy. You did good, man. It was it, okay. You did good. Is it synopsises or synopsi? It's synopsis. Synopsis. Oh, uh, okay. So I know that one, right? Yeah. I didn't know. I was wondering. But yeah, so I guess we'll jump right into it, right? Let's jump into it. Let's talk about Big Hero 6. Let's, let's have you Let's have you or Frank do it. Oh, Frank didn't see it. I didn't get to see it. Let's hear you go first on this one. Me go first? Yeah. Um, let's see here. I, I watched Big Hero 6 just a few hours ago um, and uh, didn't really get to write down all my thoughts about the movie, so I'm just going to just kind of tackle it right now. Um, I... I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I had a great time with it. Um, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, the voice acting was top notch. Mm, it was good. Um, I enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed the main character. What was the main character's name? Hero. Hero. <laughs> <laughs> the team was called Big yeah. Hero Six. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, what is wrong with me? <laughs> no, I enjoyed Hero. I thought he was really good. Um, I, I, I really liked uh, the the special effects in this movie. Like the just like the animation mm-hmm. was just really good. It was top notch. I saw it in 3D. Did you see it in 3D? No, the I three, saw it in regular. The 3D was incredible. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, it was gorgeous. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to Tupperware this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. Um, it's a great kids movie. Um, uh, there are scenes of uh, peril in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you, the, there's a character that, that does um, something bad happens to a character. And kids were crying in my theater. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Um, I actually <laughs> – God, I wish I would have got this pulled up. But I actually <laughs> – Actually recorded the kid. <laughs> you creepster. We're, we're horrible people. Hold on. Do you want to see if I can play it? Yeah. There's. <laughs> I want to hear some it's kids a, actually, cry. I, he cried at the beginning of the movie when something bad happened, 
And then, and then at the end of the movie, something like really bad happens at the end of the movie, and the kid starts crying in my theater. And uh, I recorded. Hold on, let me see here if I can. I, I, I wish I would have recorded this into like a wave file that you guys could listen to uh, easier. Hold on. All right, I found it. All right, yeah. So I was watching the movie, and like, there's an emotional scene at the end of the movie, and I'm, I don't know if the audience is going to be able to hear this, but there was a kid crying in the theater, and me being a complete creep, I recorded it. <laughs> I'm gonna have to do like the Stefan thing while this is on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, that was a kid crying. There's an emotional scene here. We're going to hear the little kid crying again shortly. There it is again. I'm sorry. Jake's no. losing Okay, alright. I'm sorry. I am a complete piece of shit. I think... I, we're recording, right? Yeah. I, I I was gonna high taste it, this movie. Yeah. I, I think this is convincing me to jumper away. <laughs> Oh man, that's awful. That's horrible. No, no, but, but yeah, I, I I'm gonna give it a high taste. It. I I really liked it a lot, but it I don't know. It wasn't my favorite thing ever. Yeah, I really liked Baymax a lot. Yeah, and I really liked Hero a lot. And um, other than that, I thought everyone else kind of got shortchanged. Like the whole concept of it being a superhero team. Like big hero six. It was an origin story, though. Yeah. To be fair, and that's that's the way they set it up towards the end. I, I think it, like if there is a sequel, you know, I mean, Wreck It Ralph got is getting a sequel. Yeah. This movie should garner a sequel. This was just like the origin story of that team coming together. I, I completely agree with you, but I feel like it was it was a ninety minute movie, and it was good enough that you could have tacked on another thirty minutes and and had it be that, and actually had you know. Yeah, the team, like everything it did, and a little bit, you know, maybe more, like uh, them fighting another villain or just seeing them as a team more. I just thought it was a great way for like kids that uh, maybe that are too young to watch scenes of peril in the Avengers. They're watching this movie and they're seeing a team form together. It's a it's a good superhero movie. Um, it's not as good as The Incredibles. I loved. Agreed. I loved The Incredibles. Thought it was fantastic. Um, but I still think that there was a lot of funny scenes that kind of made me laugh out loud. Definitely. Um, um I cracked up at the, um, the fist bump. Yeah, the fist, fist bump. And, uh, Damon Wayans Jr., yeah. I love him. I'm, I'm a huge fan of him, whether he's on Happy Endings or mm-hmm. New Girl or, great. or whatever. And it was just good, uh, with him in this movie. I thought he was really funny. The part where, like, the, the big, uh, huge, I think it was like a huge, um, I don't know, uh, God, I can't think of the, what it was that was falling on him, like a big, uh, something was going to fall on him. This huge thing was going to fall on him, and he screams like a girl. Oh, yeah. 
I, I, yeah, it was it was good. I liked it a lot. I mean, yeah. it's a very high taste it for me. Yeah, um, I, t- I, I Tupperware Big Hero Six, but then I taste fucking uh, <laughs> right. Interstellar. Yeah. Right, and you're fine. You're fine with that. I, I'm just comparing it to other kids' movies, and I, I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I Tupperware like Wreck It Ralph, and I, I don't think it was quite as good as that. Um, I thought that this movie was a little bit trailer spoiled for me. Like, I thought a lot of the funniest beats I'd already seen in the trailer, and they kind of goofed it on that. Really? I, I mean, yeah, some of the, some of the, like the tape scene, yeah, and stuff like that was funny, and it was in the movie and whatever. But I, I, I like the villain. Yeah. Like up until like honestly like today when I was just watching TV, I didn't know like who the villain was. That dude in the kabuki mask. Like I didn't even really know who the villain was. So that was kind of a yeah cool thing i to me like i didn't narrow it down to who it was but it was either who it was or the brother yeah so it was like i don't know it was okay like it the mystery wasn't that exciting for me it was a gorgeous movie though and super charming Mm -hmm. and if i was eight years old if eight-year-old jake was doing pop culture leftovers he'd probably tupperware the shit out of this movie yeah but 36 year old jaded asshole jake yeah. Is giving this a high, a high taste it. What did you think about the, uh, the short at the beginning, Feast? Um, I thought it was, um, really cool. Um, it wasn't my favorite short ever, but it was really neat because it was hand drawn animation. Yeah. And it was an incredible 3D. And I think it might possibly be the first time I've seen hand drawn animation in 3D like that. Hmm. And that really blew me away. It was an, an effect like nothing I'd ever seen before. Yeah. Like when all the food was falling into the dog's mouth. It was called Feast and it was basically just about a dog that ate a bunch of food throughout its lifetime. Yeah, but like there's other like things going on with yeah. like uh within his master's life and things like that, which I thought were cool. Yeah, it it was, it was pretty neat. The animation was just brilliant for it though. Yeah, I liked it. But yeah, Big Hero 6, I loved it. I thought it was a Tupperware. I had a lot of fun with it. If you have kids, definitely take them to it. They're going to love it. Yeah, definitely. Either they're going to love it and laugh or they're going to cry like that pussy kid in my hair. <laughs> Did you stay for the end credit sequence? No. Do you know about it? No. It's, it was pretty great. What was it? We, we meet, uh, who's the character that we end up finding out is rich? Is it Fred? Is that his name? Yeah, Fred, the TJ Miller character. Yes, we find out, we meet his father, and we find out that Stan his father Lee. is Stan Lee. And, well, you could see yeah. it in that, that painting. Yeah, yeah, well, he's actually, like, there's like a bookshelf thing that opens, right. and he goes down into the secret layer, and mm-hmm. Stan Lee's down there, and it's his voice and everything. Oh, that's awesome. And then they credit him right after they play it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, I was, like, trying to get here to record, so I didn't stick around for the end credits. I just, I made a beeline for the door and left. End credit scenes aren't art anyway. Yeah. So you don't yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, take for granted for a sec. That okay, you, you guys really like this movie. If you get a minute, go ahead and watch Peabody and Sherman. Oh no! <laughs> no, seriously. If, if you like that, the, of the things that you're describing yeah. about it being charming, good animation, uh, I would say all those things would be about that too. It's not as ludicrous as what you think a suggestion is. Yeah, I'm kind of a. I'm kind of a big fan of Disney, though. Like, I, I'm, like, just that way about Disney, where I give them the benefit of the doubt, and I'll almost see anything they do. I'm going I, – I don't know if it will be next week or the week after, but one of these days, I am going to get around to watching Mr. Peabody and Sherman. Yeah, I'll look on my OD and see if it's anywhere. It's uh, 
I had to pay to rent it, though I don't think it's like on Netflix or anything. It's pretty new to video, video on demand, I think. I'll peek around. I've got a few of that thing. Like, I got I can, HBO Go. Probably Redbox it, maybe. I can go to Family Video. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're still there. in business? There's a family, yeah. yeah, there's a family video in Decatur. I don't know how either, but I mean, we got one in Washington and it's pretty busy most times. Brick and mortar rental stores are the way of the dodo real quick. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. But that, that's what I don't understand is how come they're still busy? It's not like, you know, this area is like the dark ages. Some people will never change though. We all know them. Yeah. True. Some people will just not adapt to certain technologies. Right. Good point. Well, family video to be fair, I mean, they've, they've tried to do some things there. Like, uh, they've got like a pizza place inside so you can get mm. your pizza mm-hmm. and then you can also, you know what I mean? They're, yeah. They're doing whatever they can to stay in business. I don't know if it's like nationwide that they do it, but I know at mine, like if you pay a fee, you get like the first 30 day deal when you do yeah. sign up at half, half price. price. Yeah. And to do that, it's cheaper to do that and rent a Blu-ray, Blu-ray, especially if you rent a lot of movies. Because everything's half price, unlimited for that first thirty days, it's cheaper to do that than it is to stream. Because I think uh, HD to stream now from Amazon Prime is like five ninety nine. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, I I don't know. I see pretty much everything I want to see in the theaters anymore. A lot of times, and I can just wait for either Netflix, Hulu, or HBO Go. Right. So. I don't know. I I want to keep the brick and mortar stores in business, though. Yeah, I do. I think it just gives us options, man. That's true. I, it's our, it's, I'll be honest with you. I was uh, hanging out with my buddy down in Florida, mm-hmm. and we were trying to rent the Raid. Mm-hmm. And up here, we still had at the time, we still had video stores. Down in Florida, dude, there are like no video stores down there. Ugh. And so trying to find the Raid was like impossible. I think we finally found it at like a red box. And it was like we had to drive all over the place. It was insane. But uh, I, I like uh, knowing that there is a brick-and-mortar store where I can go you know, rent videos. And if I wanted to pick up, like, uh, popcorn or pizza or whatever the fuck, I can. Do you count the red boxes that, too? Is the red box just kind of the in-betweener a little bit, huh? The red box is not a brick-and-mortar. Yeah. No. It's- I mean, uh, when I used to go to uh, the Blockbuster in Decatur, uh-huh. I used to walk in. And the the kid that worked there would say hi every time I walked in. And he would also, I would ask him, you know, hey, have you seen this movie? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Is it any good? Oh, uh, yeah, he'd give me his, he'd tell me, he'd let me know. And he'd also just, he'd elaborate even more on top of that. He'd be like, oh, you know what? Here's another movie you need to check out. Mm-hmm. Or I'd just be talking to like a random patron that was in there too. And I'd be looking at movies and like somebody – like a random guy would just be like, oh, you know what? This movie's really good. I remember going into family video years ago. That's a great point. And he would just be like, hey, this movie's a really good movie. And I rented Payback with Mel Gibson, oh, the nice. original the original cut, and I loved it. What, Frank? God damn. I'm trying to get a point out. And the whole I'm time listening. you're like, no, you're not listening. You're like pointing and you're like wanting to say something. It's driving me that, nuts. That's to remind myself of what it is because I'm trying to both keep a hold of that thought and listen to yeah, you. Yeah, but I got you out of the corner of my eye. Just like it's like it's – like, <laughs> Sorry. Um, what? Uh, you remember that video store, uh, Video World? Yeah. From around where we grew yes. up? Uh, I had that kind of a relationship with them back in high school. Right. I would go in there and then talk to them, except for me it was about video games. They would ask me like what ones were good. That way they could order a few extra copies. It was uh-huh. just like a mom and pop. Yeah. Um, Are they still in business? Yeah, they're still open. Yeah. Every once in a while I'll go – I haven't been in there in like two or three years, but I'll go by there and just yeah. run it. But um, 
Yeah, and then like when they would have people turn in games and say that they didn't work, they'd have me go test them and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a comic shop for movies if it's treated the right way. Exactly. I yeah. agree. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, that's a great point. I do. That's one thing I do miss. I don't. I don't step foot. I don't think I've stepped foot in a video store in like a decade. And I do miss that, like the actual conversations you yeah. have in video stores about what yeah. to watch and everything. Yeah. But, yeah. So. All right. All right. You guys want to move on to Pop Culture Leftovers News? Let's do it. All right. Uh, yeah. So uh, I Tupperware, you taste it. I taste it. I spoiled that movie's Tupperware party. <laughs> All right. Time for the uh, Pop Culture Leftovers News. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's the leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right, uh, we were just talking about Disney movies. Disney Pixar, they announced on Thursday that Toy Story 4 will be coming to theaters June 16th, 2017. After, two sto- uh, after Toy Story 3, I thought that that was going to be the last film. I-, I pretty much thought that Disney Pixar set it up as the last film. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to Toy Story 4. Uh, John Lasseter, the co-creator of the series, had this to say in a press release. Toy Story 3 ended Woody and Buzz's story with Andy so perfectly that for a long time, we never even talked about doing another Toy Story movie. But when Andrew Stanton, Pete Docter, Lee Unkrich, director of Toy Story 3, and I came up with this new idea, I just could not stop thinking about it. It was so exciting to me. I knew we had to make this movie, and I wanted to direct it myself. So... My question to you is, are you guys happy about this, a Toy Story 4 announcement? Um, I mean, the trilogy, for me, it was great, mm-hmm. and it had a great ending, and now they're going to open this back up and do a fourth movie. Are you guys happy they're doing a Toy Story 4? I'm, I'm, it's a mixed bag for me. Um, I hope they don't mess it up. I think it being a trilogy, it was pretty near perfect as it was. But on the other hand, I, I think they can – John Lasseter, if he's going to come back and direct it himself, that gives me a lot of confidence in the project. I think if it was just a cash-in for money, that they would just get whoever to direct it. And the fact that he still has his hand in the pool so much gives me confidence that they really did think of a real whamdinger of a story, you know? So I'd taste it. Yeah, I guess I didn't say that. I'd, I'd taste it. I, I'd – Toy Story is not like the holy grail for me. I wouldn't say that I'm ambivalent about it, but if there was one stinker in the group, it wouldn't ruin the whole thing for me at this point. I mean, this is a series that's gone clear back, what, 20 years, something Mid-90s, like that? Mid-90s, at yeah. least. Yeah. yeah. That's so, wild to think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like I said, if, it, if it's a stinker, it's not going to ruin the whole thing for me. I'd like to see it be good, but... It, I'm not, like, going to stay up at night worried about it. What do you think that this movie could possibly be about? I was actually kind of brainstorming about that. I feel like I feel like they're going to stay away. Somehow we're going to get Andy out of the picture. And whatever this idea that they've come up with has Andy out of the picture somehow. And I'm trying to think from there what the idea could be. Did you guys see the promo? I, the promo picture. I did not. Nope, me either. Well, there was a picture that they had released along with like this article on all the media outlets. And uh, you see the toys. Some of the toys are on the left, some of the toys on the right. But in the center, you see an iPad. And in the iPad, you see Angry Birds. Mm-hmm. Okay? 
Um, I'm thinking that maybe this has something to do with, uh, you know, the second movie had to, no, the first movie had to deal with Buzz Lightyear being like the new toy. Yes. Okay. Are you thinking that they're going to incorporate um, a digital world into this? Or do you think, you know, I'm thinking like on one side, like they're introducing, possibly could be introducing like a digital world. Um, but on the flip side, I think that falls too much in line with what they did with Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. But then again, I think that uh, that they could get sucked into like a digital world. The toys could go into a digital world and Disney owns another property that I think they could kind of capitalize on that would make me as an adult kind of want to see this. <laughs> um, if they get sucked into a digital world and we see like Buzz Lightyear and Woody in a Tron environment, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm there. I could if see I that. could see Buzz Lightyear on a uh, light cycle, I'm there. That'd be funny, and I think it would be funny. Yeah. Them throwing like the uh, Tron, like the boomerangs and shit like that, mm-hmm. right? Stuff like that. I don't know if that's the way they're gonna go with this, but that's just that's all I got off the top of that's my. That's great head. speculation, yeah. or maybe it's just as simple as the iPad or whatever the digital tablet is the Buzz Lightyear of the movie. Where, right. I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, it's the replacement toy, and the other toys don't get played with anymore. Yeah. Uh, who knows? It's Hard just to interesting say. to say. I got it. Do you think we'll see any Marvel and or Star Wars toys in a Toy Story movie? That's now? another thing I was going to bring up. I think that, like, maybe the villain in this could be, like, a Darth Vader toy with a bunch <laughs> of stormtroopers. I, I could very well see that, too. Yeah. That'd be cool. So, or just a mishmash of, yeah. of properties. Yeah. Kind of like army men. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's very exciting. Have you seen um, Kmart is going out of business? Really? And so I was in there like everything's on clearance and they it just like happened. And they've got these basically like the little green army men. Yeah. Except they're the Star Wars equivalent of them. Right. And they're normally like like five bucks a pack or everything, but they had all the shit marked down, so I got a pack of them for two bucks. Oh, is, nice. Is this our local Kmart that's closing, or is it Kmart I think everywhere? It, I think it's everywhere. I, I, I could be wrong about that, but for sure ours is, our local one is for sure closing. Yeah. Hmm. So, yeah. Dip in there, guys. Yeah, I don't know about Toy Story 4. Um, if they have a great idea, if they say that they have a great idea... And they want to bring it to us. I'm all for it, but I think they ended it on such a great note that it's hard to open up that uh, that universe again. Yeah, I can't argue that. Like can't. the Matrix. Yeah. Well, they fucked up when they did two. Right. Yeah. That's the only thing that gives me hope with Toy Story is I'm pretty anti sequel with that kind of thing anyway. And they did two and three, and and they're pretty great. So yeah, maybe maybe they got it in them for one more. All right, guys. Uh, moving on to DC news. An extra on the set of Batman v Superman claims that he knows of a flashback scene and why B- Batman v Superman is filming in Washington, D.C. Okay, let's talk about the flashback scene. Um, it involves Bruce Wayne and Jeremy Irons as Alfred. Uh, the following quotes are from the extra. And, you know, guys, I've, I've already posted on Facebook pictures of, like, the cemetery. Mm-hmm. and stuff like that that they're filming on Batman v Superman. Uh, the extra says, the first scene we filmed was with Jeremy Irons. It was out in a field with young Bruce Wayne, a flashback to the Wayne funeral. The small set was really cool with the hearse vehicles. 
uh, sporting Gotham license plates. Um, yeah, big deal. I mean, we all saw those pictures on the internet. Yeah. So anyone could speculate that, you know, it could be a flashback scene with a young Bruce or it could be in a, like an adult Bruce Wayne, you know, just spending at the, spending time at the cemetery, you know, visiting, you know, his parents. So big deal with that. I mean, any, I, I mean, whether you're an extra or not, you could kind of speculate that something like that was going to happen in the film. Yeah, that's not really any juice, but. Right. Let's talk about the second scene. The Washington, D.C. scene seems a little bit more important, and it revolves around what might be a big plot point in Batman v. Superman. The extra says, The second scene I was involved in was situated in a half-stadium-style set surrounded by tall green screen walls. Henry Cavill was on set dressed as Clark Kent, but did not film with us that day. The scene was a parade scene to take place in Washington, D.C. Obviously, the CG effects for the surroundings would be placed in post-production. Now, for the major spoiler of this report, he says, The parade, we were told, was the funeral for the President of the United States. I wish I had more pics, but our phones were checked in before filming, and we didn't get them back until the end of the day. Hmm. I buy it. I buy it too. Lex Luthor. Yeah, exactly. Lex Luthor. I was going to say the same thing. Lex Luthor is going to be the president of the United States. Yeah. Come on. It's like it's, it's just it's, like the comic. It's the new title is uh, Batman v Superman: The Phantom Menace, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's all orchestrated by Lex Luthor, so he can at the end of the day take over as president. Yeah. So probably the whole damn thing will have been orchestrated by Lex Luthor. The reasons why Superman and Batman are fighting, mm-hmm. the reason why the president gets killed. Yeah, they've got to portray him as a mastermind behind the scenes. Yeah, I like it. I like it too. Yeah. I'm not complaining at all. Yeah. Some of the best spoiler news I've heard out of this movie so far. I agree. Yeah, the shit ton. Uh-huh. All right, guys, moving on. IGN was speaking with Anne Hathaway at an interstellar press junket. And she revealed that she would come back and play Catwoman, but with stipulations. Here's what she had to say to IGN. I would be totally up for doing it if Chris Nolan was involved. For me, the thing that made doing that part particularly fun was that she existed in Gotham, in his Gotham. Without him, I don't think it would be the same thing. But I also wonder about that part. If because she's a thief... It's not better to have her be a small part in a larger film so she can go through and steal aspects of the film. But when the focus is squarely on her, I don't know if it works as well. All right. It's a very safe answer. Can we agree that it's not going to happen? It'll uh, never yeah. happen. Right. right. It's not like Christopher Nolan's going to come off in Interstellar and be like, I'm doing a Catwoman movie. Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't be art. Right. <laughs> it's a very safe answer. Yeah. IGN, they didn't stop there, though, with her. They had her, and they're not going to stop there. And I love that they didn't. They uh, they asked her if she'd ever be interested in joining the new DC Universe movies, even in a cameo capacity. She says, oh, yeah, that'd be fun. I'd definitely love that. I want to play her again. I don't know. This is just speculation because I do think about it sometimes. I think she's got an amazing backstory, and it would be great to see her get her own film. But I don't know. She is someone who mystery serves her well, so I don't know what a whole film would do. But who knows? 
We do know. We saw the Catwoman movie. It was it was terrible. <laughs> a whole film was a bad idea. Yeah. So. Right. No. What the Halle Berry? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Halle Berry. I'm sorry. I got a text from my mom. My mom texted me just now. <laughs> what? What did she? What show did she mispronounce? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what is it? Game of Thorns? Game, Game of, of Thorns. Thorns. She calls Game of Thrones Game of Thorns, <laughs> or uh, Throne of Games, or whatever she calls it. No, my that. mom. She just texted me. She said Matt Damon is going to reprise role as Jason Bourne. Oh yeah, you didn't see that today. No, I did not see that. Yeah. Hmm. So I guess uh, in the new Bourne movie, we are going to get Renner and Matt Damon. Oh, Renner's going to come back? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, he's already been cast, I believe. Mm. So I think that was like this. That was the big news is like, is uh, Matt Damon going to come back? Are these two going to like, is this going to get expanded universe? And they're going to introduce both of these characters. So Wow. <clears throat> I'm not a, the biggest fan of those movies. I don't hate them by any means, but. I loved the first movie. Mm-hmm thought it was fantastic um and then i enjoyed the second movie um third movie wasn't a huge fan of haven't i still haven't seen the renner born so i've seen them all but the renner and like the first one is the best yeah it was great Mm -hmm. loved it never seen any of them i've seen little bits and pieces of the first one but it nothing about it just really seemed to draw on me all right back to catwoman (laughs) Um, no but thanks mom Thank you, mo- thank you, mother. Boop, 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 boop. Breaking news. My mother has she has a direct line to pop culture leftovers in her text. It's amazing. So thank you, thanks, mom. But no, um, what do you think? Would you guys want to see Anne Hathaway come back as Catwoman in a uh, future movie? I'm fine with it as a cameo capacity, but other than that, I don't need it. Uh, I'm an Anne Hathaway fan. I, I li- like her. Yeah, I like her a lot too. I, I I liked her Catwoman. I thought she was sexy. I thought she was awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to see it again, but it's not going to happen. I am totally against this, 100. percent Yeah, they are starting a new DC cinematic universe, one that is totally not involved with the Christian Bale Batman movies. Why bring her back? And why bring her back as a cameo? <laughs> if you're going to bring back Catwoman, let's bring her back in full capacity. I don't want a cameo from a Nolan character that doesn't even exist in this new universe. <laughs> I'm totally against this. 100% against it. think it's a horrible idea. Cast the new Catwoman. Let's have her in there as a larger capacity. Let's have a Catwoman in there that 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 that, that we're not going to get a bullshit answer that's going to say, "Oh, I'll come back as a cameo." No, I want an actress that's going to come in there and say, "You know what? Yeah, if you want me to do a 100% Catwoman film, I'll do it." Yeah, it seemed like she kind of flip flopped on her answer too. Where yeah. at first she was like, "I'll only do it if it's Nolan," but right. then, "Oh, yeah, that'd be fun too." Yeah, but yeah. I'll do it in a cameo. Yeah, yeah. If in the new DCU. No, no, I. I want them, I want them to recast. I don't want her to come back. Yeah, I feel like she's going to be the uh, female Michael Caine to Christopher Nolan now that she'll end up being in every Christopher Nolan movie, right? I kind of got a little bit theory? about that out of her answer too. Yeah, not only did she play Michael Caine's daughter, but I think she. Right. I feel like she's part of his like group now. Right. She's yeah. basically like it's like Morse code to like Christopher Nolan. Like, what else do you have next? I'll, yeah. I'm involved. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked. I, I'd almost be willing to bet money. Yeah, is this the there. new relationship? Is this like uh, is this like the Tim Burton fucking Johnny Depp shit going on? Are we gonna get like her and Michael Caine in every movie? <laughs> yeah, actually, it kind of breaks that with the lead not being Leonardo DiCaprio. 
Well, Leonardo DiCaprio isn't in all of Nolan's movies. Exactly. He's, He's only in, them, just the one. Just the one, Inception. No, Strange Island, or The Island. That's a Michael Bay movie, and that's Ewan McGregor. No, no, no. You're the thinking one, of Shutter Island. Shutter Island, yeah. That's um, Martin Scorsese, right? I thought that was Nolan. Let's pause it. I want to find out. <laughs> uh, all right, we're back. Hey, Jake, yeah. uh, who did uh, Shutter Island? Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Did, did it, I said that. That's who I called it out. Did that get Frank, recorded? Yeah. Frank, if people ever wonder why you're not a leftover, <laughs> here's an example. He's, he's, like, he's like that caller or the mom recording for Inception. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> There's a fucking dodo bird why, again. Why is Leonardo DiCaprio in all of the Christopher Nolan movies? <laughs> but it broke it for this last one. <laughs> <coughs> Oh man! Yeah, he was in neither of the Batman movies. Um, what else did Nolan do? Um, the one with the magicians that we talked about the earlier. Prestige. Yeah, and um, I'm trying. I'm blanking on other Memento, of course. Memento. I stand corrected. Yeah. yeah. Well and duly corrected. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. The rap reported late Friday night that the Suicide Squad movie is looking to cast someone to play. Drum roll. The Joker. Now, would the Joker be a part of the Suicide Squad team? I don't, not likely in my opinion. Um, if this is true, does this mean that we'll probably see Harley Quinn? If it's true, it means we'll definitely see Harley Quinn. Agreed. Um, I think so. As well. Um, here's what the rap reported. Oscar winner Jared Leto is circ- circling a key role in David Ayer's Suicide Squad that could prove to be the Joker. An individual familiar with the Warner Brothers project had told the rap. Warner Brothers had no comment, while a representative for Leto did not immediately respond to a request for comment. Guys, Jared Leto... As the Joker, it's a rumor, but I want us to rate the rumor. Yeah, we're going to rate a fucking rumor. We do that here all the time. I'm down. I'm down. So let's rate the rumor. I want to hear what your thoughts are for Jared Leto as the Joker. Yeah, I mean, if it's true, if uh, I Tupperware that. I will, I'll talk about the other shit later. I, well, let's just talk about let's hi, the hypothetical of Leto as the Joker. Mm-hmm. I, I Tupperware that. I think he'd do a great job. Right. Uh, yeah, that that's great. That's exactly the way you need to go after Heath Ledger. You gotta go all out and get someone that's really gonna deliver a, a character piece, a character performance. Yeah. And he delivers great ones. So yeah, I think that's great if that's if that's the way they go. Frank. I gotta Tupperware it as well. Uh the casting alone, uh he's gonna he'd be able to pull it off for sure. The only thing that would make me worry would be, you know, the writing of it, but that's not going to be his fault. He'd knock it out of the park, whatever he's given. Yeah. All right, guys. I was a little uh, surprised when I posted this news on our Facebook page. Did mm-hmm. you guys read any of the comments? No. Yeah, a little bit. You did? Yeah. Frank, you didn't? Mm-mm. You piece of shit. What are you doing all fucking week? Working. <laughs> yeah, the one they posted the side by side picture and, um, on the comments, I, I saw that, and mm-hmm. what, what a few of the listeners said about it. They a lot. Of, I'd say I'd say more listeners were against this than yeah. they were for it. Yeah, right. I agree, and I respect my. I respect all of our listeners' opinions, but I was really surprised 
at the people that were saying no to this. Mm. I really was. I think there are people that are still out there that think Jared Leto is still just like the mysterious heartthrob that he played on My So-Called Life. Mm -hmm. Or like just like Jared Leto, the the rock star from 30 Seconds to Mars. Yeah. Um, Guys, the guy just won a fucking Oscar for his performance in Dallas Buyers Club. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying he should just get the part because he won an Oscar. Um, not at all. I mean, he's the type of actor, he delves into the character and he becomes the character. Yeah. He's a method actor. We saw him in Dallas Buyers Club when he played a transsexual that was suffering from HIV. For that role, he lost 40 pounds and pulled off an amazing performance. Yeah, definitely. Um, previously before that, he did a role. He gained 67 pounds in a film called Chapter 27 where he played Mark Chapman, the man that shot and killed John Lennon. And and I'm not saying that, you know, an actor is made by how much weight he can gain and how much weight he can lose. I'm saying that this guy is cut from the same cloth that other method actors are cut from. I, I'm not saying he's better than Daniel Day-Lewis, but he approaches acting in the same art form as Daniel Day-Lewis. And to him, it is an art. There, there's a difference between... In acting, there's a difference between what Kevin James does in a film... Yes. And what... And what it? Jared Leto and what Daniel Day-Lewis do in a film. Yeah, like a great character actor, a great... I think I put, like, Gary Oldman in that group, yeah, too. Yeah, ex- exactly. And just, just like, people that just really, like, have the commitment and really put themselves into that character. They, you know, while they're filming those scenes, they don't break. They put themselves into yep. the mindset of these characters and deliver these amazing performances. Jared Leto is, in my opinion, he's a bona fide actor, and, and I think he'll approach the role just like Heath Ledger, and I Tupperware this... If it is true, and I would have thought that everyone would have learned a little something when we shit on Heath Ledger being cast as the Joker at first. Uh, but apparently some people haven't learned anything. And with some of the hate for this rumor, I think some people, they just have not learned that there are certain actors out there that when they are given a role, they are going to become that character. Yeah. Jared Leto, if he is cast as the Joker, I know we are going to get an actor that is 100% committed to be the best Joker he can be. I'm honestly shocked by some of the reactions on our Facebook page saying that this is a toss-it. This guy is going to – I think this guy is going to pull off an amazing performance, whether it rivals Heath Ledger's performance or whether it doesn't. This guy is going to put 100% in there. If he is cast, they have hired an actor. Can we talk a little bit more about the rumor? Sure. I, um, do you really – how much faith do you put into this? Because I really don't put much faith into it at all. Like I just don't see it. Like how big of a part does the Joker even normally put into the Suicide Squad like normally? And it just seems like a little – It's the connection with Harley Quinn. Yeah. It's the connection with Harley Quinn. And I, I'm just not buying that theatrically. I mean, maybe it is a better way to bring him back than to bring him back with Batman, you know, so you don't have those connections too. It's also a good thing to think of him not being the main draw. He no, he's not, he's not going to be, he's, 
guys, w- w- what does what what does make sense about this is what have we learned from Batman v Superman? The main focus we thought was going to be Batman and Superman in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. What else have we learned from that movie? They're throwing in everything but the kitchen sink. We got Cyborg, we got Gal Gadot, we got probably Aquaman. Uh, we, we've got, uh, uh, another character we're going to talk about here. What oh, was it? Kahina? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's tons of characters that they're talking about introducing into that movie. It's not out of the realm of possibility no, that they're going to throw in a cameo appearance from like the new Joker being Jared Leto. Just a, just a cameo appearance. And they're already talking about having Lex Luthor involved in this too. Jesse Eisenberg making an appearance in this movie. I buy it more if he signs a multi-picture deal. I buy it more if he's like, okay, I'm the Joker in the new DC cinematic universe. But I have a heart. I don't buy it if all he's doing is delivering less than 15 minutes of screen time in a, in a Suicide Squad movie. I don't think he'll, he'll want any part of that. Maybe, maybe not. It could. I think it could work if it's part of a bigger picture, not just a one-shot deal, like yeah. a like a little bit of a glimpse. You know? I, I think it could work either way. I just don't think he will want the role if it's just. Hi, I'm I'm Jared Leto's agent. Yeah, and I'm Jared Leto's agent, and I and I'm uh, I'm talking to Jared, and I'm saying something like, uh, "Listen, like nobody thought that anybody could do what Heath Ledger did." For the Dark Knight, I think you're that guy. I think you're that guy. No, I, 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 I agree with that. Okay, okay, you agree with that. Yeah. Um. So let's let's prove the naysayers wrong. Let's prove the naysayers wrong. Um. There's there's going to be a small part for you to show a little bit what you can do in this movie. Just a small part, just a cameo, and then you know the next Batman solo film. Uh. You you are going to be the Joker. Who is a character with a lot of depth, and that's a character that's won an Oscar. No, I agree with you one hundred percent. But okay, if okay. that part two isn't part of the deal from the go, I don't see him wanting this. Is basically my point. I agree with that. Like if if it's going to be more than just a little cameo. If it's only A and not B of the the two part scenario you pointed out, right? Then I don't think he'll, he'll want that. No, 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 no. I, it's got to be point A with point B. Yeah, it's got to yeah. be. If it's A and B, then I, I wholeheartedly agree. But I disagree agree. with Frank. I think that I think that that they. Uh, I think it will be a small cameo in Suicide. Yeah. Squad. And I just right. I said oh, it would yeah. work either way. My my me say like I said, all I was arguing is whether or not he would take it with just a small role. And yeah, we're all no. saying the same thing because I don't think that he would be any bigger than a cameo role in that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so you're in agreement yeah. with us then. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep. fair enough. Fair enough. I heard you, Ron. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah, but uh, I Tupperware this. I Tupperware it too. I do. I I I think you know if they can't get him, if Marvel's not going to get him as Doctor Strange, I think honestly I think Joker's a better fit. Yeah, I, I can see that. I can't argue that. Do you think a lot of people's hate? I mean, did they have valid you know replacements, or is it just still the love of the Heath Ledger Joker that they're shit canning this? I don't know, man. I see. I can't. I, I, all I can, all I can think about is like I think Brian, I, yeah, you're I, onto it with the Jared. I think people just associate him with the rock band and with the, with, the older stuff. Yeah, with yeah. The, with my so called life, they they associate him with the rock band. Gotcha. Maybe you guys, you really do need to go out there and you need to watch. I've seen Chapter Twenty Seven. I've seen Dallas Buyers Club. Watch these movies. 
This guy is 100% committed in this craft. It, this is not – he is not Adam Sandler. He is not Kevin James. But, guys, how, how dare you, sir, <laughs> sully the name of Kevin, Kevin James. James? I know. I know. Excuse me. I, I Guys, yeah, I got a Tupperware Paul Blart Malk. <laughs> <laughs> But Holy this guy, shit. no, to, 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 I, you know what, on the, okay, yeah, I understand it. I get it. I, I, you know, most actors want to be rock stars and most rock stars want to be actors. This guy gets to live both of them. Mm-hmm. So fuck Jared Leto because like he's amazing. And, and to be fair, I can't stand his band. Like I, I loathe. I love 30 Seconds oh, to oh, Mars. I'm I can't sorry. stand it. I like and, him. But I, I, I love him as an actor. Like, I totally respect him as an actor. I don't really let that get in the way of, you know, so. I think he, I, I, he's, a, he, he's so goddamn talented. He's a great-looking guy. Women love looking at him. Mm-hmm. You know, he's eye candy for the ladies. But uh, I think he takes his craft in, in music and in uh, film very seriously. And... Uh, I think this is a home run if DC can lock this guy up as the Joker. You know, if you think I'm wrong, maybe you haven't seen Dallas Buyers Club. Maybe you haven't seen Chapter 27. Maybe these are movies that you need to watch and then and then come back and say, well, you know, maybe I can see this now. There'd be people that would decry what I'm about to say is blasphemy, but I think that he would be able to turn in a performance equal to Heath Ledger. Not maybe the same thing, but he's got the capability. I think it's very possible. I don't think in any way he's going to try to AP Lesnar's performance. No, in no. any way whatsoever. Right. I, it's gonna he's be... going to give us a different Joker. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope we see Staple Face Joker on the big screen. I do too. Staple Face Joker is so creepy. Fucking a. <laughs> yeah, but my pick for the Staple Face Joker was Matt Smith. So yeah, because he's got the look. Like he his, does. His he head, does. Like yes, the head silhouette is <laughs> <laughs> like dead on. He does. I'm, but, with, I'm with that. All I'm saying though is like if if it does come out that Jared Leto is going to be Joker. I'm not tossing this by any means. No, this me, is not a toss it. My God. No, me neither. It'll be the most excited thing I am for any of these right. upcoming DC movies. The safe, yeah. cho- the sa- okay. What are safe choices as the Joker? Safe choices. Safe. I'm s- uh-huh. Adrian Brody is the Joker. Oh, good answer. Safe choice. <laughs> safe choice. <laughs> what about um? What's his name from um? Oh my God! I'm trying to Johnny think. Depp as the Joker. Oh, Safe fuck. choice. No. Safe oh my choice. God! No, that would be horrible. No, I'm saying these are safe choices. Yeah, definitely. This is not like something like let's think out of the box. I'm talking. Hey, let's think out of the box. Let's cast somebody like Heath Ledger. That was an out of the box casting. Yeah. People were bitching about that. The same people that were bitching about it a year later were just like, "Oh my god, Heath Ledger's Joker was amazing, better than Jack Nicholson." Yeah. And guys, this is the same kind of thing. Yeah. I, I there's no difference between Heath Ledger and Jared Leto. They are both <laughs> high caliber, high art they they take their craft seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Acting is an art to them. They work on their craft. They're the both they are cut from the same cloth. I don't see how this is a toss it. I'll tell you one difference between the two of them. What's that? Well, one's still alive. Oh, <laughs> holy shit. Holy 
shit. <laughs> you are correct, sir. That made this news gangsta as fuck for sure. <laughs> yeah, one is still breathing. I want, I want, uh, I want, I want Kevin James for the Joker. Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> oh That's God. it. I'm starting a Facebook page. It'll be, his, it'll I'm be starting his, a, yeah. I'm starting a Facebook page. Paul Blart. For the Joker. It'll be like his <laughs> career-turning move, you know? Yeah. He'll fucking blow everyone off their seats. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, no, please no. <laughs> All right. You guys ready to move on to some Marvel news? Let's do it. Yay. All right. During an appearance at Kamikaze 2014 this weekend, Deadpool co-creator Rob Liefeld talked briefly about the upcoming Deadpool movie. He said... Following Wolverine 2009, the Donners called me into their office and said, Rob, we want to meet and talk to you about Deadpool since we're spinning it off. We know we made some missteps and we want to get it right. So I sat there with a bunch of producers and we sat for several hours and we talked about different ideas and I tried to steer them in the direction I think. For instance, I'll tell you, first question they said, Rob, does Cable need to be in the Deadpool movie? And I said, no. Deadpool deserves his own function and Cable should come in his own movie. And they were like, okay, because we were thinking about it. And I was like, no, you can do them both separately. They don't need to be in the same movie. Look, we had a long talk. We had some ideas and I can't share them. Some of them made it across the finish line. And then they were brilliant and hired the Zombieland writers those guys are fantastic. I went to see Zombieland like five times in the theater, and I was like, this is genius. And the Deadpool script is fantastic. Three years ago, the director, Tim Miller, he came to me four years ago, three years ago, and he goes, Rob, I want you to come up and see what we're doing. And he showed me all the pre-prep work, and then Ryan Reynolds is pulling up to the film to film this scene that day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is happening. Cut to the footage is in the uh, locker room for three years, three years. Uh, God bless whoever leaked that. Uh, they're talking about the, mm, the, yeah, the, the leaked footage. The leaked fil- footage that came right out of San Diego Comic-Con right, a few days after that. Whoever leaked it and goes to jail, we need to cheer them. That movie is happening as that guy goes in cuffs because the Fox guy told me, Rob, we have computer forensics. We will find that person. <laughs> when asked if Ryan Reynolds would be Deadpool... Liefeld responded, Ryan is Deadpool. Look, Ryan Reynolds, he's gone through that same career arc. The guy is ridiculously talented. He has a huge, huge passion for Deadpool. Deadpool's not happening because he was a giant star. They said, Ryan, what do you want to do? And he said, Deadpool. That's why it happened. They would have no faith otherwise. That movie is because of his passion. He put together the team. In regards to the incredible trailer, Leifold said, that's nothing of what you're going to see. <laughs> so this answers a few questions, though. Rob Liefeld comes out and says that, yeah, if there's a Deadpool – like a lot of people saw like the Deadpool trailer that was released shortly after San Diego Comic-Con. Yeah. And they're like, okay, we love the trailer, but is Ryan Reynolds going to be Deadpool? Rob Liefeld saying that, yes, Ryan Reynolds is going to be Deadpool. He's – the biggest reason this Deadpool movie is going to be made, he's the biggest cheerleader for Deadpool right now, and people need to people need to understand that. I don't. I, it's hard to know what to really take from this, though. As truth, though, because I mean, it's all from Rob Rob Liefeld, 
And he's kind of a full of shit name dropper. I know, I know, I know. He didn't fucking see Zombieland five times in the theater. So quit, like, sucking dick about that. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Come on. Here I was getting ready to say that I was happy to hear that the Zombieland writers are involved, but now I think you're going to accuse me of a reach-around. No. It's one thing to say you're happy about the writers being involved, but it's one thing to be like, oh, I love that movie so much I saw it five times. <laughs> and I, I even question whether or not these people even reached out to talk to Rob Leefield, if, if that's even true. Because at the end of the day... All he did was create how this character looked. And he, you know, that that's his claim to fame with Deadpool. He didn't create, like, he didn't write Deadpool ever. So I, I what are they coming to him for? You know, costume design? That'd be about the only thing, in my opinion, to do maybe some conceptual art for the movie or anything. They're not coming to him. So, Rob, should we have cable in the Deadpool movie or should we have a separate cable in Deadpool movie? I, I doubt that that meeting even happened. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I don't mean to be terrible about this story. No, 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 no. Alright. Alright. In a lot of these movies, what are they doing these days to appease the comic book fans? Yeah. Alright, you've got Ed Brubaker. He's the creator of the Winter Soldier storyline. What did they do for Captain America the Winter Soldier? They brought him on as kind of like an executive producer. He was there as a consultant, right? Yeah. Okay. Laura Schuller Donner is kind of taking, I think Laura Schuller Donner is kind of taking, uh, uh, that into consideration with, uh, the, um, Deadpool series. Um, like, uh, let's get the, unfortunately it has to be Rob Liefeld. They would talk to Fabian Nasita. That's who you talk to. Talk to the guy that created the character. Rob Liefeld is the creator of Deadpool. Of the look. Right, exactly. Fabian Nasita created his story, his background, his origin, his mannerisms, his dialogue. You could get into the argument of like who created Spider-Man too. I mean, we could talk about Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. Most people are going to credit Stan Lee as the creator of Spider-Man. Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't Jack Kirby. It was um 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 Steve Ditko. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I was brain farting on that. Yeah. Too. Ditko. Um, but, but yeah, I, but most people would say Stan Lee. I would I would think one out of hundred people on the street is going to say Stan Lee created Spider-Man, and, right. and not Steve Ditko. Exactly. And it, it's a tricky argument. I agree with you there. But I mean, it is a it is a big deal. Like the writing, in my opinion, it's like. Oh, uh, what's the percentage? Maybe 70-30 on the creation there, in my right. opinion? yeah. I mean, I don't mean to be a jerk to artists out there involved in this kind of thing, but it, it really is that to me. Like, it's once the, the artist can leave and if the writer stays, the story goes on. Right. Where it's the, if it's the other way around, it's, it's like a reboot at that point. I know. I just, uh, honestly, I just think, like, uh, we are going to hear more from Rob Liefeld about this oh, Deadpool movie. Of course we are. Yeah. He's a shameless self-promoter. I know. <laughs> I'm not arguing. No, with I you know there. you're not. I'm not arguing. It's just the kind of his the way he is makes me question whether whether or not any of this is legit. So it's hard to like. What do I think about all this? When yeah, I, I think it's all probably a bunch of bullshit to begin with. Like, I know it's like how much of an inside track does Rob Liefeld really have with all of this? Yeah, I don't think he's having the fact that he's like 
He's already, a self-promoter. And he, he yeah. already is obviously embellishing the truth just in like some of, like I pointed out the zombie land statement. Yeah. I mean, come on, really? You gotta agree with me here. He didn't see this movie five times. I loved the movie. But I love it too. I saw it once in theaters and I waited for it to come out on Redbox. You know what I mean? It's not like I had to see it five times in theaters. Yeah, he's a busy guy. He's, he's going to meetings right. about what the movies they're gonna make. He didn't have time right. to see zombie land five exactly. times, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh. He, he's uh, being credited with uh, executive producing, isn't he? For it? For the Deadpool. He, I'm yeah. sure he's saying that he is. Okay. Yeah, whether he's going to be actually an executive producer on the movie by the time it's all said and done with, we don't know that. Right, gotcha. Yeah. And it's like, I gr- agree with you about your point about bringing in people associated, but it's like Ed Brubaker's like beloved by readers. Oh, I know. And then you got Rob Liefeld, who's kind I know, of, but you go to the Wikipedia page, you're going to see Rob Liefeld's name under Deadpool. You're yeah. going to see it there. Yeah. Okay? And so that's what they're looking for. Yeah, I hear you. Guys, like, when, like, okay, when you, when... Yeah, like when you go to like the Walking Dead page, you're gonna see like Robert Kirkman. Yeah, you know what I mean. And I mean, when you see this Deadpool movie, you're gonna see created by Rob Liefeld. Yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah, he's definitely the bigger name. Yes, because I mean, he just you know he, he's a good self promoter. That's why he does it. <laughs> Rob Liefeld is one of the luckiest guys because he was. Honestly, he was involved in like all these comic books that were blowing up in the 90s. Yeah. That uh honestly, a lot of these comics that blew up in the 90s actually killed the industry. Yeah, all the X the million X titles. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. it was a it was a collector's market and uh because it was a collector's market and they were printing out like millions and millions of copies of X titles, it actually killed the fucking it killed it mm-hmm. it's confusing to even try to it was sift the, through that and shit it was all right the now. covers it was the 10 alternate covers exactly. of everything oh, and it, holographic covers holographic and foil covers, covers foil covers and, and all the shit putting them in bags and yeah, all this shit. trading cards exactly it became a collector's market and it fucking was horrible yeah so so rob liefeld's no jim lee in my opinion no i agree i agree i'm not trying to like I'm not saying Liefeld's like the shit or anything. So Rob Liefeld's going to get wind of this fucking podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get like He's anthrax in the oh, mail or something. <laughs> hey, on the uh, Deadpool track, the schmoes have been trying to get that review of Deadpool out of me on Twitter. Uh-huh. I've been so busy I haven't had time to play it, though this is not going to be like a Shadow of Mordor thing. I'm going to actually get a chance here to get it loaded up, so... I uh I'm gonna call it like Ruth and I'll have that for them next week. Okay. Chadwick Bozeman was speaking to comic book resources and talked a little about the uh Marvel event where he was introduced as Black Panther, as well as the character and the movie itself. Here's what Chadwick Bozeman had to say. The reaction on stage at the El Capitan Theater was like amazing. Just to be there. The way that Marvel set it up and, and wanted to surprise people with it, it was one of the best surprises that I've ever been a part of. I've heard from a, a lot of my friends and a lot of people, and I don't know uh, a lot. A lot of people I don't know who have congratulated me, but I've actually not heard a lot from other people because I went away. I tried to get away from everything just to ground myself, but it's been amazing. I'm so excited. I'm ready to start right now, and they're telling me, slow down a little bit. And here's what he had to say about Black Panther. 
It's been done before in different ways, but it's never been done exactly like this. Wesley Snipes also had his own franchise. You have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge what, you know, Anthony Mackie's doing with the Falcon. But this is a little different in the way that Marvel is presenting it. So it's amazing. So he's basically saying that, you know, Marvel's doing something with this Black Panther movie that they'd never done before. Yeah. And um, I think he's right. Marvel is doing it. So it's huge. Um, You know, I mean, we did have Blade, you know, which was an African-American character. And that was with Fox. We did have a Spawn movie. Mm -hmm. But I think when Marvel does it after, you know, Phase 2 was so amazing, blew everybody away. We had Guardians of the Galaxy, which is this movie that everybody was thinking is going to be like the first – it could be the, the first Marvel flop. Yeah. You know? And when you've got Marvel Studios doing a movie with an African-American as your main hero, this is on another level that you know the Spawn movie couldn't attain. This is on another level that the Blade movies couldn't attain. This is huge. You know, you've got Chadwick Boseman who's just been knocking it out of the park. This guy played uh, Jackie Robinson in 42. Mm -hmm. This guy played James Brown on Get On Up. And, you know, I mean, two amazing – Jackie Robinson, what he did for African-Americans in baseball was legendary. Oh, definitely. Same thing with James Brown. What he did for, like, soul music. Exactly. And now he's getting to play Marvel's first African-American superhero. Mm -hmm. This guy is the luckiest man in Hollywood. Yeah. He's wrapping up all these – he's locking up all these amazing roles. Better be hitting the gym. Mm -hmm. Mm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got a director lined up for that yet? We don't. I have not heard a director lined up for it. Be interesting to hear what what happens there. Yeah, I'm excited for a Black Panther movie. Oh, definitely. I'm excited to see how it ties into everything too. Like what what's going to carry over into it and what's going to carry out of it. Right. So a lot of possibilities there. Uh, excited to see a fully costumed Black Panther in Civil War. Yeah, that'll be That'd exciting. Be cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, Marvel. Had uh, we've heard rumblings that uh, you know they are possibly going to cast Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. It's still not been confirmed. There was an interview on the superhero show where he was asked about Doctor Strange months. This was months ago, and this could be very telling as to whether he will be the Source of Supreme. You guys want to hear this? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, kicking off with Doctor Strange. Well, Doctor Strange is the weird one. Like, we've known it's been happening for a long, long time, and we know Scott Derrickson is directing. People are attached to it. We knew it was going ahead, but it wasn't officially, officially given a date. Probably a big talking point this week would have been Cumberbatch being rumoured to play the part. Yeah. Like, there's lots of actors have been in the mix for it. Um, Joaquin Phoenix has been rumoured. But over the last week, it seems like Cumberbatch has come to the forefront. It was suggested it was a done deal, wasn't it? He can definitely play very intelligent, play Sherlock. But he he has that feeling of being quite egotistical, Mm -hmm. even though he's a very nice man. He's a very nice man. And how um, do you know this, Chris? 
Uh, I've interviewed him a few times, and the last time I interviewed him, which was a couple of weeks ago for The Imitation Game, which is coming out very soon and is a very good film. Um, but at the end of the interview, I decided to put the Doctor Strange uh, question to him. So this was just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, before, the, before any kind of announcement, just to gauge any kind of interest. And I think his reaction is quite interesting. We do a show called The Superhero Show on IGN. Yeah. Uh, and one character we've all agreed we'd love to see you play is Doctor Strange. Oh, right. Do you okay. know anything about that character? And is no, tell me. Tell me about Doctor Strange. Um, he's a sorcerer supreme. Oh, is he? He has a go-to. Oh, right. Is that what, like Robert Downey Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as in, but you know, more magical. Oh, I see. Is that a character magical. you'd ever be interested in playing if it ever crossed your path? Mm. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. No, I know a little bit about Doctor Strange. Um, yeah. Maybe. That's quite a cheeky response. It was. Yeah. Do you see that? He keeps looking at the camera. He looks at the camera two times when he's yeah. drinking the water. I think when you put the question to him initially and you say, we do the superhero show. Yeah. You, there's a moment and we've like paused it and you kind of, I think he goes, oh, how do I handle this? Yeah. And I think he's gone down the route of being kind of jokey about it because he knows that probably the announcement's a few weeks away. Yeah. Uh, Rich, can you, can you just play the bit where he um, drinks the water again? Oh, I see. Is that a character you'd ever be interested in playing if it ever crossed your path? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. No, I know a little bit about Doctor Strange. Um, he goes a bit Brent. I particularly like the bit where yeah. he drinks the water. Yeah, he's like buying himself some thinking time, I think. So uh, he obviously he was obviously in talks. Yeah. I mean, from the way he reacted, he was obviously in talks. And even off camera, we kind of laughed about it a little bit about how he couldn't really say anything. And it's it's uh, it's complicated and tricky characters to play. But um, but since then, so I guess we were all kind of gearing up towards it being announced in this, um, Foggy announcing it at this event. But he didn't. And I believe the question was put to him. Uh, why haven't you announced Benedict Cumberbatch? And he said, um, if it were confirmed, we would have introduced him today. So and then when still... I talk about other casting, so I guess negotiations are still happening. So, okay. Um, okay. I think that Marvel wanted to announce a Doctor Strange at San Diego Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. And what happened was they were still talking to Joaquin Phoenix at the time. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that fell out. Um and I think, honestly, I think that at this Marvel event that, that that happened, you know, a couple weeks ago on Tuesday, they were wanting to announce two actors, you know, for, for parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they were wanting to announce Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther. And I also think that they were wanting to announce Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. That still hasn't been confirmed yet. At least we got our Chadwick Boseman announcement. But what I found really interesting in that interview, and I did get to see the video, is that when they did ask him, it was almost like he used the water to kind of think about what his response was going to be. As mm-hmm. he's drinking that water, he's thinking. Mm-hmm. And he used that water to kind of like, yeah, I'm a little I'm a little familiar with the character. Yeah. Um He's I, like maybe mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's gonna be a done deal here very shortly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you've been telling me. I'm still at a just a, a, a at a uh just at a taste it with that. Yeah. I'm still at a toss it. A toss it? Yeah, I tossed it in the first because I just have no excitement for it. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was a taste it. Yeah. I'm still I just at a taste it. It's it's I don't think there's anything about it. Uh I don't think casting Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange is a toss it by any means. I think it's a safe pick. Yeah. The guy's a good actor. Did great in Warhorse. 
Um, I enjoyed his performance in 12 Years a Slave. Um, he's a great Sherlock. Um, I just don't think that this is anything as far as a Tupperware. I, it, it, it's, it's nothing that screams to me like, oh wow, yeah, this is Doctor Strange. Yeah, that's why I toss it. That, you know, go oh, ahead. Frank. I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you. Go it's ahead. A, so, because it's a safe pick, yeah. for you it's a toss it. Yeah. For that reason. For that reason. Because I, with all the names that were floating around, I just expected to get, like, knocked out of my shoes when I heard the Doctor Strange casting announcement. Who would have been a Tupperware for you? Uh, almost in, almost a bunch of the other names. Like, we talked about this, like, last week, like, Phoenix for sure, um, Leto for sure, um, even Ethan Hawke. Um, God, there was other names on the table that were all Tupperwares for me. They were just yeah. I would have Tupperwared Ethan Hawke. I would have top, I would have Tupperwared Keanu Reeves, of course, because I've been a bit big uh, supporter of that. But those are the two names that I would have. I would have uh, definitely Tupperwared. Yeah, I was just kind of thinking, you know, waiting until uh, you got something to go on with it. I mean. Yeah, there there could be bigger names, but it doesn't always mean that the bigger name's going to turn into bigger performance. No, I totally agree. And at the end of the day, I could still Tupperware this movie and his performance. Sure, it's just is where I am at it with it now. Just strictly with the casting, you're like, yeah, eh. it doesn't it doesn't get me ramped up for the Doctor Strange movie to hear that. But I, I on the flip side, I think like uh, I think this is a guy that's going to want to come in there and do the best job he can as Doctor Strange. I mean. Mm-hmm. He's so fucking dedicated to every role that he's involved in that it'd be I I'd be kind of messed up to say like oh Jared Leto's the kind of guy that's just gonna go balls deep into fucking Joker but then on the flip side me saying like oh Benedict Cumberbatch is not this is a guy that like went to the fucking like zoo to study iguanas so that he could play smog in the the hobbit movies and the voice acting that he did was amazing for that yeah right. he's just never done anything that's knocked me out of my socks i've never watched sherlock to be fair but just there's he hasn't done anything that's just like wow he's great he needs to be dr strange for me i'm not saying that that stuff doesn't exist i just I'm, haven't seen it well it's not like i'm gonna go on the attack here and yeah. be like yeah. what the fuck jake fuck you no yeah. he's perfect this is not like terry cruz luke cage to me <laughs> yeah. So. And, yeah but i mean i i i toss him but i tupperware scott derrickson doing this i am very excited for that yeah like just that he's gonna bring such a different flavor i think we're gonna see the kind of marvel movie that we've never seen before right it's gonna be very different Right. So I'll, I would have been more upset if they would have cast you and McGregor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't have been all that excited for that either. That would have been bad casting. All right. Let's talk about what if they would have cast. What if, what if, okay. I want to know what your <laughs> thoughts are on if they would have cast uh, another name that was in the running that they were talking about. What if they would have cast uh, Matthew McConaughey? Oh, I Tupperware that. With the, I mean, can you, Ugh. with the southern accent, which he uses in a <laughs> lot of his movies, Jake. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, and I don't know anything about Doctor Strange, but do you think that his abilities would be squandered on that? Like he's a little overqualified? I don't, I, I don't Strange... see that at all. Well, I mean, it's his own, it's a Doctor Strange solo movie, so obviously it's deserving of whatever they can give it. It's not, you know. Well, I mean, I don't know anything about the the character, so I don't know what his personality type 
is. Is he intense? Is he slapsticky? Like, what is he? I, I guess I don't follow you, Frank. I don't think there's ever an instance where it's okay to cast a lesser actor and said, we're a be- well, this is too good of an actor to cast in this role. It's never a problem I can imagine people having. It's not that it's a skill thing. Oh, Doctor Strange isn't a good enough character to deserve this good of an actor. I don't think is a problem anyone's having. No, 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 no. Right? I'm not saying that he's not a good enough character. I don't know anything about the character. I don't know what to base it on. Well, you're asking if he is a good enough character if it's overdoing it by casting a good actor. His emotional range. I don't know what the character's emotional range is. I got you. You know what I mean? Help me out here. Are you following any of this, Brian? No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. It just seems to be like, especially with him being such a hot commodity right now, it's almost trying to like pour an ocean into a cup, I guess. I don't know. I don't have anything to base the character on, so I don't know if it's a good fit or not. Yeah. I think, I mean, they can go whatever route they want with it, I think. You know, they can make minor changes to the character, and most likely they will. What if they would have cast uh, Daniel Day Lewis as Doctor Strange? Oh, I tougher were that too. <laughs> I love. Love Daniel Day-Lewis, but the same problem exists. I don't know anything about Doctor Strange to tell you if it's a fit. Then you're not – you're out of the conversation then. Yeah. I mean it can be – they can adjust it to the actor no matter who they cast. Like they can write for that actor a little bit, you know? Well, they've done that. I mean look yeah. at Chris Evans with Captain America. Totally. Look at Chris Hemsworth with Thor. Yeah, totally. So I, I think, Frank, you could still be in the conversation just because you don't know much about Doctor Strange doesn't mean – I mean, you know enough. It's he's a master of mystical arts. Well, right, yeah. In a little bit of a recluse type of character, you know, kind of an introvert superhero. So, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Benedict just doesn't get me. Doesn't get my heart pumping. I'm not tossing it. I am tasting it. I and the reason I'm tasting it is because I think it is a safe choice. I don't think it's like anything outside of the box. No, it's just like you were saying earlier with the Johnny Depp Joker. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. I would have to assume with it being, you know, a Marvel character, it's going to have similar, he's going to have similar traits to, you know, the others would have, so he's going to have his humorous moments. Yeah, Doctor Strange may may not be a very funny character. He might be, um, like, funny in his non-funniness, if right. you follow like what I'm saying. Like he's too much of a straight man or something? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. He, he, I think he'll take everything very seriously and the humor may be derived from that. Okay. From well, other characters reacting to the like, other yes. characters reacting to the characters where the the humor yeah. lies. Exactly. Gotcha. Agreed. Okay. All right. So he's an, he's pretty no nonsense, Doctor Strange. He's not cracking wise too often. Gotcha. Right. So unless it's, I guess, Bendis, Doctor Strange. Is it kind of like it's awkward, like the comics are Thor's a little bit more awkward than he is in the cinematic universe? Yeah. Where, where he's actually like saying like comrade. Yeah, he he's going to have a lot of weird friend words. Friend Stark. Because he does his powers by saying words. Oh, shit. Okay, that's right. I remember you guys saying that. So it'll, it'll, be, it'll be interesting. Okay. All right, guys. It was uh, Idris Elba. Yeah. He plays Heimdall in the, Thormdall, uh, in the uh, Thor movies. Uh, he was the one that spilled the beans about Tom Hiddleston being in Avengers Age of Ultron as uh, as well as, like, the Infinity movies, mm-hmm. the Infinity Wars. Because he was talking about himself, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, why would he do that? Well, 
from the sounds of it, Idris Elba isn't too fond of Marvel right now. Here's his quotes spilling the beans about him being in Age of Ultron. Mm. So Idris Elba is in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Have you guys heard these quotes? No. I, I knew he was in it, but I haven't heard these. Okay. Here's what he has to say. Ironically, yesterday I had to – and then he he kind of laughs. He, he's not meant to talk about this, but he clearly enjoys doing things he's not meant to do. <laughs> he says, I'm in Avengers, and I'm doing a scene with Chris Hemsworth and Tom Hiddleston, and they're like – Aren't you meant to be in Ibiza? The bassy chuckle again, followed by a frown. Elba came straight to Ibiza party time from a mythical Norse god Marvel universe that was made that ma- that has made billions at the global box office. His head is all over the place. He says, "That's why I was pissed about my set yesterday. I really just wasn't there. I was annoyed." And here he is talking about why he's annoyed with Marvel. I'm actually falling down from a spaceship. So they had to put me in a harness in this green screen studio. And in between takes, I was stuck there. Fake hair stuck onto my head with glue. This fucking helmet while they reset. And I'm thinking, 24 hours ago, I was Mandela. When I walked into the set, the extras called me Mediba. I was literally walking in this man's boots. Within six months, the crew, we were also in love with this film we had made. I was him. I was Mandela, practically. So basically what he's saying is like, I come off doing like this serious art piece, you know, being Mandela, and here I am as Heimdall, and they got me like, you know, strung up on strings and shit in Marvel and he just doesn't feel like he gets the same amount of respect. Yeah, it sounds like he's being a bit of an egomaniac. Like on uh, one movie he's like the starring role and it's, you know, like a different kind of movie. Of course that he's going to get that kind of respect. But I mean, he's got to accept that in Age of Ultron, it the movie's not about him. He's just like another piece of the chessboard and he's just there for that one part, you know, just to to do his thing. I mean, we were never going to have a Heimdall movie by any means whatsoever or ever have him be the focal point of a Marvel movie. Like it's got to be weird for a guy that when he first got signed on as Heimdall, he wasn't the big name that he is now. Yeah. And so he's still stuck in this contract with Marvel playing this lesser character. And on. Um, now he's he's a bigger actor than he was back then, but he's still playing this lesser character in the Marvel Universe. It's it's a weird transition. Um, I'll just be happy for him when he's kind of done with the Marvel contract, doesn't have to worry about playing Heimdall, and then this guy can just move on and play different parts that he wants to play. Yeah, definitely. Because it is kind of a distraction. Yeah, I agree. I'm not a big fan of him saying the stuff he's saying in the media like that, though. I mean, just go in and do the best you can and, and go out. I mean, you signed up for this stuff. It's They weren't ever telling him that he was going to have a Heimdall movie or be, like, the main character in Thor 3 or anything. So... I, yeah, I mean, you play your part. Just because you got famous doesn't mean they need to rewrite that around you. And the closest thing that I could compare that to would be like Jennifer Lawrence and Mystique. I don't hear her bitching and complaining that 
she doesn't have her own solo flick. Yeah, but to be fair, they're giving her a shit ton of screen time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. They are. Yeah, more than really the character deserves. Yeah. In the Fox uh, X-Men universe. Yeah, so she has nothing to bitch about because they're specifically tailoring the movies to give her more screen time. Where in Idris's case, they're, he, you know, he goes in, he does a fucking uncomfortable green, ski, green screen filming. And yeah. then he goes out. Of course he's not a big fan of that. He just had a bad experience on the set. Yeah, no one wants to be strung up in front of a screen with goofy shit stapled yeah. to their heads. Maybe he should, he should have just like kept it to himself. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I think this is just his way of saying, like, you know, once I'm done with this contract with Marvel, I'm done with Heimdall. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I toss his comments in the media about this. Right. Keep it to yourself. It would be totally hilarious if what they did was, regardless of whatever comic lore there is, just murder him in the worst possible way and on film. Yeah, it's one thing if you have like. So you take. You're saying that they should take the like the, the South Park chef, the South the South Park chef approach to this, <laughs> slap it together, have it be fucking torn apart piece by piece. That's what they did to Chef. Yeah, like uh, when uh, what's his name. Uh, What's his name that played Chef? Oh, uh, Isaac Hayes. Yeah, Isaac exactly. Hayes. Like when he got offended by a certain like uh, episode that they did, and so he dropped off a of South Park. And so like in like the final Chef episode, I don't think he had a speaking line. Right. They just like threw him into a pit, <laughs> like 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 uh, Mortal Kombat style, and he fell into like a pit, spikes up and shit, and it killed him. And that was like the end of Chef. Yeah. That's awesome. So. I'm not even a South Park fan, but I love that. And then, oh, God. Uh, South Park, the last couple seasons, has been absolutely awful. This season has been actually really, really good. Oh, wow. It's been really wow. fun. I, I saw the uh, one with the freemium games. The the Terrence and Phillip one? Yeah. Wasn't that great? It was great. It was really – it was a return to form for South Park. It was yeah. really it was funny good. because it's just like fucking Candy Crush or any yes. of these other games that make you pay to play. Yeah, it's a free game, but – then like like yeah go around and collect coins and then like <laughs> and, and so you collect these coins it's like oh do you want more coins do you want to build a hospital well you, all you have to do is spend 49 cents and you can get 200 coins right yeah. and so it's not a free game and i thought that was really fun and really relevant for like the games that are coming out now on like these ios oh definitely you know they, I mean? they got me sucked into that nonsense yeah right for sure brian and you guys see me tapping on my stupid shit every fucking week <laughs> oh god <laughs> so i've refrained tonight i've been good i haven't tapped my simpsons or my family guy once yet yeah that's true so yeah one week out of fucking <laughs> 20 oh man they they kill me on that shit i gotta get my ghostbusters characters man <laughs> Actress Jessica Chastain, she stars in Interstellar, uh, A Most Violent Year, and then Ridley Scott's upcoming movie, The Martian, that we talked about last week. Who was she in Interstellar? Interstellar, she played Murph. Oh, okay. The, oh, the older Murph. Okay. Middle Murph? Middle Murph. Middle Murph. Yeah, not the uh, old raggedy Murph. Okay, middle, <laughs> middle Murph. Middle Murph. Uh, she confirms in an interview with MTV, that she's talked to Marvel about an undisclosed role, and people right out of the gate speculate that it was Carol Danvers' Captain Marvel, but she's confirmed that that wasn't the role she talked to them about. I want you guys to listen to this interview. Of course she has. Have you talked to Marvel since the Iron Man 3 thing? That almost obviously happened. We've talked about 
you know, aligning our forces <laughs> in the future. And here's the thing with me. I don't, I want, if I'm going to be in a superhero movie, you only get one chance, right? You're that character forever. Right. So why do a superhero movie and play like the boring civilian? Right. Right? You don't want to be the girl. You want to be I the girl. Be, right? Like, I could either, whatever it is, I want a fight scene. Right. And I could be like an incredible villain. Mm-hmm. I could be like a hero. I want a cool outfit and I want to kick ass. Has there been anything that's come close where you said that seems right for me? There was one thing, oh, I don't want to say too much, but there was one thing that, no, it's not going to be, but in the, there was a possibility in the future of the character becoming, and I was like, I understand that, but I yeah. want to do it now. Do you, um, do you know about this uh, Captain Marvel character? Some people have been yes, talking I about you know for about that, that one. Listen, that's 2018. <laughs> You're like, let's do this. Come we on. We don't know, like, you know, where we'll be in 2000. Maybe I'll give up acting by then. Yeah, right. <laughs> I doubt that seriously. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... She basically confirmed that she's not going to be Captain Marvel in that interview. Yeah. Um, what do you think that Marvel could cast her for? She did admit that she uh, has talked to them. What do you think? Uh, what roles do you think that uh, she could have talked to Marvel about uh, being in an upcoming Marvel film? I don't know, but it sounds like whatever they talked about, she turned it down, right? Based on the fact that she said, you know, you only get one go at it, and she doesn't want to do it unless it's... She wants an action scene, yeah. she wants to kick ass. Well, I I got that she was in talks with somebody about it, and then didn't want to, like, jinx it. Yeah, this seems very Momoa-esque, in a way. Yeah. That she may be just, um, not saying the truth here, kind of. Okay, let's think about uh, what female roles Marvel has talked about possibly casting. Mm-hmm. We got- do know... No, go ahead. I was going to say the Wasp is the first one that comes to my mind, possibly. Good, good call. We need a um, Janet Van Dyne. Yeah. So, maybe. Are they going to do She-Hulk? That's a good question. Um, I I have not heard anything about a She-Hulk yeah. solo film. Or whether she would ever even be in one of the other films. Right. So. What about the two female roles that they've added to Guardians of the Galaxy 2? Oh, very interesting. Um, what about a female role in the Inhumans movie? Mm, good call, too. Medusa, possibly. Crystal. Crystal, too, yeah. So... I don't know. I just wanted to throw it out there. This is one of those. <laughs> this is this kind of. This is very reminiscent of the Chadwick Boseman interviews that we had posted year, mm-hmm. like last year and earlier this year, and, mm-hmm. and Chadwick Boseman possibly playing Black Panther. So, guys, keep your eyes and ears open for Jessica Chastain. We might see her cast in a future Marvel movie. So just just getting the word out there. She definitely sounds like she wants to do it, and it seems like Marvel's talking to her. So Yeah. All right, let's take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about Star Wars news. All right. All right. All 
right, hey, we're going to talk about Star Wars news. We're going to talk about the biggest Star Wars news here in a second. But first, I wanted to talk about Star Wars Rebels. Mm. All right, guys. Have you guys – I already know the answer. Have you guys watched any more Star Wars Rebels? Since I have the, not. I figured as much. I saw the uh, movie the premiere, Rebellion. that was it. The Rebellion. Guys, I'm here to tell you that you guys need to jump in on this. Okay. How far are we in now? Like eight uh, episodes? No, four episodes. Okay. Four episodes, fifth episode's coming out in a couple days. Uh, Star Wars Rebels, I have been loving it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we saw Spark of the Rebellion, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I gave it a uh, Tupperware. Jakey gave it a taste. It. Frank, you didn't get to rate it. What would you rate Star Wars, the movie Spark of the Rebellion? Uh, taste it. Okay. I, I liked it. Uh, it was really good. There wasn't anything really that. Uh, uh, I, I could pinpoint that I disliked about it, but um, yeah, I, I, I made me curious to see a little bit more, but obviously not enough to go climbing back through my DVR and get them watched. You know what I didn't do? I didn't play the Star Wars. <laughs> I didn't play the Star Wars music. Oh, I thought you were going to say you didn't press record. Oh, yeah. No, I <laughs> pressed record. Damn it, I didn't play the Star Wars music, and I don't have it pulled up. I really want to play this, though. <sighs> What's the use of saying? <laughs> exactly. All right, hold on. Let me find it here. I feel really bad. All right, let me pause. All right, we're back. I'm going to play the... Yeah, I got to play this. I feel like a douche if I don't fucking play this. Here we go. Yeah, definitely. The gods! What are Misa saying? You are supposed to be here with me, listening to Pop Culture Leftovers podcast. That's not true. All right. So Star Wars Rebels, it started. We had episode one, and I totally just just knocked all these episodes out today. Oh, nice. And uh, in episode one of the proper Star Wars Rebels... We get uh, the return of C-3PO and R2-D2 in that first episode. Yes, that makes me want to watch it right at the back. Cool. Fantastic. I loved it. Um, At the end of the episode, they're given to Senator Organa at the end of that episode. Cool. Uh, In that episode, Ezra, you know, like the Cheshire Cat Jason Statham character, Mm -hmm. he he gets his life saved by – no, yeah, Ezra saves Zeb's life in that uh, that episode, which is awesome. Episode 2 – um, Ezra and Zeb are sent into town for fruit and supplies, mm. and it's amazing. Um, the dynamic between Zeb and Ezra is awesome. They are constantly arguing with one another, and it reminds me of Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm, and I love it. Okay, kind of picking on each other. It's so fantastic. That whole episode is is a Tupperware for me. Uh, Zeb steals a TIE fighter in this episode, and it's pretty awesome. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Um, in episode three, there is a tease that uh, there's another Jedi alive. You need to watch this movie. And that Jedi is Luminara Unduli. She was seen in the uh, Star Wars uh, movie Attack of the Clones. She's the um, Jedi. Jedi... Yes, she's the Jedi that was uh, that was killed on Kashyyyk, the planet of uh, the Wookiees. Yeah, I, I'm I'm picturing her. And uh, she's not a Twi'lek, is she? What's that? I think is she, she a Twi'lek. I think she might be. She might be. Okay. 
not sure of the race. Um, or is she like Kiati Mundi? No, she's not like that. No. Okay. All right. Sorry. That's the Conehead one. They tease that she might be alive. So watch that episode to find out if Luminari and Dooley is alive or not alive. Hmm. Part of that tease is uh, Cannon is saying that we need to rescue her so she can train Ezra because he feels like he's not a good Jedi Master to train Ezra, that they need somebody else to train Ezra. Hmm, that's cool. It's very cool. Um, Ezra is then promised by the end of that episode that Canon is going to start his Jedi training, and we get our first uh, introduction to an Inquisitor hmm. in that episode. The Inquisitor in the episode, I'll be honest with you, you know, that, 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 that first scene when you're watching, uh, The Phantom Menace and you see, um, I am, I've been, talking about the mall and Darth the city mall. scene. Yeah, I'm sorry. I've been drinking quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When you see Darth Maul and he's got the dual sated lightsaber, mm-hmm. the lightsaber that the Inquisitor has in this is Fucking amazing! Uh-huh. Have you seen Have you seen the toy where it's the spherical? Yes, I have. Yes. Well, what happens is like it is a dual sided lightsaber, but it takes it to another level. It actually starts spinning around like a uh, helicopter propeller. Oh, wild! And he can throw it like a boomerang. <laughs> And it will come back to him. Holy oh, shit. wow. And it is really, really fucking awesome. Yeah. I've got the um, Disney XD on my Apple TV, so I can watch it streaming off of that. You need to watch these. Um, number four, episode four, Ezra goes undercover in the Stormtrooper Cadet Academy. <laughs> and that's a, that's a fun episode. It's really Ezra-centric. And, uh, you know, the other characters play a part in it towards the end of it. But, man, I am – guys, I, I'll be honest with you. This Star Wars Rebels, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm awesome. still going to give it a Tupperware. I think in these four episodes alone, they're better than the Star Wars prequels in my opinion. Wow. They really are. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, a, a lot of the one-liners and the banner between – different characters i'm loving star wars rebels and i did like a four episode run today just to get caught up on the series now i am so invested i think i'm just gonna watch it week to week i'm having so much fun with this show yeah you might be better served to do it in the four chunks because they're just like 20 (laughs) 22 minute things yeah it really is and i had a lot of fun watching them back to back to back to back to back today i I really did because yeah it'll probably be like a 22 to 26 episode season and so you'll get yourself you know five or six good four episode chunks in there yeah that might be the way to go it was so much fun i'm really enjoying this I like the droid that they have with them. There, uh, there was an uh, an episode where that droid came into contact with R two D two. Oh, nice! And that was a lot of fun. So, have they been in every episode since episode one? Now, C three PO and R two D two. Yeah, no, just in episode, just episode two. One. Okay, it, oh, two. it should I spoil? No, no, don't. No, spoil. yeah, because okay. I want to watch them. All right. I, I really enjoyed it, guys. If you aren't watching it, uh, you definitely need to. 
Um, part of me is wondering, um, you know, like what characters like are we going to see from this maybe possibly show up in Star Wars Episode 7? And I'm thinking, if anything, we're going to see not maybe Zeb, but maybe one of his race in a future you know the Cheshire Cat looking dude. Yeah, I believe that because I know that they um a lot of those designs they talk to like the episode like to Abrams and people about the designs of those characters and everything. So we we did find out about um uh Zeb's race. Mm-hmm. They were pretty much wiped out. His entire planet was wiped out by this uh, particular weapon. Um, this weapon, uh, when it comes in co- contact with organic life forms, mm-hmm. just completely wipes them out. So there's not a lot of his race left. That planet has been wiped out. So any, any members of his race that are still alive were located on different planets. So it's a very, uh, hmm. his race is kind of like on the uh, extinct list so it could go either way then yeah it's very convenient if he yeah. if we never see that kind of character again yeah also guys uh yeah but i'm gonna tupperware star wars rebels i'm loving it it's so much fun Good. guys please watch it please watch it jake i think you'll really like did it. you like the first four episodes more than the movie yes i did okay. i i really did Good. i really did um uh, okay. the introduction i haven't seen the uh vader episode it has not been shown yet uh-huh but uh, I, I I did like it more than the movie. Yeah, they they get better. The uh, I think my favorite episode though was episode two when uh, Zeb and Ezra were uh, sent into town to grab supplies, and those two had to work together. And uh, yeah, it totally bit off like Johnny Storm and Ben Grimm their <laughs> interaction. But just watching those two work together was a lot of fun. And uh, uh, Ezra saves, in episode one, he saves Zeb's life. And so, like, he constantly is bringing up that that fact to Zeb throughout that episode, episode two, that he saved his life. And, oh, my God, does it piss Zeb off. (laughs) And it's so much fun. Wishes he was dead. He probably hears it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, guys, Star Wars Episode Seven now has a title that was revealed on Twitter this past Thursday, and that title is Jake. The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. So we're going to rate this title. Yes, we are going to rate a title. All right. So, guys, I want you to rate the title for Star Wars Episode Seven. I don't care what that rating is. I don't care if you toss it, if you taste it. If you Tupperware, hell, I don't give a shit if you fucking freeze it. <laughs> I want to know what your honest rating for Star Wars The Force Awakens is. Oh, man. I'll go. Go for Frank. it, Frank. I'm going to taste it. Um, I, I We've experienced worse names, uh, The Phantom Menace. The fa- I, Why is The Phantom Menace a worse name? Are just, you in this camp? No, I like really? the Phantom Menace. I think the Phantom Menace is fantastic. If yeah, you're gonna I love pick, it. if you're gonna pick on a name, pick on Attack of the Clones. Oh, yeah, I didn't say that was still either. Attack of the Clones is <laughs> the Attack of the the Clones is so goddamn lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 the Phantom Menace it's, is 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 a Tupperware in my opinion. I agree. Really? Thank oh, you. Okay. Yeah, because it really it's really the whole point of the movie. It's just all the rise of Darth Sidious and the and the strings he pulls behind the scenes Excellent. to be the Phantom Menace. Excellent. 
Yes. And it's, it's, yeah, I love it. It's one uh, of the best. I love it too. That man, I, I probably stepped in it. I've got to be like in singular camp there then. No, you're not. I read, um, I read the Entertainment Weekly, um, link when The Force Awakens was announced. And within the first paragraph, it was like, regardless of what you think of the title The Force Awakens, we can all agree that it's a better title than The Phantom Menace. And I was like, come on. Like, Jesus. Come shit. on. <laughs> Why you got to shit on that title? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's a Tupperware. I mean, primarily because we don't know the ins and outs of the movie. I mean, it'll pro- it'll depend on how the movie goes to how well the title fits. It's a very good point. It's a gr- I agree. It's and a that's, great point, Frank. And I and I'll go next. And then that that's exactly what I was going to say. Pretty much, it's either either I freeze this or I toss it. It's one or the other, basically. Um, you know, it, just like The Phantom Menace may sound silly before you see the movie and then realize what a fantastic title it is, maybe this also sounds very silly right now, but after we see Episode 7 will make a lot more sense and right. seem a lot more relevant yeah. than it seems out of context. Yeah. So, But, oh my gosh, it's been a lot of fun making fun of this title <laughs> since it came out. <laughs> it's been like my favorite pastime since the moment this came out. Do you out. like my Facebook post? Po- uh, Facebook post. <laughs> do you like? Do you like my Facebook posts? Oh yeah, they were. I love it. I love it. Um, me and David Isaacs and uh, Joe Schmo were yeah. just going nuts on Twitter with the yeah. Star Wars titles. It was a lot of yeah. fun. Rejected of fun. Star Wars names. Yeah. Hashtag rejected Star Wars titles. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a freeze it. Um, the reason I'm going to give it a freeze it is because like if this movie knocks it out of the ballpark, I'm going to feel like a fucking idiot for tossing it. Uh, number two. Yeah. You know what I mean? (laughs) I've said, yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, you know, on the flip side, if I tossed it and yeah, I mean, if, if I, if I Tupperwared it and it's uh, absolute shit, then I'm going to be, feel like an idiot for, you know. Giving it a, a Tupperware, so I right now I'm gonna freeze it because uh, I, I think it's premature. I, I can't judge The Force Awakens just by the title. I have to see where JJ is gonna go with this movie. All right, so we've got our rating. Frank, you're, you tasted it. Yep. Jake, you. I toss slash freeze it. You toss slash freeze it. <laughs> I'm gonna freeze it. That's a hard freeze. It's a hard freeze until until I see where this movie is going. I mean, I very much hope that I see the movie and I walk out of the theater and I'm like, oh, that's why they called it The Force Awakens. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And that's what happened when you saw The Phantom Menace. It is what happened, to be yeah, fair. Me too. Yeah. Me too. When I saw The Phantom Menace, I was like, okay, that's why they called it Phantom Menace, Tupperware. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was just the whole time. It was just all the things, little things he was doing to, yeah. get, to make that power play yeah. to get in there. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, my big question to you is we got the title. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking about when you get a title? Now, you're trying to figure, like, what the plot is of the movie. So my question to you is, and please, I hope to God you've put a lot of thought into this because God knows I have. (laughs) What does that title mean? What does it mean? It, it, It can mean all kinds of stuff. Go into those all kinds of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we've heard lots of rumors that we could see a return of the Emperor, and I think it could maybe be connected to that. Good point. It could be connected to, I mean, we know, we obviously know that Mark Hamill's in it, you know, reprising Luke Skywalker. Right. And it could be in, 
regards to that and him awakening more students of the force and making more new Jedi and stuff. It could be a combination of those two things. Yeah. With the balance, like if you have an arising in the dark side, then Luke comes back and the force itself reawakens, I guess. Could happen. Hopefully it doesn't mean that some plot twist that the real force has never even been seen yet. Yeah. And now the real deal is here. And and oh, I hadn't know. even thought about that. That's going to give me nightmares now. <laughs> I mean, it could be done well, I guess, but I hope that's not what it means. Frank, what do you think that the the Force Awakens means? Well, kind of like what we were saying with uh, you know, Rise of the Dark Side and Luke coming back. You know, after every after the events of uh Episode 6, right. Uh, you know, if Luke went into hiding then if there wasn't as active Sith, then I guess technically the Force would be laying dormant. Right. And then if something happens where if Sidious comes back or, so, you know, another threat arises and Luke comes back to meet it, then both sides of the Force are being represented and coming back. So, All right. For me, okay, let's – let me break this down. Sounds like the Force hasn't been used in 30 years since the end of Jedi. Yeah. It awakens. So it's been asleep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's the light side, right? Mm-hmm. And there's the dark side, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. They both make up sides of the force, correct? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So it's not like the force is just the light side. Is that correct? Yeah. It's, correct. it's both sides. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So without one, you can't have the other. That is correct. Okay. The dark side, we were led to believe, was eradicated. Mm-hmm. Okay. But can they really exist one without the other? Yeah, well, no. Not in the Star Wars universe, they nope. can't. Agreed. Just like Anakin's mother was, you know, she was knocked up from the midichlorians. <laughs> <laughs> Could this mean that the dark side of the force has now awakened. I mean, are we looking at this the wrong way? Are we looking at this like, Oh, the force awakens. We're only thinking of the light side. Could the, when they say the force, the force is made up of the light side and the dark side, the yin and the yang. Well, I, yeah, I completely agree. I mean, like I was saying, I, I think maybe it could possibly be connected to the emperor or whatever new evil is. Yeah. yeah. Is you think, so you're thinking like the, the birth of like some kind of Sith antichrist type thing? I've kind of thought that. Like I, that's I, interesting. I've, I've, I have brought that up. I don't know if that's the way they're going to go, but like I thought like in the original, uh, trilogy episodes four, five, and six, we saw like uh, the the up and coming of uh, Luke Skywalker. I thought that th- this could be like the mirror image of that, where um, we get instead of on Tatooine, we get the rise of the Luke Skywalker type character. Like the new character coming out of the like the Sith camp is going to be coming from you know like. You've got to got you got to have the dark side. Yeah, definitely. There has to be both the antagonist and the protagonist. Yeah. So maybe so maybe 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 from Tatooine we get like the new rise of the Sith Lord. But on the flip side, we've also heard that the Inquisitors might bring back like the dark side through some kind of like um, religious 
kind of like thing. I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we don't know. It's very up in the air what the dark side in this movie is going to be, especially with some of the like stuff going around out there about right. everything. Now, we've also heard that Luke has been away possibly for 20 to 30 years. Now, could this mean that after Return of the Jedi, there were no Jedi schools? It definitely sounds like there were not. Right. Bet, bet, I would say there's not. Bets are there's not. After the Empire was defeated, maybe the new galactic form of government decided that Jedis and this whole religion of the Force needed to go away. Yeah, those kooky troublemakers. Exactly. Like, you know, like, they're, they're the problem. Yeah. They're the problem. The dark side of the Force, the light side of the Force, they're the problem. They need to go away. And so, he like maybe they that's what they decided like this new galactic empire has been formed mm-hmm. and what they decided is like they need to go away that is like the old that is the old religion we need to get rid of that we need to do this on our own and luke skywalker feeling the pressure of this he's been on his own for 30 years and something happens and he's needed again. Or maybe, you know, this new form of the Galactic Empire, another one we've heard, is maybe like he's been kidnapped, and maybe a new form of this Galactic Empire, they were the ones that kidnapped him. That's interesting. Perhaps the Inquisitors awaken the dark side of the Force and then bring back Palpatine from the dead, or or they bring back the Sith Lord Dark Plagueis. I definitely think the title definitely suggests bringing something back from the dead. Right. Like, I get that a lot, too, and I think about that a lot from it, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think you're on to something there. But the Force has been, uh, I don't think the Force has been something that's been implemented into the rest of the of the galaxy, the light side of the Force. I don't think that there are new Jedis. I think that maybe John Boyega's character is brought in to be the new light side of the force. Um, but I think that the dark side of the force comes back. Um, you can't have one without the other is what I'm getting at. Hmm. You know, I got fucking Rick rolled by uh, star Joe's podcast today. What's that? They, they posted, um, elite episode seven trailer and I clicked on it and it, it was a Rick Roll like you don't you know what I'm talking about? Oh, did you get I'm never gonna give you up? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it it did the whole thing. It had the green band preview and then it had the long time ago in a galaxy in a way. And the minute it, from that it cut in exactly what Frank's talking about. They're never gonna give you up. It's like the the classic internet trolling thing. It's called Rick Roll. You've never Rick heard of this? No, are you talking about Rick Astley? Yeah. 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 Never yeah. gonna give you up. Yeah, somebody yeah. gonna let you die. You trick yeah, people. Yeah. If you trick someone into watching you. that, that's Never being gonna make you cry. Yeah. yeah. Never gonna say goodbye. <laughs> Never gonna tell a lie. So. And hurt you. I was embarrassed. I hadn't been Rickrolled in at least three or four years. I was like, God damn it. It's been like three or four years. Fucking Star Joe's just Rickrolled me with episode seven. Oh, shit. I was like, I was on break. I went on break and I'm like looking at my yeah. Facebook and right. first thing I saw was this Star Joe's trailer and I'm like, oh my God, am I getting ready to watch the episode seven trailer on my right. 15 minute break? Because oh, you got to trust Star Joe's, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I did, I did. And he's like, and the, like, the write up was hilarious. Like, hilarious. It worked. It was like, well, here they go again, you know. And 
another leaked trailer from the Disney camp. Right, and I was right. Like, Fuck, they leaked Age oh. of Ultron and now they fucking leaked episode that was seven. So believable. And then next thing you know, I'm getting fucking Rick rolled. Did you guys like how I fucked everybody in the uh leftover army when it came to the Ant Man trailer? Did oh, you see yeah, that? Yeah, that was good stuff. And I too. showed the Mac and Me trailer. <laughs> <laughs> that was good stuff. That's like isn't that a Conan running joke? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny. That one actually got me too. <laughs> oh crap. Um, I am freezing this title. Um, I think, uh, within the context of the film, it could make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, Anthony Daniels, who plays C3PO, actually came out recently. And this is a guy I have a lot of respect for. Um, he said that, uh, this is actually better than, um, I think the fan favorite film of all the Star Wars films. He says that, uh, this is better than Empire Strikes Back. Wow. That, yeah, that's bold. (laughs) It's very bold. We'll see. We'll see. The title, does he like the title? (laughs) It had nothing to do with the title. It had with, they had wrapped production of the film. Mm -hmm. And from what he's seen of the movie, he said that this is better than Empire Strikes Back. Wow. Um, I'm not going to say – it's hard for me to say, oh, Anthony Daniels, what do you know? Because this guy's been there from day one. Yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, I have a hard time believing that it is going to be better than Empire. But I don't have a hard time believing that this could be the best movie next to empire yeah i could see it yeah i could see it back when we had that conversation when uh kevin smith went on the set yeah and i said i didn't need his opinion uh between that and some of the other things that people have said you know it seems like you know they're really knocking it out of the park i saw kevin smith bashing the title on his twitter did he really? <laughs> I was like, oh, what happened to the childhood joy and wonder that you experienced? Now, now we're already bashing it. What did he Holy say? Shit. What did he say? It was, it was actually very funny. Oh, fuck. It was, oh, let me find it. Give me a second. All right, I'll pause. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, Jake. Yes. What you find out, man? So the Kevin Smith tweet is, uh, so it's The Force Awakens. If The Force is anything like me, it then quietly tries to tug one out without waking up the wife. <laughs> <laughs> and That's not not funny. so much hate, more just yeah. a joke. But, yeah. but yeah. still, you know, I thought I I saw a lot of people getting in on the. I mean, it, it was just hard, you know. Guys, let's not try to let's not try to like like look into this too much. Let's just look at it for what it is, guys. The force has been a, it's not been prevalent. I mean. I don't think there's been a Jedi Academy. No. The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. I don't think I, I honestly think that um that the Force has been something that's kind of like a, a almost like considered still a dead religion. I hope so. I hope it is tied into the plot that well. And it's not just some throwaway like bullshit title, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's a bullshit title. I don't. I really don't. I think it's going to tie very much into the movie. I think it'll all make sense once we see it. Um, we're going to have a lot more Star Wars news to cover next week. I've got a lot of things that I want to talk about. But this week I wanted to focus mainly on the title. And uh, I think it has been something in the last 30 years that 
you know, it hasn't been. I don't. I, I think that I think that Luke is like the, still the last link of the Force. Um, whether the Force Awakening means that it's uh, a Sith Lord or. Uh, you know, he okay. does start training more Padawans. I don't know, but yeah, it's hard to say, or or both. Yeah, or it could be or a both. metaphor for both, right? So I mean, it's, I do like saying Star Wars uh, TFA a lot, though. I think that sounds nice. Star Wars TFA, TFA, <laughs> The Force Awakens. Yeah, I like yeah. it. TFA, <laughs> Star Wars TFA. I like I'm digging it. I like TFA. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so not, close to TNA, guys. It's too early to fucking toss this. This fucking title. Yeah. It's way too early. Let's wait until the movie comes out for us. Because, like, I'm going to feel like such a fucking asshole if I come on here and be like, I toss The Force Awakens. And then all of a sudden, Anthony Daniels is right, and this is the best fucking Star Wars movie I've ever seen. I'm that asshole that fucking tossed The Force Awakens. <laughs> you could change it. You know it. what I mean? No, no, fault no, no. It's like, what do we call? What do we call the best fucking Star Wars movie that we've ever seen? We call it Empire. Am I correct? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What, you know what? I mean, this movie could change everything and I could be like, oh yeah, when, 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 when that fucking title got introduced, I tossed The Force Awakens, which turns out to be Star Wars TFA, the best fucking movie I've ever seen. I, you know I what I mean? That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that makes it all the better. You shouldn't be embarrassed for that. Yeah, I, like, I, I, I toss slash freeze it, so we'll see. I, I definitely think that, and it's because exactly what you're saying could happen. I'm scared. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I'm gonna get. I, I'm scared. No, I'm 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 seriously scared to toss this title because it could be fucking amazing. Yeah, it could it could be great. What are yeah. you What are you guys most excited about for Episode Seven? The return of Han Solo. Yeah, I have a weird answer. I knew John Williams Star Wars music. <laughs> I'm really pumped for that. I no, that's wait. cool. Yeah, I too. I. Uh, I I'm really interested to see how Luke's character is going to be portrayed because there was always a lot of stuff with him riding that line between the light side and the dark side, even right down to how in Jedi he was wearing all black. Yeah. He was that close to going over. Yeah. Um, so I'm really curious to see if any of that had a long-lasting impression on him. Hmm. I can't wait till we see some kind of thing, whether it's a – I, I gotta assume that the next animated series might be the gap between six and seven. That they're gonna give us that at some point. Like that's not gonna be something we're never gonna talk about or never see. I really feel like there's a good chance we'll see that in animated series form and that we'll see an animated Luke and Han and Leia and all the, once episode seven drops all of its big reveals, about okay. what really did happen. Okay, so like once they finish parts seven, eight, and nine. I don't even think it has to be eight and nine. I think once just seven comes and drops kind of the big reveals of what happened in between six and seven, then I think animation can take over. Okay. And I really think they're going to want to. They're going to want to have CG animated Luke and I just, Han and Chewie. And- yeah, I just don't know if they're going to want to like uh- – reveal all that stuff before like they finish this trilogy it, it all depends on on how big of a part that missing time like 
how much information from that is relevant to the plot twist that happened past episode seven. That's a good point. So it could go either way. I agree with you, but you never know. I mean, episode seven could completely tie up for the most part what happened in those gaps or at least give you as much of an illusion to what happened as you're going to get. Here's something too that it would give them like a good reason to delay would be if they need to retcon something to try to continue to move the series forward, that gives them their opportunity to do so. Yeah. You don't see star Wars flashbacks too often though, if ever, right? Am I wrong about that? We're going to be dealing with something, though, in Episode 7. Not flashbacks, per se. But you get, like, Anakin's visions. That's the closest I can yeah. think. But you, right. don't, you, don't get, you don't get flashbacks yeah, in Star Wars. Yeah, but those are those are prophetic visions. Yes. More, they're not really, like, uh, visions of the past. Oh, I agree. That's I, There are no flashbacks in Star Wars. Yeah. So I don't think... But that's been a rumor that they're going to have uh, flashback rumors in this. Uh, flashback... There's been flashback rumors in this film. Yeah, I'll believe that when I see it. I'll believe it when I see it. I really it think yeah. that's kind of a Star Wars tradition where there are no flashbacks. And if they're going to retcon something, they have to do it moving forward without like flashing back to show us the retcon. Right. I mean, I don't know. It's just throwing it out there. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Next week, we're going to have a, few, a huge Star Wars spoiler episode there's tons of spoilers that have been released we're gonna wait to talk about those next week i i didn't want to take the focus away from the title this week so i personally think that the galact my my belief is the galactic empire they wanted to do away even though there was this great scene where you know, Luke Skywalker saves the universe and the Ewoks and everybody party and shit. I think the Galactic Empire came to the conclusion that uh, the universe would be better off without this religion, without the Force. Yeah. And one way or another, Luke Skywalker is pushed away and he is sent, uh, he is sent away and, uh, Either he gets uh, captured by the Inquisitors or he is just a, a nomad living on a planet like Dagobah or something. And uh, the Force awakens. It has to awaken um, once these Inquisitors come into play and they bring back like Plagueis or Palpatine or something like that. And now, now Luke Skywalker is needed and there's a search for Luke Skywalker. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited. You know, you know what'll be really exciting is they always give us the opening crawl a few months before the movie comes out. Yeah. That's really going to be a big hole. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's going to sum everything up. Yeah. That's going to sum a lot of things up, and that's going to be a whole episode upon itself. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I can't wait for that opening crawl. Yeah. All right, guys. This is episode 66. Um, I don't know what news is going to come out this week, but I do know we're going to talk a lot of Star Wars news next week. Sounds good. All right, guys, episode 66, uh, yeah, done. Yeah, get your kicks on episode 66. <laughs> I am, uh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you, I am really fucking drunk this episode. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember, it's been a long time since you've been this drunk. For yeah, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been holding back, but this, this week I am, uh, yeah, I'm fucking spent. Hey, good deal. <laughs> it's a good way to be. All right, guys, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Night, everybody. Bye.
Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. And as always, check out our website, www.popcultureleftovers.com. We've got great articles there. Comic reviews, movie reviews, television reviews. It's awesome. Check it out. And if you're interested in writing for the site, uh, we definitely need more writers. So send an email to domesticateddave at gmail.com. And if David Griffin likes what he reads, he'll get in contact with you. And you can be part of the team. Remember, this is a non-paying gig, but it's a really cool way to have your voice heard. And we'd love to read your submissions. So get in contact with David. And thank you. And check us out on Tumblr, too, motherfuckers. <laughs> and don't forget, we're on Instagram, too. <laughs> yeah, that just happened. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the left. Was picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean erase it, let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. That original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, clean erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushovers, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said, leftovers. sure the only talent is the band that's singing this, pop culture, leftovers.